a brawl! Dasko with the right! Dasko with the right! Set with the left! Set We knew this was gonna happen. Gage and Twist. McGrath and Troy drop the gloves. It's St. Patrick's Day. Jaboski trying to counter with a right, he gets a couple of good ones in Lassart. He's got him rocking backwards. This is the Jaboski we like to see. Two heavyweights going left and left and left. And look at EJ Stock pistoning that left hand. And thank you for tuning in to episode 23 of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and this is the show where we focus on the players who dropped the gloves and the fans who enjoyed watching them do it. Uh, I'm going to keep this really short. Today's guest is none other than Pat Barton. He's one of the most, uh, most I guess, biggest contributors in the the Enforcer Appreciation Group. He's always sharing great stories, and uh, we we cover it all here. We go through his career. I mean, man, we cover it for four and a half hours. So um, you know, it's it's a long podcast, so you might have to. Might have to chop it up in a couple different sections, but, um, <clears throat> excuse me, no, it was a great time, and Pat has a lot of awesome, awesome insight to the game as far as playing juniors with uh, guys like Bonvi and Cairns, and uh, what it's like playing against Chris Simon, or what it's like facing that across the other side of the ice, you know, and uh, when old Simon is staring you down, so uh, a lot of great insight from Pat, and had a lot of fun doing this, and, you know, so far the, the reception on the Kaminsky episode that released yesterday has been very good. And, uh, you know, can't thank, again, can't thank Kevin enough for coming on. And, again, I got to get him on for round two. Um, you know, real quick, of course, always got to give a shout-out to us, the little fish in the big pond, like usual. Uh, go check out Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box. He covers strictly uh, Islanders and Foresters or guys who are in their farm clubs. So, uh, great, awesome, awesome show over there. He's got guys like Mike McWilliam, Dean Ewan, and uh, Kerry Clark on and Many more. I think he even had Paul Cruz on that. I think about it too. So yeah, it's, Joe's doing great stuff over there. Go check out William over at the Bishop, of course. You know, uh, one of the guys who really helped me, you know, dip my toes into the podcasting world and had me on his show. And you know, I'm thankful for William for that. So go check him out <clears throat> over uh, over at the Bucket Drop Podcast. You got Bobby Longgrass, and he's uh, you know gravitates towards the fighters as well. He's had Morasti, Sugden, Mayran, Todd Screwy, St. Louis on. I think about it now. I got to get Screwy on. Um, me and him have talked about we were going to do an end of season episode and of course with the virus coming out the season never happened so uh, it's unfortunate that kind of happened but nonetheless I'll get I'll get screwy on for sure you know he's already said he'd, he'd love to come on so uh, you know screwy hopefully you're listening man uh, I'll definitely get you on soon and uh, you know for the current hockey definitely go check out Dan Paul and Kelly over at the Obey the Puck show where they kind of cover everything um, for up-to-date hockey I know stories and news out there is scarce for those um those podcasts, unfortunately, because of course there's nothing going on right now. It's almost like the off season, but at least in the off season, you hear more about it. You don't hear about it, anything right now with the whole virus thing. And uh, you know, last but not least, the boys over at Get the Gate podcast. Although, like I said, they haven't come out with a new episode in quite a while. So hopefully, hopefully you guys get back on the horn. I don't know what you guys are doing. You're slacking, 
But <laughs> um, yeah, anyways, those are the uh, those are the podcasts I definitely recommend. Um, you know, are we spitting chiclets? No, definitely not. Of course not. Um, but it's still definitely great content that comes from all these podcasts. And there's a reason I listen to them and recommend them. Um, and of course, over at the History of Hockey podcast, you got Shane Guilfoyle does a great job. And he just had another interview on besides me. He uh, had another interview on. So definitely go check him out. Anything related to the history of hockey, definitely. And then it's very professionally done. Um, but no, last but not least, we'll give the shout outs real quick for the uh, the podcast where you can find it. So uh, if you're new to the show, you can go find the podcast and all the up-to-date information at uh, Twitter. So you're going to type in the search bar or whatever. It's going to be at the number five and then four fighting pod. And on Instagram, it's going to be five for fighting pod, just spelled out regularly. Facebook, it's going to be the five for fighting podcast. Just tape, uh, tape it, uh, type it out. It's going to be a page there. And, you know, like the page or follow it, and you'll get all the up-to-date information I post there um, pretty decently often. I post on Twitter more often than anything, probably, but that's just because I've got our little uh, little fight group circle there on Twitter. So uh, I've always posted on Twitter as, uh, from the podcast account anyways. And then, of course, last but not least for the shout-outs and social media followings, I guess, um, <clears throat> excuse me, is the enforcer appreciation group and it's where a bunch of different former players are in there all us fight fans we post enforcer pictures fights stories daily it's awesome and we actually you know i'm very proud to say and it's crazy that this has even happened but we just hit ten thousand members so um or our words can't even really describe how how awesome that is you know i started that just thinking it was you know i i got annoyed with some other groups so i guess we'll say and you said, fuck it, I'll start my own, and it's it's grown way faster and way bigger than I ever could have imagined, and uh, a lot of people seem to enjoy it, and I've said that, you know, it's really kept them entertained during this uh, quarantine time, so hopefully, you know, you can go check it out and get, you know, once this podcast is over. Well, this will entertain you for a while, like I said, four and a half hours, so um, <laughs> after you're done checking out the podcast, go check out the Enforcer Appreciation Group, but... um Anyways, guys, I'll cut it there. I'm not going to make this too long for everybody because, like I said, we got a four-and-a-half-hour episode to get to, eh? So, anyways, thanks again to Pat Barton for coming on. Awesome stories, and he said he'll come back on any time, which I believe it, man. I mean, Pat Pat can go. I love it. It's it's awesome. It's a player's podcast. It's where it plays. It's for, for – if players want, want to say anything, let it all out, man. That's what this is for. You're not here to – hear my dumb ass yap the entire time. <laughs> Otherwise we probably wouldn't get, uh, you know, as good of reviews as, uh, as we do. Oh, speaking of reviews too, do me a favor. And I noticed a couple people did. Uh, so thank you for that. But, uh, rate and review the show, whether you, like I said, whether you want to give it five stars or one star, uh, you want to motherfuck me in the comments, <laughs> go right on ahead. But, uh, you know, rate and review the show. It, it really helps the show kind of grow and, uh, it'll show up when people type in like hockey podcast or something like that. So, uh, you know, if you like the show, rate and review. You don't have. I'm not saying you have to leave like a 14 paragraph review. I've even had a one review where I literally think it just says it's great, <laughs> and that was it. It was like when the podcast first started. So, um, no, yeah, just give me a rate and review. Like I said, whether you want to give me five stars or one stars, it'll help the show out. So, um, anyways, guys, I've gone on long enough. Without further ado, we'll pass it off to the man with many stories, Pat Barton. Hope you guys enjoy. This should be good. This should be very good. All right, and today's guest on the Five for Fighting podcast, we have a man who is probably the biggest contributor into the Enforcer Appreciation Group, and he is always having stories about guys he fought or guys who fought for him, and it is none other than Pat Barton. Pat, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great, uh, brother. It's uh, nice to finally be on here, and uh, let's see how we do. 
Absolutely, man. Well, well, we talked about this a couple months ago, probably, and then every everything got busy for me with the wedding, and then we got this virus yeah. going around, and everybody's kind of in shut-in mode, so I figured now would be a better time oh, yeah. than ever. Well, yeah, I'm locked up in a room here, so I'm pretty, uh, with the virus happening, and uh, this, the little bit of snipples I do have, I kind of get all weirded out, so I'm all locked up, and I'm ready to roll with, uh, with the podcast, brother. Absolutely. Uh, well, before we get into, you know, kind of your career, uh, I always like to ask the boys, you know, what, what are you up to now after hockey? Well, that's, uh, that's, that's one of those things that not a heck of a lot at the moment. Uh, I'll tell you the last few years, uh, Alec, uh, you know, uh, I want to say towards the end of my career, I had a lot of concussion problems and, uh, uh, about three or four years ago, maybe five years ago. Now I had, uh, um, I was having a lot of issues with, um, with headaches and, uh, you know, depression and just a few things that crept up on me. And, uh, uh, the thing for me was, do I kind of let, and, and I had a pretty decent job. I was, uh, I was, uh, working at a, at a pallet company and I was building crates and put, you know, labor work, but I had a good steady gig. And, uh, I noticed one day I was having a lot of, um, headaches and whatnot. And I was, you know, I was anxious and that my anxiety was through the roof and, uh, uh, I went to my boss. I said I need a day off, and the day off came. The two days off. And finally, I went to a doctor, and uh, uh, we did some CAT scans and some X-rays, and uh, they found some areas of my brain that uh, have obviously been damaged, I guess, throughout the years of of, of playing. And I had kind of known that, but uh, to get the diagnosis of a few things was a little bit, uh, uh, you know, kind of an eye opener for me. And so I was. Uh, uh, you know, they, they compared my brain. I don't know if you remember, uh, obviously, uh, if you're an NFL fan, uh, Troy Aikman played yeah, for the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. Uh, he retired due to uh, concussions. And I saw, uh, I was playing in Odessa, Texas at the time, in uh, pro in 1997. And uh, I saw, I was, at the time, was having some issues even way back then. And I saw the specialist that he saw. And he compared my brain at the time to a guy who was in a severe car accident. And uh, at the time, you're young. I was still in my 20s. And I thought, well, whatever, it's up to me. I'm still going to play. And I ended up playing, you know, another bunch of years after that. And then I ended up uh, getting to real life like everyone else. Hockey's over. Uh, Time to move on, and uh, which is already a hard enough thing for a lot of players. Uh, and then I just noticed gradual, I was having, um, you know, I had a sleep apnea I was having, um, again, I was having a lot of depression, and anxiety and, uh, kind of isolating myself to be quite honest and, uh, losing a lot of my, um, you know, I was a pretty outgoing guy. I got pretty quiet and, uh, and, uh, for the last, uh, two and a half years, um, I had to leave my job that I was at and, uh, and uh, I do. I see a doctor every few weeks, uh, an anxiety specialist, uh, mood disorder um, doctor, and uh, kind of like a little bit of a team around me to kind of keep me uh, kind of upbeat and uh, get me back into society in the way that everyone else is right now. So I got to tell you, as at the moment, uh, right now, it's just doctor's appointments and uh, and uh, getting my life kind of on track of. Uh, um, if you know what I'm saying, I'm just trying to, uh, find that balance for me right now. You know, it's been a bit of a, a struggle for a few years and I've finally got to a place where I'm kind of getting myself back. And, uh, it's, it's 
it's kind of a story I think of a lot of players have. Um, but it's not really talked about too often. I, I tell you, Alec, it took me a lot of years to uh, open up about anything that I was going through because I was kind of struggling for a few years. And, uh, and, and just to get this out of the way for you, I never was one of those guys that said, geez, was it about the hockey? Do I wish I, you know what, Alec, I would do it all again. And I would play the same way I played and I would gladly do it all again. So I'm not that guy that, that stopped playing and then thinks, geez, you know, I wish, uh, you know, hockey did this to me, hockey did that. You know, I knew what I was doing. I signed up to play a, a rough game and I loved it. And, uh, unfortunately some of us have paid a bit of a price and I'm just one of those guys that have kind of had to build myself back up from where I was a few years ago. And, uh, I've been asked to maybe get involved in coaching on, on a few, uh, in a few areas and, and scouting and, uh, be a bit of an assistant to, uh, uh, an advisor of sorts to certain teams. And, you know, I got to tell you, I'm such a competitive guy. I get a little bit afraid. Uh, I get a little bit of fear in my belly about that because you kind of jump back into the fire. And unless you know you're all in, um, it's kind of one of those things that you better make sure you're 100%. And uh, I'm kind of, that's where I am, buddy. It's, uh, um, you know, life is good, but I'm, I'm still not 100% in that sense. And, uh, you know, once I am, I'll get back out there. But at the moment, uh it's, it's, it's doctor's appointments and uh, staying healthy. Well, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're feeling better, man. And uh, it's it's unfortunate that it's, uh, it is a part of the game. And whether people kind of want to turn a blind eye to it or, you know, actually acknowledge it. And, you know, it's, it's good that you acknowledge it and you kind of know where the concussions came from and why. Um, and that you kind of don't turn your back on the game. Because, of course, you know, we all know a couple players out there that have done this. And, uh, you know, kind of turned a blind eye a little bit and kind of blamed the game of hockey for it. But, you know, look at the look at those players, look at the style of play that they had. I wonder I wonder why that was kind of happening, you know, (laughs) you know, I I, I've been asked to kind of jump in with some guys that I I would never mention names. Obviously, I'm just saying that there there are a few guys that have kind of tried to steer me in a direction that would be kind of against the hockey side of things. And I've always been one of those guys that it's not for me. What I did is I, I did what I did. I played the way I played. I knew the risks, and I always knew the risks. But until you go through them, you know, you never real, realize the the debt you pay. But to be quite honest, Alec, um, I love that part of the game, and I would never, ever be one of those guys that would, you know, sour grapes kind of guy. Now, do I wish maybe things had turned out differently? Obviously, like most guys, yes. But uh, I'm in a place right now that's fairly a fairly good place. And, you know, just three years ago, let's just say I wasn't. And uh, I'm at a place now where I'm, I'm really getting back into uh, the love of the game. Now, the game has changed, mind you, but the feeling I get from the game is, is back. And, uh, you know, I've had some pretty decent, offers uh to get back involved in the game it's just you know for me being the competitor i am and being the kind of person i am and and guys who have played with me would be able to attest to it i'm a pretty intense guy and uh i would like to be kind of you know 110 percent uh getting back involved in the game if i was ever to do so but as as of right now I'm, i'm happy where i am and uh 
Um, again, it's uh, the last few years were uh, rough, um, but I've always been open with it for people who have asked, but I, I'm a fairly private guy with my personal life. Uh, but uh, it is what it is, and uh, here we are, you know, 2020, and I'm alive, and uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm excited for the next chapter of my life. Absolutely, and well, you know, you. It seems like you found a little bit of an outlet too in the group. You know, you're posting all the time and kind of posting about the good, you know, the good times because it's uh, eh, sometimes it's bittersweet to live uh, to leave hockey. It's it's almost like I, you know, I always compare it because it's just the experience I know. But back to the military, you know, there were some things I didn't like about the military and ways it kind of did me wrong but I would I change anything no um and so you know I was kind of I, I still keep in contact with a lot of the people I I was with in the military um and so you know sometimes it's good to kind of you know let it let off some steam a little bit or like you know you're doing now on the podcast uh, you know coming on and telling your story a little bit so I'm, I'm glad it's going well for you and you kind of a, you're in a better place now you know well thanks brother uh, I mean I uh, again um and you know, just listening to you with some of uh, the things you just said there too is uh, uh, there's a camaraderie with uh, with with being involved in a team uh, uh, that you really can't really replace after you're out of it. Um, you know, military, let's say, uh, and sports, whatnot. But you know, I, I, for for a few years, I thought to myself, um, uh, you know, it, it's time to kind of like for me, anyways, it was time to kind of put myself in a position where. You know, you have to succeed, and uh, I, I went through a few years there where I didn't. I don't think I gave myself a great um, a chance to get better. I was kind of uh, isolated, like I said, and uh, um, you know, you could only do so much, I guess, with doctors and different things, and they steer you in the right direction for for what I've been through. But uh, again, I would never have uh, uh, looked back, and even when people have tried to pry out of me at times in a weird way, you know, this, this game did this, this game did that. No, the game didn't do that to me. And, uh, and I had never even thought that way until some people would bring it up. And I thought, you know, when we look back at certain players now, and, you know, I know everyone's on that Daniel Carcillo thing right now with what he's been doing. And I got to tell you, I'm really disappointed watching a guy like that say some of the things he's saying. And um, as a guy who's played along, you know, along, fairly long time with a lot of players I think a lot of guys would would really disagree with a few of the things that are, are are being said and it doesn't mean that some of it isn't maybe true but you know to go to that to, to that length to maybe you know once you made your money to come out and do a few things like that I think that's kind of slimy and uh, I don't know I just but again it's it's not my I'm just talking for myself uh but as a fan or even someone looking back i don't really love guys coming out and, and dogging the game uh but uh, that's just me alex so uh you know that's just that's just me oh i agree 100 percent. it's like the same thing when you're kind of getting out of the military people dog it or say this and that about it i'm like well you fucking you, you signed a contract man you knew what you were doing yeah so yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, is. it is what it is you know it, right it's, uh uh, it's it's like like what you military it's the military man like this is this is it's just the military it's uh there's going to be some tough days and uh, uh i grinded out a a career where i woke up some days maybe not knowing where i was like what you know what but hey you know you you get up you go for it again and uh we all play you know at least i was i was playing to to make the nhl it was my dream since i was a young kid and uh 
whether I had to uh, uh, take a few bumps and, and have a few headaches, say, hey, that was, that was the way it was going to be. And um, I think a lot of us were like that. And uh, maybe a few guys weren't. But uh, again, Alec, I would go back and, and I would do maybe a few things different. But as far as the way I played or, you know, I was I was a pretty big hitter and, and a solid hitter that way. And I threw a lot of body checks. And, and you know, one of the doctors said is, is because of the way I played with the physical part, not the fighting, Alec, because I got to tell you, most guys don't get hurt in fights. And the, the odd guy gets knocked out, but I'll tell you, it's the big hits, it's the elbows, it's the cross checks, yep. and uh, it's it's like car crashes all over the ice. So those are those are what's really gonna stay with you. But the fights themselves, for the most part, are okay. You know, the, the couple of guys get hurt pretty badly, and and that's just the way it goes. But it's the hitting, and uh, when you get guys my size or bigger skating around the ice at uh, you know full speed hitting. Guys are going to get hurt, and that's what you sign up to do. And uh, to play in the NHL, that was my my dream. I I, I got a, a couple training camps, and I signed with Edmonton, and I, I I had a bit of a sniff, but I didn't quite get there. But uh, again, I would I would do it all again just for that try and that chance, right? Oh, a hundred percent, man. Um, well, you know, speaking of your career, man, we'll hop into it here. So, well, the first first team I can find on you here on Hockey DB, uh, as I have this, you know, the trusty sidekick pulled up here, um, and we had talked about it a little bit actually before we got going, but you had a teammate who was also with you in juniors and who happened to go to the NHL, um, but it was when you were in the uh, Central Ontario League with the Burlington Cougars, you happened to play with big Eric Cairns. What was it like playing with Cairnsy? Well, um, Eric was, uh, you know, he was a really great friend of mine. We played together since we were uh, probably 10 years old all the way through. Um, uh, I got to tell you, he wasn't, uh, as a kid, he wasn't the, the greatest player on the team. Uh, he was uh, um, he was a guy that, that worked hard, and he was, uh, uh, he was a kid who kind of grew into, his, uh, into himself. He had a big growth spurt when we were about uh, 13 or 14. And I remember uh, he was always taller than we were. And then one year we came back after a summer and he was about five or six inches taller than the rest of us. And I thought, wow, that's a good thing to have on your side. You know, like, I mean, okay, he's, he's a big, and his dad was a big guy. He had, his, his father was a big man. And so, uh, you know, playing junior B, the, the funny part about it is as a, at training camp to make the team, um, I think he kind of already knew that he was going to have to play tough. And uh, he took a few lumps. He had a few fights in training camp against some older kids. I mean, you got to remember, Alec, we're 16 years old. And, you know, in, in, like in junior, there's, there's kids 20 years old. And uh, he went in there and uh, he took a few lumps and a few older kids on the team, I think, pieced them up pretty good. And, uh, but it made him tougher. And uh, to be quite honest, Alec, initially he was cut from the team. And uh, what happened was I think we had a few injuries and they brought him back. And I remember thinking when he came back after kind of being initially cut, there was a different look in his eyes and it was like, he wasn't going to be denied again. He was one of those kids who just, he always had to work a bit harder because of his skating. And he was such a, I mean, he had size 15 feet or something. I mean, he was just such a big kid. And, um, he fought all the, he fought all the heavyweights of the junior B loop that year, started to do really well. And uh, he was uh, starting to put on a little more size physically. 
And uh, he actually played on my left wing. He was a forward for a while back then, Alec. He wasn't a defenseman. And uh, he was my left winger for a bit. And he used to call our line the Peach Fuzz line because we were all 16 years old in a predominantly older league. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we were all uh, just kids trying to see if we can even grow a beard. So they call us the Peach Fuzz line. And uh, and uh, I didn't mind having the big uh, Kernsey on my left side, I'll tell you that, because even at that age, uh, guys would look at him and he was so tall. You know, you don't really want to don't really want to fight those guys, and so he had to kind of find his fights and battles that year. And uh, from there, it was uh, we had a good year together. We lost the first round of the playoffs against uh, Streetsville in that league, and uh, I think we, that summer we did a lot of skating together to get ready for the OHL draft. And that next summer was the OHL draft. Oh, so did you happen to get drafted that year? Was that when he yeah, went over to uh, North Bay? We, yeah, we were both rated for the draft, and I uh, we went we got our suits on that summer. I think it was in June in uh, in Kitchener Auditorium, and it is where it was held. And it was uh, hotter than hell in there. It was a uh, thousand degrees, and all our families are there, all proud of us. You know, they're all sitting with us. And uh, I was the highest rated local guy. I think I went 29th overall to North Bay. And uh, right behind me in, in the third round was Kenzie. He went thirty uh, something to Detroit. And uh, from there, that's where everything took off. And, uh, of course, you know, Kennedy became a legend in junior. And uh, But, again, I, I went to North Bay. He went to Detroit. And eventually we ended up uh, playing together. Right on. Well, yeah, it's – with cares he was like a it was almost like a late bloomer kind of with uh fighting and it's like that with some guys he was he was pretty good in junior and then he got to the nhl and then he was a little shaky with the rangers and then it's like once exactly. he got to the islanders it was a completely different animal and he was just rolling through the league at that time well i gotta tell you alec uh, when we were um, uh after his first year um uh, okay so let me just say this i i after a halfway year, my first year in North Bay, I ended up getting traded to Detroit for Mark Lawrence and another guy who ended up coming to North Bay. They were going for a big championship run. I was a young guy, expendable at the time. They sent me to a young team, which was Detroit. Of course, I was happy. There's my, you know, one of my best friends, Eric Cairns. Here we go. We're a young team. And uh, I, I watched him take a few pretty good lumps. And I remember thinking, maybe this isn't for him because you got to remember uh, his size, He's used to stringing guys out, and, and the odd time a guy that was close to his size can clip him. And at the time, you know, when you're that tall, you don't usually get punched very often. And he did take a couple and, and went down. And uh, by the time our careers were over in junior, he had pretty much started to dominate his third and fourth years. And uh, and um, quickly before that, he uh, when we were 18, uh, we were in Peterborough. And the big matchup at the time was going to be Eric Cairns versus Matt Johnson, who played for Peterborough. And I got to tell you, Alec, Matt Johnson was an absolute killer in junior. Oh, yeah. And he was a year younger than we were, but he was a man, if you know what I'm saying. He was a man. And uh, he uh, he he pretty much broke Cairns down in a fight in Peterborough and put Cairns to the ground. And I tell you, when to see Cairns' face in the dressing room all battered up and he was almost in tears because he felt he had left the team down. And I remember talking to him after. We were roommates, mind you, so we lived together as well. And uh, he wanted to quit hockey. He didn't want to do it anymore. He thought, this is this is not, I mean, if I can't help the team doing this, what am I going to do kind of thing? You know, but eventually he got out of that. 
And, uh, he, he, you know, he went through the battles after that. He was a little gun shy after that, fought maybe a couple times, uh, took him a couple of fights to get back in the swing. But by, again, by the end of his junior career, he was kind of the man. And then like, you're just about to talk about when he got to pro now you are fighting men, right? Oh yeah. And so then the real battle begins. Absolutely. Yeah. So, it's, well, it's a good thing he didn't quit, I guess, because uh, he, he went on to have a great career and lasted many years in the NHL. And um, I don't think he quite ever solidified that top heavyweight champ spot, but he was always right up there in like the top five year after year, especially once he got to uh, Long Island with the Islanders. And he was he was right on the cusp and you, you almost could have flipped a coin and you'd have maybe thrown him in there for a couple weeks and then, uh, you know, throw somebody else in there. But yeah, Cairnsy, man, he was he was absolutely awesome, and I'm a huge Cairns fan. He was awesome. I tell you, that first year, what happened was I I I, I had signed with Edmonton that year, and of course he he was with the Rangers, and I got sent all the way down from Cape Breton after playing there for a, a month or two down to Wheeling in the East Coast League. And if you believe it or not, Cairnsy got sent all the way down to the East Coast League from Binghamton at the time. So he called me up. We had each other's phone number in Wheeling from Binghamton, or from, uh, he was in Birmingham at East Coast League. Called me up. He says, Barts, he says, I've, I think I'm done. I said, what do you mean? He says, uh, I don't know, you know, can I do it? He was always doubting himself. Can I do it? These guys, uh, you know, uh, some guys are kind of like thinking I can't skate and I can't do this. And I said, Karen, you got to stick to it, man. You're six foot six. You you got God, you got the hands the size of sledgehammers. You, you can't. And here I am in the coast. I'm trying to scratch my way up, and he's kind of soured out. He's down. He's talking about hanging it up again. And uh, eventually he got called back up. And like you said, he did have a lot of uh, – he had a few issues in with the Rangers again. He was fighting men now, and he, I don't know how serious he was taking it. Um, again, his mind wasn't into it. And uh, it, it was one of those things, again, Alec, where um, – uh, another summertime of growing into his body, getting muscle, getting more muscle, because he wasn't really a workout guy back then, and I, w- I was always a workout guy, and he wanted to put on size, and so we started to train together, and uh, I think it helped him. He started to become sturdy on his skates, and he was always very naturally strong. If you ever saw the size of his hands, you wouldn't believe the power from his elbow to his hands and his forearms. He just was a naturally strong human being. And, uh, again, like you said, once he went to the Islanders, I think from there, uh, people started to take notice and he started to take some names. And, uh, I, I think you're right. I don't know that he was ever the top dog cause he was in a real tough era. Yeah, he was, it was um, the, the, it was, it was a Twister big competition. Yep. Yeah. Twister was there and, uh, you had some older guys still hanging in and, uh, um, and, and he still respected a lot of those guys, so he wasn't exactly looking for it. But I'll tell you, uh, they weren't exactly looking for him either. So um, it, it took, a, took a little while, but you're right. Once he got to the Islanders, he was a, a real force. Absolutely. Uh, well, you know, going to the next year with uh, when you went to North Bay, you happened to uh, <laughs> you happen to be on there with the all-time penalty minute holder in hockey history, uh, Dennis Bonvi. What was it like playing with uh, with Bones? Well, uh, Bonvi was an interesting case because uh, actually this was before me getting. I, I got drafted to North Bay, and this is oh, prior right, to right. going. To My this, mistake. Yeah, this is just prior. But uh, anyways, we were uh, we were 
a top rated team. In fact, that year we were number one rated team in Canada. We had an older team. We had, I don't know if you know, Drake Berhowski who uh, ended up being a bit of an NHLer. And he's a coach in the minors, I think now, but he was one of the star players. We had uh, a guy by the name of uh, John Spoltor. He since passed away, rest in peace. Uh, he was a good, uh, he was our top scorer. And we had a, we had a lot of older players and uh, we needed some, uh, a little bit of a, a jolt, right? And so we acquired Dennis Bondry from Kitchener. Now, mind you, Dennis Bondry's from Nova Scotia, Antigonish, which is one of the toughest spots out east in, in Canada, and they're all tough from out east. And uh, he showed up in uh, our dressing room one day after acquiring from Kitchener. And I got to tell you, Alex, and I'm a strong guy, he come walking in, he had a chest, he had a barrel chest on him, and he looked like a bodybuilder. He walked in the room. And I remember smiling to myself going, yes. This is what we needed. Like, you just had that chuckle to yourself. Like, who's going to mess with this guy? And uh, the very first game we played with him, he was he had his shirt off, taping a stick on the bench, yelling across the bench. To, I think we played Belleville. And he had his shirt off, and he was taping a stick on the bench, trying to intimidate the other team. And they were all looking over at him, saying, Jesus Christ, look at the size of this guy. <laughs> and, uh, he, you know, they're all like, and then, of course, Bondi's hamming it up. So Bondi started screaming over at because their benches across the aisle, they're taping up on their side, and we're on our side. He started screaming at some of the players, telling them he's going to kill them. He's got, you, watch your hand and take your teeth out. Uh, you know, you're going to get it. And, this, and they're all screaming back, saying, what did I do? Why are you mad at me? What did I do? And we're all sitting there going, and I'm kind of in the background. I'm, I'm just a kid. And, I mean, Bombie's only a year older, but he was like a man, so... Uh, we're like just talking, saying this is what we needed. We can't wait to see it. And of course, he took off. And I'll tell you, he could have ran that town, North Bay, and uh, he could have been mayor. And uh, what a great guy, Alec. He's one of the nicest guys in hockey. And uh, I, I still to this day call him a good friend. And um, he would do anything for anybody, fight anybody for any time of the game, no matter what. He would defend everybody. And he's the guy you want on your team because he's all about team first, not about Dennis Bondy first. And I got to say that to this day, he's probably, I got to say he's probably the toughest guy I ever played with. And he was the most willing guy to do it day in, day out, from the start of his career to the end of his career. And you got to give him a lot of props for that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Bondy, man. He was... He wasn't never quite the champ, but he just he didn't back down from anybody. It did not matter. He was always going, and that's that's the problem. Yeah, you don't. You, the problem with him is that yeah, maybe uh, you, you could give it to him one game, but he's coming back again. Yep, and you could never deter him. I, you know, you remember Rob Ray? Rob Ray took him down a, a time or two, and he just kept coming. So it's like you know, it didn't. It didn't. You want to know why guys like him were important, Alec? Because it didn't really matter about wins or losses. It mattered about showing up. Yep. And it mattered about your team feeling braver because of him. That's another thing I was going to ask you. So, Because there seems to be this myth today that you know having those guys in the locker room or on the bench with you, it doesn't do anything. Oh, they're, they're just there and it doesn't actually do anything. How, how did that <laughs> feel, having a guy like Bonvi on the bench? Like, and especially when you see him pregame fucking tarp off, taping the twig, yelling across at the other fucking guys, saying, I'm going to fucking kill you tonight. How did that feel? Because, I mean, that, that has to jolt you. Like, you're like, oh. Like this guy, we're going to go to war with this guy, and he's got our backs. Like, how, is that you're, next you're, to the phantom element, or is am I not? Am I t- 
choking up my ass here. No, Alex, you're you're a hundred percent correct. Again, I, I'm 17 years old. I'm a buck 70. I'm in great shape. I'm a buck 70. Okay, let's put that in perspective. Bonby's about 225, oh. jacked, and uh, and he's not much taller than he was. About, we're about the same height because I'm five eleven, six feet, and so is Dennis. But at the time, he's he's a man, and I'm still a kid. And uh, to sit to to know that he's on your team, I don't think I've ever been more. Uh, relaxed out there in the sense that like, yeah, I'm going to fight. I'm going to do a few things and I'm going to work hard for me. But if you, if you do something to me, this is who you're going to deal with after me. And people didn't want to see that on the bench because in junior, it's a bit, I'll tell you, Alec, back in the nineties and and this goes for the WHL, the, the OHL and the Q it's about intimidation, and it isn't about that today, but I've got to tell you, half the games in the 90s, in those days, were won from intimidation. And just to see certain guys on the bench, and I'm talking about Chris Simon and Sue. I'm talking about Mark Deasley in Oshawa. I'm talking about Matt Johnson and Peter Burrell. I'm talking about all these guys. And um, I've got to tell you, and my first year, Darren McCarty was in Belleville, and you didn't want to mess with him either. He was a lefty. Um, it, it just, I can't, I can't overestimate what that means and uh, the mind games played before you even step on the ice for warm-ups. And, and, you know, looking back on it, as scared as, as a young guy I would be, it was kind of exciting. Because you felt alive out there, man. This was hockey, and uh, you were going to live or die by the sword. And 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 whoever who you had on the team was who you had on the team. And if you didn't have a guy like Bonvi, you better invent somebody like him because it's going to be a tough go. <laughs> yeah, better pull a rabbit out of the hat real quick. Cause yeah, you're gonna uh, need I got to <laughs> tell you, Alec. Each team, I'm telling you, each team, and and Sault Ste. Marie had two guys. They had a guy named Brian Gowdy, and he was a small guy. But I got to tell you, he was one of the scariest guys I ever played against because I remember he fought Eric Cairns once, and Cairns, he's so much bigger than him. And Cairns, he did okay, and it was kind of an even fight, and they came back, and Cairns, he, and you got to remember, at the time, Cairns, he's very, he was a very youthful-looking guy. Cairns, he looked like a six foot six, 15-year-old kid. Like, he looked young. And he came into the dressing room, and I said, Cairns, how'd that go? And he looked over, he said, Bart, he goes, that guy was growling at me as we were fighting. He was growling. And I said, what? Yeah, he was like a pit bull. He was growling. And it was, you know, he was kind of weirded out by it. And I said, oh, Jesus Christ, Karen. Yeah. So from there, like, reputations are, are gained early in junior. And so, and when you see these guys in pro, it kind of carries on. So, like you were saying, you know, about guys like Bondi on the bench, I can't tell you how much that means to a team. And it, it does make everyone, and especially the guys that are offensive players, it makes them play real loose. Right. And uh, <laughs> that reminds me of, like, Sasha Lakovic over there. And uh, uh, oh, I forget yeah. who it was, but somebody told a story over on Fourth Line Voice, and apparently, like, Lakovic was on all fours outside of the penalty box, like, barking, barking. like a pit bull. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, He's like a pit bull. Exactly. And he was another guy. He just didn't – yeah, he was another guy, Alec. I mean – those guys, their reputations were gained years prior to you seeing them in that league. Oh, yeah, and that's so, crazy. Uh, these guys all know each other from back then, and, and, and 
like again, Alex, there's no internet back then uh, when we're coming up. Right. It only came right. popular in the in the late '90s. This is like early '90s, and so it's all word of mouth. Like we might get stuff that travels from the WHL to the OHL to the Q, and we start to hear the stories. But until you see these characters up close, they're just characters in your head, like comic book characters. And uh, to to watch, like I said, to watch Dennis Bond be night in night out just demolish guys and not only just demolishing, but scare them before the game. Um, you know, have your shirt off, let's say. And, and I got to tell you Alex, that in those days, in the early nineties, weightlifting was, was bigger than it is today. Now the guys today are in better shape cardiovascular wise. They're tall, they're fast, they're, but they're skinny. Oh yeah. But when we were younger in the early nineties, there's a lot of jacked guys. And it was about power, and it was about intimidation. And I'll tell you, and you could ask a lot of the guys that you, you interview how important that was. Absolutely. And, you know, another thing I wanted to ask, kind of going into the whole intimidation thing, because I, I forget who it was, but me and this dude in the group got into a back and forth. When, there's a, when, there, when you're playing a game and you have a Chris Simon on the bench, on the opposing team's bench, does that change the way you play a little bit? Maybe as a act as like a deterrent, as they would say, to maybe I'm gonna you know kind of mind my p's and q's because I really don't want to you know rile up Simon tonight. <laughs> oh, Alec, you don't you don't have a clue, buddy. I mean, uh, I got to tell you, Chris Simon was the scariest guy I've ever played against, and I got you know he's two or three years older than I, so my first year in the league, he had already been suspended five or six times for different things. And, and I'm telling you like really hurting guys. And, and I know it sounds kind of crazy to say, but that's what helped his career in that, in that way, because he got drafted fairly high to Quebec, I believe. And he was a guy who could score too in junior. He was like a Bob Probert, but you know, we would, we were about to play a uh, CSA Marie one game. And he was, he was suspended. So we all took a deep breath and we're all kind of smiling. Oh, thank God he's not playing. But then we go, well, I wonder what he did. And so I found out he, he had, he had stuck a guy that was, you know, bothering him the game prior. And he literally stuck the guy like a spear right in his mouth and took all, I, I think he took like 10 teeth out. Oh, and Jesus. Uh, I, basically the, the, the end result is not good, but, but what it does for Chris Simon, at least in the nineties, is that allows him to get even more room out there. You know what I'm saying? And it allows him to play the game he wants to play. And, uh, so now you're thinking, I'm a 17-year-old kid. Now, I'm, I'm doing my thing, but I'm fighting other rookies, basically. You know, you're not fighting. A lot of the rookies fight each other. You're not really out there fighting 19, 20-year-olds. So it's guys like Karen he's got to fight him, although he's a rookie. But Karen's a six foot six. He's got to fight guys like Chris Simon. And he didn't want to do that stuff. But, I mean, when you hear these rumors, not rumors, but when you hear these stories travel in the room, Chris Simon just did this, did that. I mean, your, ne- your legs are shaking. Like, you're really nervous because... I mean, is he going to do something to me next? Like, so the bottom line is that kind of stuff is kind of frowned upon. I get it, you know, the Marty McSorley type stuff. But I got to tell you, Alec, that stuff helps your career in a way that you can't really, you can't really, you know, go by the stats. By right, it's, it's not it's measured. About, you can't you can't measure no. intimidation in a stat in a stat sheet. No, you can't. No, exactly. You can't. 
Yeah, so yeah, people think the intimidation doesn't work or having a different guy on the bench won't. Even, it's funny because even players like yourself or, hell, Chris Chelios came out and, you know, thanks Chris Nyland for having his back. And Brett Hull will say oh, he wasn't God, the same yeah. without Tony Twist and Kelly Chase on the bench. And fact after fact, and then some people just want to bury their head in the sand. And no, it wasn't. It was just for entertainment. And I'm like, no. That was the league, it. man. That was the league. Exactly. You love you love Chris Nyland. You you talked to Chris Nyland about those days in the early '80s and the guys he was fighting. Like Dave Brown, is about seven inches taller than Chris Nyland. I mean, to be fighting Dave Brown and really not afraid of Dave Brown that's a whole that's a whole different mindset. Now, not a lot of guys are wired that way, but as you know, I mean, Chris Nyland's from a tough area of Boston and grew up in a real tough neighborhood. He saw a lot of big guys growing up and. Uh, Certain guys are built for that role. Certain guys are not. Now, for myself speaking, I was a guy that was a pretty good fighter, a real good fighter, actually, but I wasn't a guy out there looking to fight. I was a guy that was a good fighter. You want to fight, here I am. And, and I would fight the tough guy. That's the thing. You know, guys go, well, where's your penalty minutes? I got to tell you, Alex, talk to anybody who played with me and guys played against. It wasn't about the penalty minutes with me. It was about what I did to the guy I fought who had the penalty minutes. And I got a lot of room, I got to tell you. I mean, because the respect is gained through fighting one tough guy. And then it travels. And it's like, just, you know, Barton's out there to play. If you want to fight, he's going to fight. And uh, that was my game. And I I grew up a goal scorer, Alec. I was a goal scorer. I was a Wendell Clark fan. I loved Cam Neely. These were my guys. And, uh, you know, and I was, I I could fight. And I was, I was a strong guy. I was a workout guy. And I, I, I took a lot of pride in my physical strength. And uh, I always thought, geez, if, if I was a little weary of a guy, at least I knew I was strong enough to tie him up. And uh, that was the thing. And uh, quite frankly, I didn't believe in tying up. I liked to just trade until someone went down. But uh, I always thought, and like some guys said, like McSorley said in one video, he said, you know, he didn't like the guys that held on because you were, they were fooling themselves. If you want to fight, then fight. Don't fight to lose. Don't fight to hang on. Fight to win. You might as well fight to win. That was my theory. So that's what I tried to do. But again, you know, I wasn't Dennis. I try to tell people on there. I wasn't Terrence. I wasn't Bondi. That wasn't my role. That wasn't my job. My job was to play hard hockey. And if you want to go, I'll go. And uh, quite frankly, there were games I wanted to go. But it wasn't that easy all the time. You can't just... You know, it takes two to tangle, you know. Um, but, you know, getting back to your thing, it all comes back to what you were saying before. Uh, you know, do you want guys like Bond be on the bench? Do you want, do you, does it do something to your psyche to look across that ice in Sault Ste. Marie and see Chris Simon salivating at the mouth? Yeah, that does something. That scares the crap out of you. And uh, if people say it doesn't, then they're in a different planet. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's yeah. The way it goes, buddy. Oh, 100%, man. Yeah, it's a, it's funny that it's just it's just I guess it's cuz and, and everybody's so into stats these days. Everybody looks at stat sheets and that's what they base it off of. And even like you said with the penalty minutes, people will try to base that off of stats and ah, you know, you you don't need to have you know, 250 you gotta minutes. You got to Alec, you know what it does? You, you know you, you know what that is? You have to for me personally, I was I quite honestly, as a younger player, I had more penalty minutes as a minor hockey league player as kids because I was feisty 
And I did have a bit of a temper as a kid. And I kind of reeled it in, and, and it was a good offensive player. And I was a big goal scorer as a kid. But, you know, I, I thought once I got to junior, I got to tell you, I got kind of confused on how I wanted to play at times. Scouts are watching, you know, and my scoring and my fighting. I always felt I always felt I was a bit of a tweener of what my role was. And uh, I was strong and tough enough to fight the tough guys. But I was kind of too skilled to be doing that all the time. So it was kind of, I was kind of caught in that middle zone. And uh, there were times, geez, I wish I was uh, Karen G size. And then I'd think to myself, I, I, I'm glad I wasn't Karen G because get, he's a he's six foot six in a young man's body that really didn't necessarily want to do that either, but had to. When you're six foot six, guys are gunning for you. Oh, yeah. You know, it's the way it goes. Like I always say to you or people online, like Eric Karen's was the boo guard before boo guard. And I would have loved to have seen him fight Bugard in his prime. That would have been a heavyweight fight like you would not have believed. Oh, 100%. And it was this, Bugard was almost the same way in juniors. Like, he was kind of a little a hesitant bloomer. in the role. Yeah, it was a late bloomer. And then once he got to the wild and got, got his call up, fuck, it was, it was no turning back. Their stories are similar, Alec. Their yep. stories are very similar. I've seen his whole story. He was not a great skater. He wasn't necessarily a tough guy, a tough person. He, he was a big guy, and he understood that, listen, I'm not going to make the NHL unless I do this. And Karen G. at least was smart enough to know that, and I'll tell you, to give Karen G. the props is that he power skated all summer with, with professional uh, power skating coaches, and he put the work in, so I'll always respect him for that because he could have easily said, you know what, I don't want to do this. And he did kind of say that a few times, but he, but he said, no, I'm going to do it. I want to be in, I want to be in the NHL and guys will do it. And, uh, God, you know, the, the whole thing, the, it's hard to re- relate to the game today. I'll tell you, Alec, I, I watch a period here, a period there, and I really can't get through it. it. It's really, and I go to a junior game once in a while to watch like my old team in Guelph. And I got to tell you, like, it, I don't know what I'm watching out there to be quite honest. And the crowd's quiet. And there's yeah, no fight. People are looking at their phones, playing around their phones. It's like, Oh, but, um, I have more no, fun I, bullshitting with the people I'm with at the game than actually watching the game. Yeah, I went, you, you I went have to, a few I think, beers, four or five this year. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it the game is more like you know Toronto sells out and they get all the fans, but I got to tell you, half that crowd out they're just a bunch of corporate, you know, nobodies that don't even really watch the game. They're on their phones. They they got the fake suntans. You know what I mean? It's it's not really, uh, it's not the real hockey crowd. It's all the people with money that can go to that game. But uh, if we can rewind the clock about 15 years, then I would be excited about what we're watching. But oh yeah, you know this is, this is the way it's going. Yeah, exactly, man. Uh, well, speaking of Guelph, you yeah. had a tough, tough team here in Guelph. So you had oh, yeah. yourself on there. You had Todd Bertuzzi, Roman Ender, the Nigerian Nightmare. You had <laughs> Sylvan Cloutier. And then you also had Ken Belange. What was that like, man? Oh, wow. Uh, well, okay, so I get traded to Guelph, which is pretty close to my hometown, about uh, 40 minutes away. Um, and it was kind of the tail end of my career. Um, and they were making kind of a later, like, not yet a run at the Cup, but they had a team that they were building to go to the Memorial Cup eventually. So I came there as an older player. And I got to tell you, I came in there, and I remember thinking, geez, I look one way, I see – 
you know, Ruman Endure over here. I look to the left, I see Kenny Belanger. I look down the center, there's Todd Bertuzzi. You know, and then we got the scorers. There's, there's Jeff O'Neill. I mean, I got to tell you, it was a team. It was a real good team. And that year, we didn't, didn't we had a, a first round or second round. Well, second round exit, we lost to Sault Ste. Marie. But it was the year following that we had the big year. But anyways, like you said, um, I'll tell you, Kenny Belanger, uh, people don't might not remember him. He kind of had a, a bit of a short NHL run because he had some concussion problems. But uh, he uh, he knocked out Eric Cairns in junior with a left hand, and uh, that always kind of made Cairns a bit nervous to see him after that to kind of fight him again. He did fight him again and actually did quite well. But he was one of those guys, Kenny, who was all offense, and uh, he threw a left hand like a windmill, and. Uh, he wouldn't hold on or tie up. He just threw it. And he was big and strong. He kind of reminded you of uh, the Russian character in Rocky, Drago. Yeah. He had the blonde hair. He was chiseled out of granite. And a very nice guy, but on the ice, he was a very tough customer. And uh, he was another guy that could really hurt people in fights. And there's some guys that you fight that um, you don't respect as much because they're a bit of a grappler. Kenny wasn't a grappler. Kenny was a guy who tried to put his hand through your face. And so he did that to a few guys in junior world, world travels fast. And he ended up, you know, doing it to a lot of guys up there. Now he did take that one bad loss against uh, Paul Laus. Um, I think Laus knocked him out pretty bad. And that was the start of his concussion problems. And uh, uh, what a great teammate he was. Uh, Ruman Endura, another guy, the Nigerian nightmare. One of the nicest guys in hockey but one of the scariest guys on the ice, just to stare at him. I got to tell you, he was built like a Vander Holyfield, this kid. And uh, just to stare at him in the room getting chained, he was like, holy jeez. And you'd walk up to him and you'd touch him. He was like touching rock. And you'd say, and I remember a few times we worked out together and, you know, I was a workout guy. And we'd, me and Kenny would work out and Ruman would work out. And I, and I remember him saying, you know, I don't lift weights, he said. I looked at him and said, what? Because I don't lift weights. I just, you know, a couple push-ups here and there. He just had those genetics. And anyways, uh, that was a great team I was on. We had a great uh, couple years there. We had an amazing last year. We had a coach, uh, Craig Craig Hartsburg, a former NHL uh, defenseman, a a Team Canada um, all-star defenseman, an amazing coach. And uh, we made a run for it to Memorial Cup, and we lost to, uh, you know, oddly my former team in Detroit. And uh, it was kind of bittersweet for me. It was, you know, a lot of tears on the ice. And, uh, you know, we had a good run, but we lost. And um, that was the playoff where I think Todd Bertuzzi really blossomed. And uh, they compared Todd a lot to uh, Eric Lindros in junior. They both were uh, what you would say men playing with boys. Uh, They were both very strong and very physically dominant. And... uh, I can't say enough about those few years in golf. It was probably the most fun I've ever had in junior. Right on, man. Yeah, that was. Uh, you had some characters on that team for sure. What was uh, what was it like playing with Bertuzzi? I know Bertuzzi kind of gets a bad rap for everything that happened with Steve Moore, but um, I, I, I yeah. think I don't think he should because I think if Moore would have just yeah. fought him and answered the bell, none of that would have happened. But that's yeah. just my opinion. <laughs> well, you know, I got to tell you, when I was in uh, Detroit. Uh, before we, uh, and I only knew Todd then just through playing before I got traded there. You know, he wasn't a very liked player only because he was a very, uh, he, he did a lot of chirping on the ice and he was, 
you know, a little dirty, but he was a big, strong kid, could back it up. He did he did a share of fighting. He wasn't exactly a guy who didn't fight. He did fight. And he got suspended a few times for doing a few things across the line as well, even in junior. So he had a bit of a reputation that he wasn't afraid to take a penalty if he needed to. And uh, when I went there, the first thing I noticed with Todd was kind of a misunderstood guy. We used to think he was very cocky and kind of aloof, you know, to his own a bit. And uh, when you're quiet, sometimes you come off as cocky or arrogant. And um, he was kind of the opposite. He was kind of an insecure guy at the time uh, with himself. He was a big, strong kid, almost like growing into himself. Like a young, he had like a young kid's brain in the sense that was in a man's body. And, uh, you know, he was a big draft pick, I think, already by the Islanders. I think he was a first, you know, first few picks and first rounder to the Islanders. And he was a big you know, pretty much a celebrity around Guelph already. And uh, uh, I think uh, the one thing I'll always remember about Todd was how much he loved to win. And uh, um, kind of almost to the point where, you know, he could yell at guys on the, in the room that you'd say, hey, take it easy. But because he wanted to win so bad, uh, he, he can come off like, oh, shit, this guy's a bit, uh, he's, he's kind of in my face here. But um I think he's one of the most misunderstood guys in hockey through that, through that Moore incident. And I, I feel bad for him because I did hang out with him a lot at the uh, Guelph alumni and uh, he's had a lot of struggles since then, kind of like similar to what I've had and people don't know that, but uh, he, he, he was a bit open about it. So I don't mind talking about it, but um, it's been hard for him since then. You know, he's had some issues and uh, uh, people are human. I, I think uh, that could have been handled a different way. Um, uh, definitely from more, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm sure Todd would maybe do it differently too. And, you know, when Todd goes to hit him from behind on that play, I mean, he doesn't know that the guy's going to get KO'd and fall down and, you know, he's just trying to send a message. He didn't try to, you know, what happened is what happened. And, um, he was never the same as you saw after, like he, he played some years after that, but, uh, unfortunately he never kind of recaptured the glory he had prior. And uh, he was probably one of the most dominant power forwards for uh, about three or four years in the NHL. Uh, one of the best forwards that uh, the league has seen. So um, as a player, as a person, I really love Todd and uh, I wish him well. And uh, I hope he's doing well. I haven't talked to him in a couple of years since I saw him at Guelph. Uh, but we were always good friends. And um, uh, again, I think just a, a misunderstood guy. And uh uh, kind of a character of the game that I think people don't really know the insides and outside of uh, his personality. Right. Yeah. It's, a, it's unfortunate that that'll kind of always follow him. It's like the same thing. Like we talked about with McSorley, how, um, you know, the whole Donald Brashear thing, that's going to kind of follow him no matter where he yeah. goes. So yeah, it's unfortunate, exactly. but like you said, they're human. And, you know, obviously Bertuzzi was trying to send a message and you, you couldn't have said that the results were going to be like that, of course. And he had no intention of doing that either. So if if anybody thinks otherwise, well, you're you're an idiot. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, just to wrap up your junior there, man, and you, you actually ended up in training camp with the Oilers. What was that like? Well, my last year junior, uh, Craig Hartsburg uh, was a coach. I think uh, there was a lot of talk of me getting tryouts for different teams. I had a choice to go to three different NHL camps. My agent at the time, Pat Morris, was uh, – 
Newport Sports. It was a big agency. They have a lot of the NHL. In fact, I think Todd Bertuzzi was with them as well. Uh, they were they they talked to me on the phone. They said we got three camps that want to invite you, and uh, one was Hartford, one was Ottawa, and one was Edmonton. And of course, kind of all teams that are, you know, probably good the best teams to go to at the time for building and young teams. And of course, a couple of those teams at Hartford have since folded, but or went on to Carolina. But um, I chose Edmonton just because I was an Oiler fan as a kid. I guess I was a fanboy with the Oilers, so. Uh, let's go to Edmonton. I went there and um, I was nervous, Alec. I mean, I was just, uh, I was happy, but I was nervous. I, I went there and uh, um, I got off the plane. You pick up your sticks and the, the team picks you up and they bring you to the hotel. And uh, um, I just remember thinking like, uh, this is all I've dreamed about just getting to this point. And uh, I have to do something out here that's going to make them notice me in a way that maybe, you know, you know, crosses in the line, even maybe I got to do something out here. And, uh, that's kind of the place where you're caught in between Alec, because, uh, you're a fan of a lot of these guys. Like I'm in camp with Shane Corson and, uh, Brian Marchment and, uh, Bill Ranford was the goalie, Louis DeBrusque. I mean, you're a bit intimidated just by the names. And so you have to kind of get that out of your head early and say, these are just other guys trying to be on the team, just like I am. And uh, I got to tell you, there were some sleepless nights and in going into inner squad games in Edmonton. Um, um, I think I said this story a little while ago. Uh, I got hit by Brian Marchman at center ice. And uh, he was kind of known to cross the line a little bit. And uh, he lined me up pretty good, but kind of kind of went for my knee. And I kind of sidestepped him, but I did kind of a cartwheel out of the way a little bit. And it kind of went at him and he smiled at me, you know, rookie, you know, beat it. You know, and uh, I remember thinking, like, I can't really beat it. I got to do something. So I kind of chased him down, and he kind of just laughed me off. And I think next shift I hit him, and we kind of had a bit of a back and forth for a few inter-squad games. And I kind of actually spent too much time trying to go after him. And uh, I had a pretty good camp. I mean, I hadn't signed yet, right? And I ended up signing after that camp. And... uh and they they thought I did well. I had a couple fights in the in the, in the exhibition. I got a I got a game against Calgary in, and uh, uh, I didn't fight against Calgary, but I had a pretty good game. But prior to that, we had that University of Alberta game, and I had a couple uh, I had a goal and assist, and I had that fight you know, against a kid there. And um, I, I guess he was a tougher kid from the Western League. He played for University of Alberta, and he's trying to make his own. You got to remember that team wants to be seen too, Alec. I mean, they, you got the scouts looking at both teams really. And um, anyways, had a good fight. And I talked to uh, uh, Glenn Sather after, and a couple of the brass called me in the room. And the uh, I, I will say this: uh, uh, the contract uh, that my agent said I was going to sign wasn't the contract I ended up signing. Meaning, it was far less, <laughs> which a lot of us have to uh, endure. Right. And, uh, I went. I went in there, and I gotta tell you, Alex, um, you're sitting there and you're intimidated. I'm 20 years old, and you got all the brass. Say there's a whole group there with the papers in front of them. They they just push up the papers at you and said, "Well, look over the contract. Is this kind of what they were? Um, you know, is this kind of look right to you?" And I I kind of looked at it, and, and I gotta say, I was a little bit uh, at the time. I had a little swagger. I had a little bit of cockiness. I said, "No, that's not what we." not at all what I thought 
And they kind of looked at me with double take. And the thing is, my agent was supposed to be sitting beside me and he wasn't there. He, he was somewhere else, but he was supposed to be flying in to actually sit with me to sign. And I, I ended up signing without him there because I was worried that had I not signed it, maybe I wasn't going to ever sign another one. And uh, so as a young kid, you're forced to sign it. And uh, it was, uh, you know, it was a three-way deal, meaning uh, you get paid so-and-so much in Edmonton, you get paid so-and-so much in Cape Breton, you get paid so-and-so much in Wheeling. And, uh, of course, I played in Cape Breton, had a really good time there, and played really well. But that was the year of the lockout, Alec, and a lot of guys came down um, uh, from the top team uh, from Edmonton to Cape Breton, and then that ended up sending me down from Cape Breton to Wheeling. And, uh, of course, the gong show begins in Wheeling because then, you know, at the time, the East Coast League is a real tough league. And, uh, you know, from away we go. You know, we're in the East Coast from there on, and then now you're you're trying to claw your way back up. Oh, yeah, for sure. And what a gong show it was. You had quite a team oh, there. Geez. You had quite Gary a team. Crossside, you got you had Gary Crossside Cooper and in uh, uh, where was he Columbus? That was a character who played. He was a guy in the OHL that he had to worry about a bit with the stick and all because because Cooper was a bit, you know, he I wasn't you know he wasn't a guy to really be feared as much with the fighting. He was one of those guys you didn't know if he was going to take you out with the stick or, uh, you know, he wasn't an already big guy, but he was a guy that you had to kind of watch out. He was in Columbus. Uh, Brandon Christian, the, uh, rest in peace, Brandon Christian, was in Johnstown. Uh, um, uh, he was a big, big boy at the time and a real big, tough boy at the time. And uh, kind of not what you ended up seeing the last few years of him in the Quebec League wasn't, you know, he kind of packed her in, but he was a lot thinner and, and fleet of foot back in the day. And uh, he was a real good fighter, Brandon, in, in, those, in those early days of the East Coast League. And uh, Johnstown was tough. Uh, Dayton, I ended up fighting a guy in Dayton named, uh, real tough guy, but small, Jimmy Lassard. He was a tough little native guy. And uh, we ended up going pretty good in Wheeling one night, and I, uh, I pieced him up pretty good. And uh, and um, and then Hampton Roads was always tough. You had uh, Brian Gowdy, who I mentioned to you, that was in Sault Ste. Marie with Chris Simon, ended up playing in, in uh, Hampton Roads uh, with under John Brophy. Holy jeez, what a character he was, John Brophy. You got any good Brophy and, stories? Uh, oh, other than him chirping me from the bench, not, you know, the typical stuff. I mean, I was just a young rookie, and you got, you know, you're looking back and you're getting chirped at, and you're thinking it's a trainer. I look back, it's Brophy. You know, he's talking about, you know, put your skirt back on, Barton, where's your purse, and all the, you know, the regular, you know, you drop your purse, Barton. Like, he was more chirpy than the players, Alec. <laughs> and, um, you know, to look back and see a guy with white hair who's, you know, already an older guy, he's chirping you like he's one of, you know, one of the players. It was, it was kind of right out of slap shot in that sense. It was a, the East Coast League in the ni- mid 90s, Alec, was a whole different. Uh, oh, yeah. That was it's a whole different not beast. Not what it is today. <laughs> no, it's, it was a different beast. And like I said, every team had five guys out that were, uh, I mean, one guy will piece you up with the stick. You know, another guy might do this, that. I mean, you had to, there was five guys. Toledo was tough. Toledo was always tough. Um, they kind of had interchanging tough guys, like uh, Deasley was there the year before. Um, but they always had, like, oh, Rhett Trombley was in Toledo. He was tough. Uh, Rhett Trombley was a six foot five, 
kid from the West. He was my age. And uh, he kind of, he really roamed around out there looking to hurt guys. And uh, you got to kind of mind your P's and Q's with Big Red out there. And uh, he was in Toledo. And they had a guy named, they had a guy named Sean Penn. Real tough kid. And he played college hockey, Alex. He wasn't even a junior guy. And I was with him in Edmonton's camp. And I knew how tough he was because I saw him beat up a couple of veterans in camp. And I remember guys saying, oh, he's only a college guy. He said, yeah, try him. I watched him in Edmonton. He's no college guy. He can throw. And uh, he was tough. And then and then I'm not even talking about the other, you, you know, in the East Coast, Alex, you got our division, which is the north side. Then you got the south side. You got the Birmingham. You got South Carolina. You had Knox. Knoxville was tough. Um, so... Uh, you know, Alec, I mean, basically, like even when you, you, know, you talk to all these other guys, they they know all the leagues. They knew who the tough guys were. I mean, I had my share of fights. I fought a guy named Larry Empey on, um, if he was in Johnstown or Erie. I, I really I really did a number on this kid. He was a big, tall kid from the West. And I guess, you know, when you're a young guy, I mean, I, I, I didn't think I was some, uh, you know, Bob Probert out there, but I was always like, People didn't know about me because I was always real sturdy looking. And uh, this tall Larry Empey calls me on the face off. And I think a guy in his team was chirping at me to drop me. Finally dropped the gloves and I ended up giving it to him. And I gave it to him real bad. And uh, the problem when you do that, Alec, and, and, and uh, I think a lot of guys will tell you the same, is if you do that and you do that too well, now you better do it nightly. Yep, guys are going to come you after take you. take a night off. Pigeonholed. If you take a night off, Alec, then there's issues because I got called into the into the uh, coach's office after that because I think a few games, that was early in the year, a few games later, a coach was like, uh, they don't give a crap in the East Coast League. They tell you, you're not fighting. What are you doing? And uh, I remember he said, uh, or, or, and, and I don't want to say it, but Coach Doug Sauter, he was a, he had the big walrus mustache. He had it in for me a little bit, you know, because I was one of the guys that was under contract, so they expected a lot out of me. A lot of guys in the East Coast are on one-way East Coast contracts. Me and maybe four or five of the guys are on NHL contracts. So they're, you know, why aren't you fighting, Barton? Why aren't you doing this? And I got to tell you, he was on me so much that year that a guy in our team, Garen Smith, who was a pretty tough guy in his own right, buddy of mine, he went in the office on his own and said, you got you to gotta leave Barton alone a little bit because, you know, he's 20 years old. He's trying to figure this out. And, uh, you know, when you're a young guy and you're getting chirped at by your own coach, um, you know, it gets a little bit, you know, you start to doubt yourself a bit, right? And, uh, you know, I ended up fighting a bit more after that, but what happened was that year, our team in Guelph, and I was still eligible for junior in my first year pro, uh, we were doing so well in Guelph that our team in Guelph worked out a deal with Wheeling to get me back to Guelph for the Memorial Cup run. So I ended up joining Guelph for the last 20 games. I had like 23 points. And, uh, couple fights and uh we went all the way to the finals and lost to uh, detroit who ended up going the kamloops and ended up getting shit kicked by uh the blazers in the final darcy tucker uh jerome mcginla yeah you ain't uh, beating that team. team yeah oh that was that team was too stacked yeah oh yeah it's still like I, I from what i've heard that's like still one of the best junior teams like ever assembled oh, <laughs> it was insane Ginla, Ginla, um they had a ginla tucker um they had Strudwick, um, a guy on the fence named Baumgartner, not no relation, I don't think to Ken Baumgartner, but Baumgartner. They had all these guys that were like 
Oh, Tyson Nash. Yep. Um, I mean, that team, man, like, I actually think we would have did better than Detroit did against them with the team in Guelph because we had a more of a physical team than Detroit did. And, you know, when we lost Detroit in the finals, Alex, we beat them the first. You got to remember, leading up to that final series with Detroit, we had won four straight every one of our playoff rounds prior. So we had the first round by, the second round, four straight against Owen Sound. The third round, we swept Screwy, St. Louis, and Belleville four straight. And then the last round was was Detroit, and we beat them the first game like 5-1 at home. We we thought we were going to sweep them. We started ordering our suits uh, for for the uh, Kamloops trip, and we had like uh, you know people coming in the dressing room, fitness for clothes, and doing our plane ride, like who we bringing on the trip to Kamloops. So our heads were in the clouds, and I'll tell you, we got spanked. Brian Berard spanked us after that in Detroit. <laughs> yes, win so many lose yeah. up, man. Unfortunately, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it it was uh, it was heartbreaking, you know, at that age because you're you're young, but you love your team, and you're doing so well. You know, we're all crying in the room, and we're all friends. But uh, you know, from there on, you always have that bond, and then I guess you know everyone goes plays pro, and and uh, I mean, uh, you know, after the coast, uh, then what happens is you like you said, you you. You try to figure out your role. What's it going to be? Like I said, I was a good, tough guy, and, and coaches are always puzzled with me because I look as kind of this big, built, strong guy, and they're like, I want him to be the tough guy, but yet he's too skilled to maybe just do that. Does he do this? Does he do that? So I, I got to say, I was confused at times with my role as well. But um, from there on now, because I played two years in the Edmonton organization, and uh, – with uh, some tough guys in and out and wheeling, and, uh, and then from there on, it's it's you're fighting for your life. You got one year contracts, and, and then you know from the colonel to the the Whipple to the you start traveling all the leagues, seeing all the tough guys, and uh, it doesn't get any easier, right? Just it's more the grind. Absolutely, man. Yeah, it's especially down there in the minors. Back the the '90s minor league hockey was just it was a jungle. No matter what league oh. you went to. Um, one of the guys I want to ask you about, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So like, throw a dart at the board, and you're gonna hit sure. toughness. Um, one of the guys I wanted to ask you about, who uh, of course his brother filmed the documentary for Les Chiefs. Uh, for those out there oh, listening, bad. yep, old Mike yeah. Pajerny. What was it like playing with yeah. him? Because you played with him out in Dayton. Yeah, I, I was with actually. This is funny. I was with Mike Pajerny in Edmonton. He he had a tryout when I was in Edmonton. They gave him a tryout. He was in Edmonton with me, and the rumor was. There was a big article written on him, and he'd probably tell you the story too, I believe, in the in the Edmonton paper. And they said he was going to be the next Marty McSorley. Um, he was a young kid, raw, built like chisel out of Grant, like a real in shape guy. He looked like he took his off life very serious. Very good shape. Very quiet guy, super nice, very humbling guy, like a very humble guy, and uh, a workout guy. And, uh, you know, he was raw. I mean, I mean, he'll probably tell you he wasn't the best player, but he he worked his butt off. And uh, I don't believe, I want to say, I don't believe Edmonton signed him, but they gave him a good look. And he came down with us to Wheeling. And uh, didn't really play too much there. They didn't really give him too much of a shot. And uh, he kind of just bounced around from there. And I remember always thinking that he was such a willing combatant. Like, I don't know whether he would have been this, this, Marty McSorley, but I'll tell you, it, that's a guy you want on your team. I mean, he was quiet, didn't wasn't bragging about what he did. 
he just dropped the mitts. And uh, he wasn't afraid of anybody else. Oh, yeah, for sure. He, he definitely he dropped him with everybody out in the Quebec League, especially once he got over there. And he he played in the Quebec League for quite a couple or for a few years there. With, uh, he fought my he, cousin. I have a cousin in the Quebec League, uh, Billy Fernetti, a little little guy. And he fought, and he was just a little tough agitator, kind of a, I want to say like a Sean Avery type. And he was in the Quebec League and uh, took a lot of beatings. He wasn't a big guy, but he fought Bajerni. And Bajerni didn't know that he was my cousin, and we were and he we were talking online a few weeks ago, and he says, yeah, I beat the shit out of this Fernetti kid. I go, that was my cousin. And he goes, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, Bart. I didn't, you know, he was apologizing to me. I said, no, no, buddy, that's the game, man. That's the role he chose. That's the role you do. I don't apologize to me. I don't, you know, it's, that's that's the way we play. And, uh, you know, and, uh, yeah, he ended up, uh, Badge ended up, because uh, I didn't play with him because he came to Dayton after I left. I was in the, I was with the Dayton Ice Bandits uh, right after Wheeling, and it was an expansion team, and it was a really poor run organization. Alec, they had trouble with money, and and it was just one. They were trying to create a, a team, and uh, they were an expansion team. They had the Dayton Bombers already in the East Coast League, and they tried that team. And uh, I was only there for a month or two, and I said, I, you know, because at the time I still felt like I had a little bit of clout power coming off my contract with Edmonton. And I thought, geez, I don't know if I want to toil around here and play around. And, uh, you know, and that, that was, and in that league, in my first game, I played against P, uh, Thunder Bay and fought Mel Anglestad. Oh, you fought, you fought Anglestad? Yeah, I fought him, yeah. I, how, did uh, that, how did that go? That was weird because you got to remember, Alec, again, no internet, right? So we don't, I don't know who he is. Right, of and course. And he doesn't really know who I am. So, And he's fairly young. He's a few years older than me, but he's still cutting his teeth. And... Uh, he was behind the net, and I mean, for all I know, he he's had so many fights since he might not even remember me. But he uh, he was behind the net. And I, I lined him up, hit him pretty good, and I didn't really. I saw that he had some penalty minutes, but he didn't. You know, I didn't. You know, didn't really know who he was. As soon as I hit him, I skated was skating away from him. I felt this massive cross check right behind my head, and I went, you know, tumbling to the ice, whatnot. And I just turned around, and we fought, and it was a good fight. And I fought him just like I would everywhere else. We went pretty open. And, you know, Mel likes to go open. And so I was going right. He switched to left. And uh, just we kind of tumbled to the ice. It was it was a very quick kind of like no one fought. But I'll tell you, the reason I knew he was real tough after that was when it was over, I had a big goose egg in the back of my head from when he cross-checked me. And I was in the penalty box, and I was kind of seeing stars a bit. And he, was, he, got, he got a 5, 10, something else. They actually kicked him out of the game for whatever reason. And as he was skating off, he looked at me and he was pointing up the number one. That's only round one, he said. And I remember thinking, fuck this. I remember <laughs> thinking, yeah, he, he was pointing at me round one. I remember thinking, what kind of gong show is this league? And that's when the colonel was the colonel. That league was, uh, you know, full of destroyers. And I thought, geez, I went from wheeling to kind of a little bit of a notch down. And then I remember thinking, you know, he's got the nose, you know, all crooked. I thought, this the tough kid. And he looked at me, and he remember, I remember specifically as he skated off, turning towards me with the number, the finger, and he remember he was lipping round one, he was saying to me. And I remember going in the room after, and some guys already knew how tough he was, and I didn't know who he was. He said, Bart, that's only round one. You're going to be fighting Mel all year. And I remember I looked over and said, I don't screw that shit. You know what I mean? 
no kidding. Yeah, it was one of those things like you know it was going to be a long year. So, anyways, I ended up having uh, an issue with the coach and whatnot, and I I only played I think I don't know I played it probably ten eleven games there or whatever. And I, I hockey went DB has you listed here at seven. I gotta tell you now that that hockey DB, I, I don't know where to get some of those. Uh, yeah, some of it's not all accurate, and of course going back that even far into the nineties. I mean, the the, the penalty minutes are all, but they're even screwing me out of the penalty minutes. I'm thinking, geez, I had a lot more penalty minutes than that. But, um, anyways, yeah, yeah. So I I did that, and I remember uh, we had a guy named Jack Gregg on the team who was a good friend of mine. He ended up having a lot of fights in the minors as well, and uh, I remember uh, I went home and. I got to tell you, Alec, at that time, I was having some uh, uh, some issues with maybe am I going to keep playing? I was starting to lose a little bit of the love for the game because now, just what we talked about, now now I'm going to have to fight all the time. That's why I knew it was going to have to happen. And again, I, I didn't mind fighting. In fact, I liked it at the time. But I, I wasn't going to want to fight guys like Mel every night, and that wasn't my game. And because I was strong, a guy like Mel didn't know me, looked at me, thought maybe I'm the tough guy. And I just said, you know, it's it's not really my my personality was to protect guys, and but I wasn't the guy to give the tap on the shoulder, you know what I mean? So uh, I just knew it was going to be one of those years. I went home, I talked to, uh, I had another agent by then. We talked it over. We was trying to find the other teams, and I think uh, that kind of year came and went, and I ended up keeping in shape, and I ended up thinking about, am I going to come back, and where am I going to go? Is a team going to want me back? Do I got to rely on my stats from how many years ago kind of thing. So again, Alec, it's, uh, it's life in the minors, life of the bus rides. And uh, it, it's all about what you're willing to do. And I decided I'm going to give it another shot. And uh, I think I came back and played in, uh, I guess the next year's Odessa. Yep. Pack a lunch. Cause you're going to the Whipple. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I, and I had a few good fights in, in Odessa. I thought, uh, so here's the thing. I go to Odessa. I think I went there when the, the, the season had already started. I went there a few weeks in and I never even heard of hockey in Texas at that time. Like what? You know, there was no Dallas stars then and all that. It was like 1997 or whatever. And they ended up showing up. And of course at the time I'm a workout guy I, and it's the nineties out. So our styles aren't. So I walk in, I got the tank top on, I got that bandana on and I'm just at the time I'm just jacked. And guys are watching me walk in. They're like, who the hell is this guy? So I guess I walked in already like looking like I'm going to be the guy to start mowing guys down. You know what I mean? So I come in and, you know, I, uh, you know, at the time I was just, let's have a good year. See if I can do something, maybe get called up or maybe I can get a look from someone else. I'm still only, I think at the time, Alec, I think I'm still 23. You know, I got another chance to maybe get a look. So anyways, my first game, I fought a guy, uh, New Mexico. I forget his first name. He has since passed away. His last name was Crawford. He was six foot six. And he was probably five years older than I was. And he was a big, tough dude. And we went at it, Alex, for about a minute. And I hit him with lefts, rights. He buckled. I buckled. Back and forth. And if, you know, ask some guys who've been in long fights. When you're in a long fight, you can barely play the rest of the game because you're so tired. So I'm in the I'm in the penalty box and I'm just like trying to get my breath back. But not only that, your body's exhausted. I'm like Jesus, how am I going to play the rest of the game if this guy wants to fight again? I got no energy. And so uh, 
we didn't fight again, but we jostled a bit. And I had a good game. I think I had two goals my first game. And uh, again, it was a it was a brand new team in a brand new league in Texas. People didn't have uh, a clue about the game, uh, but they loved the fights like every oh, league yeah. does. And uh, and we had a tough team. I'll tell you, we had uh, we had a, a buddy of mine, Tom McDonald, who played junior with him, and he was a tough guy. I brought him in. We had a we had Derek Pajot, a big tough kid from uh, Windsor, who I'm friends with on Facebook. He's on the site. Yep, he's, he's on, on the, the fight site. Yep. Um, we had, had a Paul guy named Shane LeBret. Paul Ferroni. Oh, he was he was real tough, Alec. He was like the heavyweight of the league, Paul Ferroni. And uh, we had a guy named Shane LeBreton, who was a tough kid. Um, and we had a lot of gamers, so we had about six or seven guys that would fight. And uh, but you know, at the time, at the time, uh, I'm starting to lose. Uh, you're starting to lose the love because. I was once a prospect and you start to slow down the prospect angle. And now what am I, who am I, what am I going to do? And what am I willing to do to make it to the next level? And I had a few fights and, and it did really well. And uh, I think I had six goals in, in 15 or 17 games. And I was on pace. If I played the whole year there to score probably 30 or plus goals or whatever. And uh, it was again, another team, um, I got to say maybe my, oh, well, the reason what happened here is we played in New Mexico. And uh, I took it, that was the first time I received a very bad concussion, Alex. And uh, I got hit, center ice in New Mexico. And I, I blindside hit and I got elbowed. I didn't get knocked out cold, but I crawled to the bench. And I had to stay overnight in New Mexico hospital. And I couldn't travel with the team back. I had to travel the next day. And uh, so I came back. Uh, somebody drove me back. I wouldn't remember now. But anyways, that's where it started, where I was having some post-concussion syndrome. I couldn't have the lights on in my apartment. In fact, I got into a fight with my roommate over that because I was sensitive to light. And, you know, we're not even getting into this. But at the time, Alec, I used to like to party a little bit. And, you know, it's the way the minors were, you know, the girls, the beard. Oh, yeah, and the that's whole it, man. You're, nine yards. You're out there. It was a gong show. Oh, a gong 100%. Show. Especially in the Whipple. <laughs> uh, the Whipple was, a, I mean, we're in Texas, Alex. We're younger looking guys. It's a gong show. And so, uh, but even then, that being said, and I was the ringleader of the gong show. I asked some of the guys who played, like, I'd like to have fun. But I, I couldn't I couldn't deal with noise and I couldn't deal with light. And I had like a bit of a you know altercation with my roommate. Kind of wrestled around the apartment a bit, put him in a headlock and whatnot. And it was it was a bit of a gong show, and uh, I got a call from the coach, and uh, you know had a sit down meeting with the owner, and he, it can't be basically I can't be you know fighting other guys on the team and departments and all this other stuff. And uh, uh, anyways, I was having problems, but I said uh, I wasn't going to get keep getting paid if I went home, so I was being a real pain in the ass. Alec, I said, well, I'm going to hang around here all year if I'm out with concussion. And I go home, I don't get paid is kind of what the contract is. So I'm, I'm sticking around. They're trying to get me to leave, and I'm trying to stay. And so, um, you know, these are the, the problems of the Whipple, too. Like, you got all this ins and outs and how it works. And it's a lot of shading that's going on. But anyways, uh, so they, they sent me to a doctor. I saw a real renowned neurosurgeon, uh, a doctor who had worked with Troy Aikman, uh, uh, a really renowned guy. And that was the very first time I learned that my brain wasn't a normal brain in a CAT scan. It was pretty banged up. And um, I had a lot of calcium deposit, a lot of white. 
a lot of white spots and uh, kind of reminiscent of a, a person in a car accident. So uh, I decided at the time, now, yeah, okay, I'm going to go home. So I went home. It was another one of those deals, Alec. I go home. I love the game. Uh, I'm still very young. Do I give it another summer and try again? And uh, then, then, it, then it all starts up again, right? You go back, you train, you love the game. Let's give it another go. Of course, away you go. So, and, and I don't know where I go from there. You could tell me. I don't know what. Uh, Hockey what DB has like. so, you here at. Uh, well, it, it, they like to mix up teams, so sometimes it's not uh, the the sequence no, no, is exact. Yeah, oh yeah, it's all screwed up. So it says here, I mean, you know, you either went to uh, the old U-Haul League right after, and then back to the Whipple, or you went to uh, Tupelo and then to uh, Winston Salem. Oh. Yeah, okay, so here's what happened. I went to, uh, well, before all that, I went to a camp in Mobile, Mississippi, in East Coast League. Yeah, see, uh, it doesn't even have that here. No, no, but I didn't stay for any regular games. I only went there for training camp, and I just, it was it was a really, it was a, you know, I guess, you know, the, the bottom line is, Alec, I, I had played, you know, with some really good organizations, and I, at one point, I guess, you know, you're st- I'm still thinking, like, not that I'm above anything, but I'm like, this is kind of not being run very well. I went there and they brought me in. They promised me this. They promised me that. And you go there, it's, you know, a shit little apartment. Uh, it's in a real shady part of town. And I, I just, I didn't like the setup, but I was there for camp. And, uh, and um, you know, I think the only thing I liked there was the weather at the time. And maybe they had a nice golf course and went golfing a few times, but, uh, you know, it was one of those deals where I was in and out, went back home. Then I got I got the call from Tupelo. Went to Tupelo. Um, uh, they had it was it, it was another team. It was a new team in the league. But you know, I've already I've already seen this game before, this picture before, and uh, another kind of a poorly run situation. And I got to tell you, Alex, and a lot of these guys will tell you the same stuff. Like you show up to these towns and. Uh, yeah, they love the game. They love this and that. But unless they kind of set you up nicely, it's a real rough. This is the miners, man. We don't got the millions. We're in little shady dumps, and uh, and you're making like barely enough money to survive. So you got to make important decisions. And I played there a few games, and for whatever reason, I think that's the team. I think it has me at zero penalty minutes, which which wasn't true. I don't know where they got that from. I think it says zero penalty minutes. Yeah, it sure does. Over there in Tupelo, it says 10 games, zero PIMS. <laughs> zero, yeah, zero PIMS, and I think one or two. I'm thinking that that's way out of whack. I think I had three or four fights there, but I don't know where the zero comes from. But anyways, yeah, I didn't. I, it was another one of those things. I went back, and uh, uh, at this point, Alex, i got to tell you, I'm, I'm playing on past ability. I'm playing on a resume that's long gone, and uh, – a lot of guys do it, and uh, the love was kind of gone. Um, I was always good enough to keep playing pro. It was never me. The problem is when you're a good player or you're a decent player, Al, you could always play, and you're always going to have a team to play on. But unless you're going to get the final prize, which is the show, you're really just treading water, and uh, you're kind of delaying the rest of your life in a way. So it was going to be like that all the way through till I retired and uh, – that's why uh, eventually we'll get to it, but I end up in Europe. 
Oh, that's and right. They don't even have that. They don't even have it, don't, have it, it there. No. Yep, exactly. That's it doesn't hilarious. even have it on here. Uh, well, before no, we leave, uh, we leave the U-Haul because you were with Winston uh, Winston Salem. One guy I wanted to yeah. ask you about who, um, you know, I, I've seen a couple of his videos before, and then he always somehow he always ends up popping up on um, <laughs> guys I interview. He's always somehow on the roster one of the way. But it was a uh, Sean Yakimishin. What was it like playing with? Uh, oh, Yakimishin? Yaker, yeah. little Yaker, uh, tough little guy, man. He was uh, five foot nothing, a fuck nothing, and he wasn't afraid of anybody. And uh, when I first showed up, to, <laughs> uh, he's a funny guy. He was uh, my roommate on the road. Anyways, when I first showed up there, uh, we our coach was uh, was Lee Odeline. He was the brother of Lyle Odeline, NHL tough guy uh, that you might remember from his Montreal days in New Jersey. Lyle Odeline was a tough guy. And his brother brought me in, and uh, I had a buddy or two that was from my area that was on the team. They kind of sold the coach on bringing me in saying hey Barton's good and stuff and whatnot and I went in and I got right away I got roomed I opened the door and Sean Yakimishin is lying there on the bed butt naked on his back on the hotel bed and he's got a big chew in his mouth and he's he's kind of saying hey, he goes are you the new guy I said yeah he goes I'm Yacker I said hey Yacker what's up eh? and I'm like thank you the guy's butt naked on his back got a big chew in his mouth and he's just like a little guy. And I'm thinking, who is this guy? Is he the mascot or is he like, you know, whatever. And, uh, no, it was funny, man. I walked in and we kind of shot the shit for a bit. And the first game he played, he got into a couple scraps. I fought, uh, my very first game, I fought, uh, uh, Van- Peter Vandermeer, who's a fairly tough guy. Those Vandermeers, um, man, they grow like fucking weeds. Yeah. <laughs> They're all over the place. But I fought Peter, who's, He's tough, but he's not a big guy. Like, um, like I did real well. Like, it was kind of quick, and I kind of threw him down a couple. It wasn't much, but it was like I was a stronger guy than him. But he was a very don't you know get me wrong. He was a real tough guy. Um, but I did well there, and then uh, I, I was out of shape. I came in out of shape, and uh, it took me a week or two to get my legs. And I ended up having most of my fights that year. I think I had they had me down as like. 20-something games, 47 pims. I think I only took one or two minors. And I fought a guy named Jack Gregg in Saginaw, who was a buddy of mine from a few years prior in Dayton. He was on Saginaw, I think, and I, I fought him. I fought Jason Disher, who was a big, tough dude. We fought in junior. Uh, he was in uh, Madison. Uh, I fought this guy, Chris Schultz, who was a tough guy in uh, Asheville Smoke. I think he had three or 400 pins that year and uh, kind of did, did my problem was this out. I did real well in my fight. And so what happened was they don't know what to make of you. Like, okay, so you're not a guy who fights every night, but you're actually beating up the guys that do. It doesn't make sense to some of these guys. And so, okay. So I did well in, in my fights and uh, uh, they had some real characters. I'll tell you that league uh, that year had, uh, Oh, you're going to love this story, Alex. So we're sitting there. Our coach comes in the room. We got a player coming into town. We're all sitting around, looking around. He's at the bar. We're going to go meet him at the bar. We're all looking around. Everyone says, and, and, and we go to the bar. You know who walks in? Link Gates. Oh, fuck yeah. The cool. missing link the walks missing through link. like a shadow, this big shadow. I got to say, he was one of the biggest men because he's not necessarily a muscle guy, but he's big. And he walked in. 
I remember he got bigger and bigger as he walked through the doors. We were trying to sign him at the time, but there was an issue with his rights or his who had his rights, but Lee Odeline loved him, so we flew him in, and he was supposed to be with us for a few days, practice, see how he does, because he was out of shape. He got totally shit-faced. You know, i got to say, we were kind of afraid of him. I'm still kind of a young guy. He's a lot older than I. And uh, people were afraid of him, man, because we knew the stories. And he walked in, and he wasn't really talking to us yet, and he had a few beers, and the more beers he had, the scary he started to look. And uh, I was with my roommate, and we decided to kind of even leave a bit early, so we go. <laughs> we didn't really hang out with him, but he was drinking from afar. He was already a veteran. The guy played in the show already. What's he going to sit with us for? And we go home, and the next day, we're all waiting for him to show up to practice. He didn't show up. So Lee Oline, the coach, comes in the room and says, okay, guys, uh, you know, Link, Link's not going to be here. Uh, we had a bit of a problem last night at the bar, and, uh, you know, he's uh, he's already on the plane out. And he's, uh, you know, he's got to go so-and-so, neck, wherever. I don't know where he's going. But I guess he had an altercation, maybe beat up the, uh, he grabbed the shirt of the guy behind the bar, the bartender and pulled him over the, something happened where he grabbed the bar, uh, the bartender, and I think maybe kind of jerseyed him around the bar a little bit for cutting him off or <laughs> yeah, something sound, with the drink. Sounds like Link. <laughs> uh, something like that. But anyways, he got escorted out, and then he was like the missing link. It was like a one of those quick stories that you just don't really hear about again, and he's off to the next town. But that was my only meeting meeting him was him walking in, and like uh, the shadow got bigger, and he just met us all. I shook his hand. Remember his hand looked like, and I, you know, I got good sight. His hand looked like lunch boxes, and he went to the bar and he he leaned up against the bar like a veteran, like a you know guy who's already been around the block. And he had his own little tab, and he was drinking beers. And but I can kind of see it was getting a little dicey looking. And I thought, you know, let's just get out of here. You know, let Link have his drinks, whatnot. And that was the end of Link. You know, that was that was his uh, that was his time in the sun here in uh, Winston Salem. But I got to tell you, that league was tough. And uh, every team had three or four guys, like every other league I've been telling you about. And um, just trying to think in that league that year, Quad City's real tough. They had. Uh, Oh geez, they had uh, goulash. I was, I was just had, ready to start looking it up because I wanted. I was going to ask you myself because, well, you know, I'm oh, a yeah. City fan. <laughs> they had goulash. They had uh, was Topper there. No, uh, Topper wasn't there. I was going to because I, I had looked him up previously, and I think he was in the coast at the time. Okay, you're right. It was. It was. But they had McFarland. They had goulash. They had. Oh God! They had a bunch of like. They had a bunch of like I want to say a bunch of middleweights, but they were like they were real tough. Like a lot of guys would fight, and they of course was you know them and I think probably Muskegon were the cream of the crop of the league if I remember uh, that year. And uh, we lost to Muskegon in the first round of the uh, of the playoffs. I think we beat them the first game. They beat us four straight. We just had a bunch of I mean we had a bunch of kind of guys that got put together from other leagues and. We had a couple tough guys, but we didn't really have a great team. But uh, Muskegon was really well. And I'll tell you, I love playing in that rink and quad because a buddy of mine, um, Rob Frid, uh, who played in Quad City, uh, you probably know Frid, Fritter. He, uh, yep. he was, he, he's got, you know, you know, we're friends, but we haven't talked in a while because he's kind of a bit on the other side of the fence than I am with the whole coming at the hockey, you know, with the injuries and whatnot. But, I won't get into that. That's his story to tell, and he's already told it. 
but uh, he he loved it in Quad City. He was trying to get me to play there one year, and I, you know, they already had a million guys. I I said nah, you know, and I played with Wade. I played with um, uh, Gibson, who played with me in Wheeling. He was a big scorer in Quad City, and uh, but I I always thought it was funny. We had the showers. We were doing our showers after the game in Quad City. It, it, it's like I don't know it's a basketball place because their showers were so high out they were like 15 feet high the shower head i remember looking up i said who the hell shower in here and uh, they had the big showers and uh cool little town i think we went out and lit up the town for a night or two and uh away we went and uh into the night back to uh, winston-salem and uh like again i had that was probably the place where i was already dialed out had a few fights um uh, and then from there, I think I, I went home and I had one more little last hurrah in that, that, that hole of the town, Alexandria, Louisiana. And, uh, I think that was, uh, my last goal here. I said, I'll go to Europe. Yeah. I, I'm looking at the Quad City roster now. Yeah. They had, you know, Kevin yeah. Kerr, McFarlane, oh, yes. Rosenblatt, yeah. <laughs> yeah. pack of lunch. Oh, oh, oh yes. Howie was tough. Um, Kevin Kerr kind of like was we were similar players actually that's kind of like because he was a guy who who was a really good fighter and tough but he didn't need to do it all the time that's kind of what i would have been had i just stuck to playing the game and and, and continuing my offense and whatnot he's kind of what i would have ended up being kind of a, a guy that can fight the heavies but wasn't really heavy um you know and then of course you had uh, in that league you had that uh, that jim duhart on uh oh geez uh he was a real pain in the ass. He was like a little chirper. He played in, um, I want to say Madison, Jimmy Duhart. He had the handlebar, handlebar mustache and just chirped at everybody. But that league was, uh, that league was fun because, uh, a lot of guys had kind of mailed it in, but they loved the little cities they're playing in. Like all those guys in quad city. I bet you half of those guys still live there. They just seem to love living there. I know. I know Toporowski oh. does. He actually does like insurance or financial stuff up there in quad city still. Um, well, he's interesting. Yeah. That guy's, uh, he's a smart guy. I heard off the ice. I don't know him, but yeah, from what I understand, he just doesn't talk about it much. Um, he's really, he's just focused on his kids playing over. Cause of course he has, uh, his boys playing over there in Spokane now too. And from what I understand, he just doesn't talk about it much. You know, he's just lived the life, did it and, you know, kind of moved on, I guess. But that's, you know, and that's a, you know, what I respect about that is that he didn't need, pocket he he did it oh and, yeah he uh, did um uh, he, like, he, he, just... he was always quiet and he didn't really he was never like a chirper and he always just backed up everything those are the scariest guys out the guys that don't say much like that i'll tell you you know karen's he didn't talk much uh even bonvi he did do a little chirping but once the game got buckled in he put his jersey on he's pretty quiet he'd sit there kind of just just kind of um amping himself up if you know what i mean um sometimes uh, you get the odd guy who can chirp and go, but a lot of the quiet guys are actually the toughest guys. And uh, their reputation precedes them once they get into the battle. And uh, again, like I think, you know, I look through my different places I played. I want to mention a guy that you might not know, but I played in Wheeling with a guy, a little guy named Rob Trumley. Um he was super tough. He was about five foot nine. He's on my Facebook, and I don't know if he's on the group at all, but he was a Saskatchewan kid, five foot nine. This guy threw punches, Alec, like a heavyweight. And uh, 
uh, I'd like to give him a little shout out because he was a tough kid and uh, he played in Regina, I believe, in the WHL, and a lot of guys were afraid of him. And he beat up a lot of heavyweights just with his right hand. And um, uh, and another guy uh, uh, quickly is uh, a guy named Darren Hurley that I, I posted the other day about him. Uh, he went to Europe after, and he was a, he was with me in junior in Detroit, and he was with me in Edmonton. He ended up beating up Kelly Bookberger in training camp, and what happened was he was such a tough guy, Darren Hurley, but a nice guy. Uh, after he beat up Kelly Bookberger in training camp, you know we were we were like rooming beside each other at the Banff Springs Hotel in Alberta, beautiful hotel. He was getting calls to his room all night from like a lot of the veterans and the players saying they want to get they were going to kick his ass because he kicked the crap out of a veteran. So he was getting uh, kind of like phone calls throughout the night about <laughs> better not show up, better not show up tomorrow. We're going to stick your teeth out. We're going to do this or that. So what happened was we wake up next day, you know, Hurls tells me about this and says, Bart, he says, uh, I think I'm going to go home. I said, what? what are you talking about? Well, all night long, I'm getting like threatening phone calls to my room from like guys I look up to just because I beat up Kelly Buckberger, you know, and I guess, you know, veterans stick together in NHL camps. Anyways, uh, they were even, they were even going to offer him a, a contract and he actually refused it. And he went home. And I remember thinking, man, if a guy like as tough as Darren Hurley can get kind of riled up and it wasn't that he was afraid to show up. He was very upset and disappointed that here's guys that he, he looked up to, uh, you know, I don't even want to mention names. I kind of know the guys he called them, but, uh, you know, and they said, if you show up, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. You know, you're dead, you're this and that. I guess all that he couldn't deal with. And he was very disappointed that that was happening. And he, he literally looked at me. He said, Bart, I'm going home, packing it in. I don't care about the contract. And he went back home and played university hockey for a year and then ended up in uh, post the other day in uh, in England and fought a uh, bunch of guys, tough guys there, and knocked out a bunch of guys. And what a scary guy in the ice, but what a nice guy off the ice. So I just wanted to mention him. And uh, uh, Rob Tromley was another guy from Wheeling. And uh, uh, and another guy, uh, not really heavyweight, not in the NHL career, a good friend was Todd Harvey. I played with in Detroit that uh, uh, for a guy, Todd Harvey size, he wasn't afraid of anybody. And uh, and uh, these are the kind of guys I, I wanted to emulate because they could play the game and uh, – you know, fight anybody. Todd Harvey fought a lot of guys that were out of his weight class in the NHL. And, uh, of course, Paul Maurice was my coach in Detroit, and he ended up, he's Winnipeg's coach. And it's just a few guys that I just wanted to mention that, uh, you know, played the game hard and uh, necessarily weren't the, the heavyweights. But, uh, you know, and uh, when you mentioned that Chris Nyland was uh, your all-time favorite guy, uh, in high school he was one of my favorites. And, uh, of course, John Corrick, and uh, I was a Bowder fan, as you know, as I posted a few times. And uh, I wore I wore I wore uh, Troy Crowder's uh, jersey to school all the time in high school. So that's a little tidbit from there. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's, I, I, so, well, I collect all the hockey jerseys, and everything. But I got more uh, more nylon shit than anything, of course. You know, I even have. Uh, oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh yeah, I got this picture. I got his picture right here on the podcast desk. Uh, it, Puck signed by him on the desk. Uh, I got the fucking Bruins all-time tough guys, and he's on the list, which is kind of funny. Well, I hope he's doing well, eh? I hope he's doing well. I know his story there, and I just hope uh, everything's good with Chris there. And uh, uh, I know you're friends with him. You talk to him. I just uh, uh, He was a big hero of mine growing up, I'll tell you that. 
Absolutely. Yeah, and he's doing real well. Like I posted the other day, he just had Dave Brown. Even we, we just talked about them fighting, and there there they are on the on Nyland's radio show up there in Montreal. <laughs> Unbelievable because, uh, again, uh, I, I tell you, there was Guy Lafleur as a kid, and then there was Chris Nyland. I'm not even joking. He was as popular as maybe not quite, but he was right there. And all because he wasn't afraid of anybody. And, uh, and Montreal, I know the league is what it is now, and, and there's a lot of that. But they were a real tough team at one point. As skilled as Montreal was back in the day, they always had real tough guys. And when they had him and John Cordick, that was a pretty tough team back in the, uh, the late 80s, I believe, at the time. Before Chris got traded to, I guess it was what, the Rangers or... Wherever he went there, he went to Boston, then he went to New York or vice versa. But um, I know how much he loved playing in Montreal, and that's probably why he's back in, in, in there and doing what he does. So, Absolutely. And yeah, like like I had talked about before, he's treated like a god up there still. Everybody's always asking for pictures, and he's such a nice guy. He stops for every single picture. And, you know, gives gives people the time of day to, you know, just make their day like something like that, a picture or whatever the case may be. And, you know, it's, it was awesome. It was like a surreal feeling to even be up there with them. Well, you know? yeah, I saw the pictures. I, I mean, I saw you with them there. And I'm thinking, how did that how did that come about? And I'm thinking, you know, that's a pretty neat situation because that's not a usual, you know, just to kind of hook up with Chris Nyland's a pretty special little situation. So uh, that was pretty an interesting thing to see that you were – you know, hanging out with him and uh, kind of get the feel for what he was all about and what he did. And, you know, I'm glad he's doing well. I read his book and I read, I, I watched his thing about 30 times, his, his movie. Oh, I love it. I need to get it's it a, again. It's, oh, uh, it was it. on Amazon, but now it's not available anymore. And it used to be, I've, the very first time oh, I saw it, it was get, on Netflix. It was on Netflix. Oh, they got, they got rid of it, did they? Yeah. Oh. Now, the, the, I mean, we still have Ice Guardians on Netflix, which is great. But that was, that was, I was like the last Gladiators because it was like almost a little bit the old yeah. school, the precursor to Ice Guardians. I love Ice Guardians. It's just like I can only watch it so many times. Right, but, of uh, course. I have to I have to, you know, watch it and then wait about it like six months or so and then oh yeah, I can watch it again. <laughs> like I'm getting desperate now. Like I'm getting to the point where now I'm watching like Goon over and over and, and getting into the like, Oh, I did that you know, in high school, so that's all I that I drilled yeah, like, in high school. You know, <laughs> it, it's it's getting tough, Alec, because I, I as much as we don't like the new game anymore, I'm kinda of missing something, you know what I mean? So uh, and again, although I will say, Alec, and I don't know if it's true, they are saying the fighting was up this year a bit. Eh? So, from what uh, I can, I don't see, know. I think from what the numbers I noticed were, it a bit. Yeah, from what the numbers were, it was actually still lower than last year. But it seemed like there was okay. more. There was there was more emotion in the fights. Like there was the brawls. It seemed like, like the there was up. more legit fights. Yeah, a little more like anticipation with the Cassian thing and. Uh, uh, Hell, even the Boston and uh, Tampa thing that just happened. Boston, uh, I was Tampa, watching that game. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then, um, you know, of course, uh, I, I guess if you want to quickly get into uh, with my cousin there in Philly, that whole debacle there with uh, bringing my cousin in for one last hurrah with Philly. Um, but uh, and then in his career, you know, you know I, I don't know what's going on with him because uh, – uh, you know, I, I just don't like the way his career was managed for the most part. And I, I think uh, being an outside coach, like being a quarterback from my seat, uh, the way they've kind of, and I'll tell you, a guy like Luchik, he's on his way out too. And I, I understand he hasn't been the same either, but uh, it's impossible for a guy like that to play today because 
there's no emphasis on his game any like there's no he can't impose that game now because no one's going to fight back they're going to take the power play and and it's going to cost you so i don't know what a guy like luchik brings at the moment to any team really and it's a um, he can't win in either situation i've mentioned this no, before he gets dogged for not fighting he gets and then if he fights they and He's even a I, goon. I gotta tell you i've been a bit critical of him at times because i'm like you know He's supposed to beat up that guy, and then he's fighting. Why is he fighting this guy? But then you got to think, there's no one to fight. I mean, whoever he fights, it's a guy that doesn't really fight much to begin with. He's supposed to win. If he doesn't, out, you know, if he doesn't clean the guy's clock, then oh, is Luchik? Is he doesn't want to do it, and he doesn't, you know. So, and, and my cousin was the same. They kind of weeded him out. But I, I, I say that when my cousin came in the league, and. Uh, um, when he came into the league with uh, Colorado, and he had a pretty good junior career in Kingston, he was a legitimate Aginla clone player. He scored 28 goals back to back, 64 points one year, and and he fought. And so, as great as that sounds now, there I guess there isn't room for that anymore. So, not that he was ever going to score the points anymore. First of all, he wasn't even getting the ice time, but. Um, but he, I don't think I've ever seen a guy get more flack. And I'm being biased when I say it because I read all the stuff on him. Of course, guys were on my ass about it, you know, defending him all the time. But I, I'm defending him because I'm seeing what I'm seeing. And it's like, uh, you could be fine that people don't, you know, uh, you know, one guy might mention and say, well, you know, he, he, he can't keep up. He can't do that. Well, that's funny. I mean, I, He's like probably one of the fastest guys in the team if he actually timed him on a on a on a radar gun against other players. So it's not about not keeping up; it's about his style of game. People just don't want to see it in certain areas, and, and for Philly fans of all fans to not want to see it, it was really uh, disappointing for me. And I know for him it was a bit upsetting. And I hadn't talked to him really since he was when he got sent down. I think he knows I was a bit kind of, you know. I was disappointed in it, and then we kind of just didn't really say much. And then he, now with what's going on, he's probably home now. And uh, I just haven't, it, it gets me riled up, that stuff. But um, I mean, he's only 32 years old. I wonder if he'll get into coaching or whatnot. But um, but again, it's it's the league's weaning out those guys. And unless, unless we get surprised, Alec, and then in another, let's say, three to five years, the game's kind of circled back around on us. And, and somehow it means something again, the physical game. But uh, I'll believe that if I see it. I just don't know if that's going to ever happen. Yeah, I don't. I don't see it coming back, especially with the concussion thing that the NHL is going through right now. That's a big thing. Uh, if you, I, I don't know if you noticed, like on their YouTube, they don't show any fights or anything. It's always Sportsnet or uh, some other like TSN showing the fights. So I just they're in the they're in that spot, and they're in a tough spot too now to where. They're trying to cater to both sides, but it's just not working. Like they, well, they're, they're almost backpedaling now <laughs> because right, they, yeah. they cater to the new age fans and the the media so much now that they realize the yeah. old school fans are like, well, fuck this, and so now they're like, oh, well, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, why would they have Peros go and attend the what was it, the Edmonton and Calgary? Yeah, game? it's embarrassing for Peros to like, be out there. Setting this, uh, the sad part is, I don't think it's him either. It's it's got to be coming from higher up because no, you know, I mean, Paris is a player. 
Hey, listen, Paris, Paris is a fringe player. He's got a job, and he's just doing what he's got to do now. You think he wants to be out there putting guys on blast? I mean, that's not, you know, he was a fringe guy. I mean, he, it is what it is. He's got his own gig now. He's got to do what he does. But you know what you've been saying a lot, and I always agree with what you're saying, is that you got to love when they promote these games. And it's the fighting, and the, they're promoting the battles of Detroit and call it like, the, the, the commercial is the old brawl and the fights and all, and then the game happens and they know that's not going to happen. So they're dragging all these fans in on false pretense of what the game used to be. And so here we are like, oh, the battle of Alberta tonight. And it's going to be now, mind you, there was a couple of good games with the battle of Alberta this year, obviously with the Zach Cash and stuff, but they shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be promoting a game that they're trying to get rid of. And uh, giving this false hope to uh, an old fan to come out and let's relive the glory days—it's just not happening. And, exactly. Uh, it's... it's just that part does bother me. Like, don't don't knock the game, and or or I mean, I don't know. I think secretly Bettman likes the fighting, uh, but because oh, it draws crowds. There's a reason. Of... If, if they really didn't want it and they thought it was bad, it would have been banned already. But they know it draws crowds. Yeah, like, why do you think Bettman's in the background and kind of just keeps us quiet when the fighting stuff comes? Because he knows people love it. He doesn't come out and outright ban and He can't. I mean, he knows, but it's kind of out of his hands. It's kind of like the way society is yeah, now. The, so, the PC culture kind of going there now. PC culture, uh, don't uh, hit me too hard and kind of let's talk. So, you know what I hate the most, Alec? And I, 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 like I'm an old school guy. It's the talking between players on the ice, laughing, and oh, yeah. they show the bench, and they're all smiling with each other, probably looking up in the stands, oh, look at her, and, you know, hey, listen, we get it, but you got to look like you care. You got to, like, hey, listen, you want to talk to the guy after, you want to go out and gong it up with the guy with a few beers after, that's fine. Don't don't show the fans on TV uh, smiling. Like, I saw the Leaf, I think I saw Mitch Marner once, they were going through the bench, and the Leafs were getting spanked by somebody. And they were a, a team they should have been beating. And Mitch Marner was smiling and staring at, at Austin Matthews, and they were talking about something. I thought, they're probably talking about, you know, what chicks they're going to wheel after. I mean, who, who knows what they're talking about, but you got to make it at least look, look like you really care. And I think that's the difference in our day, whereas we did talk to guys before and after the game. But I got to tell you, the best, the guys that were best friends, they killed each other on the ice. Like Tony Twist says, you know, he fought Kelly Chase how many times? He fought uh, all these guys that were his best friends. Like, he didn't care. He's got a job to do. He's getting paid lots of money to do a job. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, my mind can't get around what an intense game the game of hockey was. And then, and then I have to watch this, where, where where it pans through the bench and guys are looking up in the air. One guy staring down at skates and looking around. This just wasn't how it was, and uh, I guess that part's what rubs a lot of the older guys like me and uh, other guys that you talk to, kind of like, hey, what the hell's going on here? But um, you know, that's just the way the game's going, and. Uh, I guess we either get on board with it. And like you said, you don't really watch the game much anymore. Neither do I. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, it's just, it's just how it is. And you, it's unfortunate. You take what you take. And if you, if there is a good game, like you said, you've seen a few games where there's a few fights, there is going to be a couple of those and then you'll tune in. But uh, as far as you getting all excited about your popcorn on Saturday night, uh, those days are long gone. I know for me anyway. And, uh, 
but you know, with all that's going on in the world right now, it's, it's pretty sad when I'm kind of like, geez, when are we going to get back to it? But you know, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, as far as, uh, like we were going down that road with my career, I ended up going, to, uh, you know, coming home and I got, I, I actually quick story. I, uh, I got a call from the Quebec league, like, you know, the league, you know, you, you love the Quebec league. Oh yeah. The old L and uh, Yeah. They give me a call. And I, I believe at the time I, I want to say it was Laval actually. And they called me and I maybe it was through a guy on, maybe it was Badger. Someone said something and they called me and it was a French, you know, whatever. And uh, they pretty much told me how it was going to be. And they don't mince any words. You're going to come in. And, you know, they expect me to rough it up. And whether I was uh Whoever out there, they're getting word from guys they know on the team, like Barton's a good fighter, like, just bring him in kind of thing. And I'm like, I'm at the end. I wasn't even wanting to do that where I was. I, I, I didn't want to go, and I said, you know. And there was a few bucks on the table, you know. They'll pay you a good little amount to uh, come and do a few things. And I thought, no, I'm done. I've already had some concussions. And, uh, of course, I'm from the area, and I thought I'd be neat, neat to go back and live in Quebec for a bit again. And I, I just said, no, nah, it's, it's, it's really – the guys that go there to do that, and I, I respect them for it. The guys are really, they really like to doing it, and uh, they like to entertain that way. And they, they really, you have to really enjoy it. And at that point in my career, I wasn't really enjoying that type of stuff. Now I loved, I loved getting involved when I had to, but you know they were having seven, eight fights a game and all that. And I thought, you know, with my head the way it was, and yeah, I'm going to go to Europe. And I went to Europe and I lit it up in Spain and I had a few. There was a few Russians out there. It was a decent, it was actually decent hockey. I, I, I couldn't believe when I first was on the database, they didn't have any of my, any of my stats for that. I guess it's hard to get the Spanish, uh, you know, it's not a, exactly a hotbed for hockey, but, you know, I was happy. They set me up with a, with a nice, beautiful apartment, 10, you know, 10 minutes from the beach. Uh, the arena's right there. We had a big soccer stadium, lots to do. But I probably partied myself to death almost there, and I thought, you know, it was a nice way to maybe cap it off, see the different part of the world. And uh, and uh, I remember, I, I think after four, four or five months, I woke up and we were our season was done. I looked at my roommate. I said, "We got to go home, man. I mean, we can't <laughs> hang around. We're we're gonna kill each other here because you'd go out to party not till eleven, twelve at night, and you wouldn't get home till twelve the next day with all the." Uh, you know, after bars and after parties. And I thought, man, great experience. I was already closing in on 30, you know, kind of lived a life, had the dream. The dream was gone. Um, I, I had a lot of, you know, few goals there. And it was funny though. I, we played this one team in that league and they were kind of known to be a bit rough. And I had the long hair back then, the kind of the crazy hair, you know, trying to fit in like the, the Spanish soccer guys. And I was all tanned up and, you know, hitting the beach a bit and, um, so I had to look. And so we went out there and one guy in this, on, uh, was a Russian fellow playing on another team. And he was, so I was hacking me and whacking me. And finally, I just two handed him across the ankle. He went to the ground. He looked up, he's holding his ankle. I said, don't ever, you know, you know, you could take it from there. Don't ever piss with me again. And then, you know, goes around the league. Don't mess with the Canadian guys. And, uh, so I got a lot of room, scored a lot of goals with no one touching me. And, uh, Kind of my career ended as it started, you know, scoring a bit of goals and uh, some respect and, uh, you know, had lots of fun and packed it up. And from there, it was just, uh, 
you know, things were rough. You know, I had to, I had to kind of learn to live without the game. And um, I want to say, having lived all over the place and uh, being through a lot of things, I was through. I think the hardest part for me was you lived a lot of years and it kind of a lot of ruined relationships. A lot of things kind of, uh, you know, you, you miss a lot of things that other guys do. And, uh, but you also have the stories that a lot of these guys will never have. And so uh, you kind of make a trade off in life. You know, you have the stories, you made the friends, you didn't make the money, but you know, it's not always about the money. And uh, I got a million friends and a lot of people that uh, consider friends to this day from all the way back in junior. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. And I, you, you have your rough times, your rough goes. And I had mine and um, kind of weighing my options here now and thinking, geez, I'm kind of back in the, in the swing of things. And where do I go from here? And do I, do I put one foot back in the game and at a, on a different level of maybe put the coaching hat on? And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. And, uh, but I mean, I, I got to tell you, Alec, I enjoy these shows and I, I enjoy the fact that, that a lot of these guys like me sitting around, I got to tell you, don't have a lot of other things going on. And, um, you know, I post a lot of stuff. I, I have the time to do so. And uh, it's a nice way for some of these guys to get their mind off other things in life too. You know, right? And uh, it's uh, yeah, you know, for you being such a young guy, it's it's surprising that you're so heavily involved in the in the love of that part of the game. And uh, like you said a long time ago, I think you know a lot of these guys don't get the credit and they don't get the respect. And it's like a couple slugs and a couple goons. And and remember, Al, all these guys saying it, not none of them would ever tell you that in person. Oh no, no, of course not. They got the keyboard and uh. You know, millions of miles to travel to uh, protect them. Guys, always you guys are chirping at me all the time, and you know they they get kind of a false sense of reality and think that you know you might never see them in town, and you're never probably going to. But you gotta respect the fact that you know a lot of these guys were there, man. And uh, when you sacrifice most of your of your life, like I did, and I gotta tell you, I. my whole life has been the game. And uh, like I was just telling you, you know, relationships ruined. A lot of things you put on hold to try to make it. And uh, you you don't get that time back, but you also don't get, you don't get to relive. You, know, you have the stories to tell that people can never take away from you. And um, it's important that people respect opinions of some of these guys that played because it's not just bullshit it's guys that really mean what they're saying and uh if one guy you know says one guy isn't that tough let's say and if it's from a guy who actually fought him that's their opinion they have they lived it they know who's tough right and uh but you get some joe blow with a big stomach on the couch telling me i didn't do nothing well that same guy can tell you wouldn't say shit in front of you right oh exactly and uh so the respect, I, I still old school that way. I, I enjoy the guys that respect at least people were there. I, I wasn't some big star, but I was there. I rode the buses. I did my thing. And at one point in my life when I was a young guy, I, I mean, I was, I was on, you know, 
I, I made Team Ontario under 17, the top 30 kids. And I, I mean, I, I was that guy. But what happens is you start to make choices along the way. Where am I going to go with it? And I was always kind of, again, much to my fault, I was always kind of a tweener, not knowing where I wanted to go with it. And when you get stuck in between roles, you kind of lose yourself because you either got to pick what you're going to do and stick with it all the way through, or you're going to do the other thing and go all the way through. You can't be a guy indecisive about what you're going to do. And, uh, you know, again, give respect to these guys. They, they lived it. Uh, even the guys that looked like they were from the outside, maybe they were goons or whatnot. Those guys were all at one point in their life pretty damn good hockey players before they got to a level where they were asked just to be a tough guy. And uh, a lot of these guys were 50-goal scorers as kids. And so when, when someone says, hey, the slug, and this guy couldn't do this and that, well, at one point that guy was a 50-goal man, but And, uh, you know, their their love for the game is why they still stayed in the game as long as they did. And uh, I got out at the right time because I had a few injuries. My love was gone a bit. Uh, I had sacrificed a lot of my health to, to still hang on. And uh, But, again, I'm not, just to be, you know, forward, I'm not on that side of the game that is mad at the game. That will never be me. Um, and uh, I've been asked to kind of get on that train, and I've kind of decided not to. Because you know, it's just not me. Because I know a lot of guys out there, and and, uh, and and you do as well. Maybe just you know we kind of keep a lot of the names quiet at times, but it's it's just not uh, it's not where I'm at in my life. And the game's not to blame. It's a it's a rough game. Uh, it, it, it's the same for football, any other contact sport. Uh, people get hurt. People people end up dying. Life is tough, man. And uh, if you never take a, if you never dip your foot in the ocean, you can't be a shark. So uh, you gotta, you gotta at least, you know, you gotta give these guys credit. They gave it a go. And, uh, uh, but don't be bitter at the game. The game is, the game is a great game. It, it's not what we remembered it, but I choose to remember that game. And uh, I made a lot of friends and, uh, you know, it is what it is. And uh, I'm happy that you have the page and I like, contributing to the page and if guys have things they want to say they're more than welcome and uh if i get a little better at times it's just uh you know me getting edgy and a bit uh you know having a bit of fun with it but uh, uh you know it's nice to do uh it's nice to talk to you bud absolutely man and, uh, i'm glad that uh, uh you're continuing on with this i i can't wait to listen to uh with you with killer yeah, um, that's a good one. Yeah, I'll have that one out yeah. probably next week. And uh, it's yeah, funny, I, I want to hear that. I didn't even get to dive into his mind. Well, fuck, I recorded that at my in-laws' house, <laughs> so I had you to, know uh, I kind of that must that be real there. tough. That's got to be tough when you're interviewing guys like that because there's so much you want to say. Because man, that guy was a that guy was all balls. He reminds God, me of Andy Beazle. Andy Beazle was a similar player to him, and they're they're that small guy that won't be denied and uh man was he tough and there's no i mean there's a reason reason he's killer killer is no joke and uh, a lot of these guys with these little nicknames there, there's a reason they have these names man 
Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I didn't even I get mean, to dive into his uh, his minor league stuff at all, really, because I could I only had his fight well, card for the NHL. So we dove a little bit into it, but I was yeah, a little yeah. bit on time constraints. So I got, I'm having him on a second time eventually. Um, yeah, yeah, we're get gonna these dive guys into on. And, uh, oh yeah, I hope you get some of these other guys that uh, um, you know we, we we think about from those days. And uh, I mean, I mean, wouldn't the golden one be missing link? Wouldn't that be the golden? Oh, that would be a good one. I mean, I'm, I'm trying. I know. Uh, I know. Pat. Hopefully, he still listen to this. I know he. Um, he he knows Link, and so apparently Link only has a flip phone. He doesn't have like an iPhone or anything like that. So oh, yeah, I, I don't um, doubt that. I mean, yeah, he's exactly. old school. I think he's, he's living in. Uh, he, I can see he's probably out in the. I think he's in Edmonton somewhere. You don't know where he is. I think I, that's okay. part of the appeal. Right? That's part of the appeal. Of, yeah, exactly. You missing. still don't know where he's, he's at. Missing. Yeah. No, he's missing, but. And uh, but continue these podcasts. It's it's giving. Listen, man, for a guy like me, this is giving me the rejuvenation to just be back in the game on some level. And even that, it's it's it's. It, I mean, it might be just a, a site and a and podcast, and all this stuff. But guys like me, we remember the game a certain way, and, and and it keeps it keeps the memories alive. And people underestimate memories because. Without the memories, man, the game is really uh, just a just a just a game without not like those stories. And we didn't even die. I mean, I got so many stories, but I mean, um, some of the things that uh, we've gone through and, and uh, as players, I mean, I mean, the honest to God truth, Alex, I, I couldn't tell you really half of the stuff. To be quite honest, it would have come off, uh, you know, kind of too gongy for the podcast a little bit too, uh, too crazy. I think, oh, but, I, don't, uh, I don't know. I think anything, anything goes on this podcast. <laughs> Whatever well, you want to say, I'll fucking well, bro. I mean, uh, the, the thing is, um, you know, I was always that guy in the team that it's very, I was very, I was a funny guy, but I was quiet. So it was like, I'd have the one line or we'd be sitting around and I just blurt out something funny and everyone started laughing. But you know, you go to the stories, you go to the towns, you go to the place you lived, the people you met, the things you've done, things that kids couldn't get away with today that I'm kind of glad that you couldn't, uh, in fact. But uh, these stories that we have, uh, then when we talk amongst each other, it's uh, it's kind of set in stone and they're fun and funny. And uh, I could tell you when I was a rookie playing junior B in Burlington with Kerensey, we got our head shaved, our eyebrows shaved, every part of our body hair shaved. And uh, we did a lot of crazy. We, you know, we had to run through the the Maple View Mall in Burlington where we lived. We had to run from one end of the mall to the other, completely naked, with her head shaved, eyebrows shaved. Um, you know, and there's old ladies walking around, million people in the mall, and it's a big mall. We had to run from one end of the mall all the way to the other end of the mall, butt naked. Uh, you know, paint on us, eggs in her hair, like a bunch of crazy stuff. We had to sing "Old Canada" in the parking lot, butt naked, in front of a bunch of people going grocery shop or going uh, <laughs> shopping in the mall. And you hear you got Karen, he's six foot six, you know, trying to cover himself. He's tall and gangly, singing "Old Canada," butt naked. And uh, but you know, you know what's crazy about that at the time, like this is crazy. But you look back, those were fun times, man. And I know it sounds, uh, you know, with the new culture and the PC culture, all that. It, this couldn't fly today, but I got to tell you, most of these things that happen and the craziness, that's the stuff you look back and go, man, was that fun? And uh, uh, I don't know other, other way to say it. Um, it was a lot of fun. I miss a lot of the guys. 
because uh, you miss the camaraderie in the dressing room. Uh, this, you know, even those bus trips are a pain in the ass. You miss those. And, uh, you know, I was a guy who was homesick my first year away home from junior. And, uh, you know, I had a real tough time being away from home. I was a real, uh, you know, home guy and I never left home and it was tough. And, uh, by my third year junior, I didn't want to come back. It was one of those things that takes you a bit of time to get used to. And, uh, like you said, you know, with you, with the military and stuff, there's a certain feeling you get when you get, you get riled up with the guys, you get together and you, you, you get the uniform on. It's a whole different feeling. And uh, you don't get it again in life. You, you might get, get close in other areas, but ask any hockey player, they never get the feeling you got when you sat in that room with all the other guys. Yeah, and 100%. That's the way it is, man. It's, uh, you know, I was always, I was always kind of known as that guy in the room, quiet, a little bit of the crazy stare, the crazy eyes. I was pretty intense, uh, a little bit wound up inside internally, a little bit nervous. And, uh, uh, you know, some coaches like Paul Maurice, who coaches Winnipeg now, used to say, he'd, he'd say a speech in the room. He said, everybody look at Barton's eyes. He's ready. And, you know, guys just start slamming their sticks and yeah, Bart's like, so there's little things you remember. Like, I mean, like guys, like, uh, geez, I, I can see faces like, uh, Ruman Nadir is one of my best friends in hockey. And I remember seeing him, uh, at the Guelph reunion. And, uh, you know, it's funny when you see these guys, it's, I think it was like 15, 20 years since I'd seen him. And it was like, we never left. It, it was like, you see that guy again, the stories are back. Everything floods back. And, uh, it's a great group of guys. I'm glad a lot of these guys have, are doing really well in life. And some of us have struggled a bit more, but, um, um, you know, look at Jeff O'Neill's on TSN and, uh, uh, a lot of my friends are doing well. And, uh, the guys you don't hear about much, some of them aren't doing well. And I wish some guys would know that. And, uh, I wish there was a place for them to, uh, um, you know, get out there and talk to people. That's kind of what helps me a bit on here. Some therapy a bit. And, uh, you know, the anxiety leaves and you talk to the game and, um, I know, like, you, you know, you hung out with, with uh, Chris Nile and all the stuff he's been through. Um, it's amazing how uh, resilient uh, the human body can be. And, uh, uh, you know, anyways, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but uh, uh, it was a pretty good little interview here. Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah, well, pretty good little I, podcast. I told and, uh, you, man, if, you, if if we're going, I'll fucking go. I'll, I'll go for hours. Well, man. I mean, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, geez, buddy, I could, I mean, I could go all freaking night. I'm one of those guys. I'm, I'm a hockey nut. Oh, yeah, same you know here. What I mean? But uh, uh, the thing is, the thing is, I got so many guys that I, I, you know, the problem with me is I don't want to come off like all of a sudden I start tooting my own horn with things, you know, because uh, I'm a pretty humble guy. I don't want to be that guy. Uh, but uh, I just I, I I wish I could pump up a bunch of guys. I just there's so many names in my head, and uh, the leagues and the, the bus trips and a, and uh, like I said back in the day, Alec, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have all the stats to look at, we didn't have uh, it was all the word of mouth. It was all from one league to another. Who's this guy? Who's that guy? Like Gary Cooper. I mean, that guy's name traveled through every league on earth. We used to call him cross-eyed Koopal. And, oh, yeah. uh, and I love the fact that um, 
I've heard uh, Screwy St. Louis there on a bunch of podcasts, and I got to tell you, let me plug him for a sec. He was one of those guys that uh, uh, he was all hard, eh? He was uh, he was all hard. He played for Belleville when I was in golf. He was only a kid. He's a few years younger than I. He didn't play much, but when he was on the ice, you knew he was on the ice. And uh, there's a guy who loved the game. And uh, uh, if more guys loved the game, like a guy like that, it'd be it'd be a better game. You'd see the passion on the ice. That's another thing. All these, a lot of these kids in the league now, Alec. A lot of these kids were like rich kids growing up. They had money because the league isn't like it was. A lot of these second gener, like these these generational kids, maybe their dads were NHLers. They grew up a lot of money. They had access to a lot of things. I didn't have any money growing up. My family didn't have any money. I mean, we just played because we loved the game. We found a way to make it work. My parents did all they could to to afford to get me in the game with equipment and. Uh, with my cousins, I used to hand my cousins, Anthony and Chris, um, I used to, they were all equipment for me. I used to hand them equipment. So all the equipment they used growing up were equipment for me. They never even had to pay for a bunch of stuff, although they, if you, if you want to, you know, talk about growing up in tough times, I mean, those kids grew up in the in the real tough areas. And, uh, you know, you don't see a lot of minorities in, in hockey and, you know, they've, probably endured a few things that I would never have had to do. So, uh, you know, I give them all the credit in the world to, uh, that they, they made it. And, um, in a league that's, uh, you know, not a lot of diversity, let's just say. Right. And the um, sport in general, honestly. Well, the sport in general, I, I think, uh, I think it's gotten better, but there is, yes. there, I, you know, you never really want to dive too deep into that, but it's like, uh, you know, it's still a rich kid's game, really, in a lot of ways. Um, and, uh, like, our family made it work because it was just, I wanted to play. Since I was three, four years old now, like I used to, you know, you don't know this, but I, before I started ice skating, I, was, I used to roller skate. And how I learned to be a hockey player, ice skate, I used to roller skate in my driveway, my basement, Um I was a roller skater and that's how I learned ice skating. And uh, I used to pretend I was Guy Lafleur and skating around the basement with my Montreal Canadiens jersey on. And uh, ever since going, I went to a Habs game when I was, I don't know, four or five with my mom and dad. And I was hooked from then on. And uh, cause I grew up in LaSalle and LaSalle was, uh, you know, of course you're in Habs land in Montreal. And uh, I was obsessed with the Canadians and I moved to Ontario, obviously when I was, uh, a little older, lived in Peterborough for two years. And Peterborough at that time was a hockey hotbed. Steve Eiserman played in, in for the Peterborough Peets. Bruce Shoebottom. Now, he was a Peterborough Peets legend. Uh, when I was 10 years old, he was probably 19, 20 years old playing for the Peets. This guy was so tough. He had a head like a like Frankenstein. And uh, he'd get into a fight and all the crowd would throw shoes on the ice. So all of a sudden, they start chanting, shoe, shoe, shoe. All he saw was shoes, everyone's shoes flying on the ice. Like, they had to clean the whole ice every time he fought because people would throw their shoes on the ice. And he was he fought Probert and Junior. They had a couple good battles. And I just remember they were larger in life. Like, that's why I'm such a big OHL fan. You'll notice a lot of my posts are OHL-based. And uh, Steel Hawks were a big uh, team for me growing up because I moved to the Burlington Hamilton area when I was older and uh, a friend of mine Bill LaForge, his dad uh, big Bill LaForge was such a tough coach tough guy 
and he's a legendary junior coach, and uh, he coached the Steelhawks. And Shane Corson went through there. Brad May, Dennis Vial, they all went through the Steelhawk organization. And, uh, oh, and Paul Laus. Man, Paul Laus was tough. Um, and uh, I was just an OHL fan, loved it. And, uh, you know, people like me, Alec, uh, are a different breed in the sense that, like, we're obsessed with hockey. Yeah. It's, 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 it's the game. It's, it's the, not, not now, mind you, you couldn't get me to watch a period. No, I mean, right. I'm clicking channels. <laughs> yeah, same here. Uh, I mean, I can't, yeah, I'm not sitting there going, oh my God, I can't wait. What time does the Leaf game start? If it's on, I flick through and see a few hits. I might, you know, watch for a few minutes. Uh, but, uh, you know, to watch the OHL as a young kid, to go and smell the popcorn in the stand, smell the, the people riled, getting riled up and the drinks and people drinking beers, and it was a place to be. I used to love watching the, the fans heckle the players in junior. When I was 10 years old, I'd be in the stands at the Peter Peets games. Fans were throwing shit at the players, and the players were waving their sticks to the glass. Like, this, was, this was exciting, man. Like, I wanted to be in that league, and I did everything. In fact, my major goal as a kid was to play in the OHL, not really the NHL. I wanted to be in the OHL. And if I was doing good in the OHL, of course, the next step would be NHL. But in Ontario, the OHL is the place to be. You know, that's like WHL anywhere for those kids. That's their league. They want to be, if you grow up in Prince Albert, you want to play for the Prince Albert Raiders. If you grow up in, uh, you know, uh, Brandon, Manitoba, you want to play for the Brandon Wheat Kings, Kamloops Blazers, Hamilton Steelhawks, Niagara Falls Thunder. Um, you want to feel what it's like to play at that level with that intensity. Like I was telling a guy in line the other day, when we were driving up to Sault Ste. Marie in junior, when I was finally in the league, you know what I miss most about it, Alec? It's not, it, it, it's, it's having those nerves. I miss that. I don't have those anymore. Like, it was scary going there, but I missed the excitement of yeah, being it's like, scared. It's like an that adrenaline rush that you, you can't get anywhere yeah. else. Like, I might go and get killed today, but somehow it was fun. It, it, <laughs> it was, it, 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 it's kind of a weird thing to say, eh? um, but you miss the adrenaline. Like, I'm glad. Like, I used to like going there. Not then. Mind you, when I'm on that bus ride, Alec, I'm scared shitless. You know, you're 17 years old and you're about to see Chris Simon. There's no other way to feel. Uh, it's like going to meet the boogeyman. What's it going to be like? You know, is he going? Is the boogeyman going to get me tonight or not? You right. don't know. And you, you really didn't know with him, to be quite honest. <laughs> and um, that's part of the allure of a lot of this, Alec. I mean, uh, uh, back then the fans used to have pregame rest. That's how much they loved going to the OHL games. Fans were ready to go. Windsor was a crazy place to play. I fought, I fought Steve Webb, Ed Jovanoski, and Adam Young in one year. No, those were three of the toughest guys on that team that year. But I got to tell you, uh, Alec, I fought a lot of tough, pretty tough guys. Ed Jovanoski was the toughest. I and was I know gonna, I was going to ask you about him because someone wanted to know, of course, uh, one of the fans or in the group, oh I should my say. God. Um, like, you know, okay, I fought Mel and all, but I didn't know Anglestad at the time. Like, we didn't know who each other were. It was kind of one of those deals where you both throw and you fall down. Nobody knows her. But you, I knew that Ed Jovanovsky was a young up but I didn't know he was that tough. 
I knew he was a big kid who threw him. Yeah, I remember Jovanovski is two years younger than I. So when he fought me, he was 17, I was 19. So we're in Windsor. He's, he's been challenging me for a few games. And I'm like, back off, kid. You know, like, 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 you know, I know he's a good player, but I'm not thinking he's some heavyweight. But I'm hearing from other guys like, hey, he beat so-and-so on Niagara Falls or he beat so-and-so in Owen Sound the other night. So I'm thinking maybe he's pretty tough and maybe I will go him. But he's slashing me and, and we're on the power play. He's slashing me, slashing me. Finally, I turned around and said, let's, you know, let's, let's fucking go. And uh, he said, let's go. And as soon as he dropped the gloves, I knew he was tough. Just the way he was squaring off. And I thought, okay, we're going to have to really throw down. I never seen a guy 17 years old throw from his knees like that. He was throwing punches at me out to kill me. And I was throwing left, and I could go left to right. I was going left against his right. And I, I kind of like, I don't know, if I can get, I, if I can find that fight, I, I, I kind of feel like I edged him out, but it was a good fight. And I mean, I'm two years older. In my mind, I'm thinking, I've got to win this fight. And, uh, you know, in front of, especially in Windsor, in front of his fans. And uh, he hit me in the helmet with a punch, Alec, and cracked my helmet all down the side. Oh, fuck. And, it, and I skated to the penalty box. And the crowd's going crazy. It's like a dream. It's like I was in a dream because my head was ringing. And I remember thinking, I'm skating to the box right now. And as I'm skating there, it's like I'm, the, I'm having an outer body experience. Like I'm watching myself skate to the box and thinking, man, I, I'm almost out cold right now. And uh, I, I, I have to have a feeling that's one of the times I probably got a pretty good concussion. But at those days, Alec, we didn't really... Early '90s, nobody really give a shit about that. You just, right. just smelling salts and away you go. And uh, I'm in the box. And I remember thinking, "Wow, this is a neat feeling. You got a little buzz on. You're kind of out." But I'm thinking, "Man, that kid is tough." So I lined up against. I forget who it was on Windsor next shift. He goes, he goes, "Hey, Bart's." He goes, "Jovo's tough, eh?" I said, "Yeah, he's a tough kid, man." And I remember that night. I remember thinking, "I'm not sure I want to go with him again." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I want to be lining up with him. So he, he wanted to fight me because I had, I had, I had actually beat up Steve Webb pretty good. And Weber was a, Webby was a pretty tough kid at the time, New OHL, more of a big hitter than really a big fighter, really. But he was a tough guy. He played for the Islanders for a bit. He played with Kenzie. They're good friends, actually. And uh, I had fought him a few times, did really well. And, and like I said, I was, I grew up kind of a good fighter. Like I, there was a lot of boxing in our family's background. I did a lot of hand work with my dad and, and uh, my brother's two years younger than me. He was kind of an up, at one point, like an up and coming, like a, a MMA a fighter at one point. So um, I, I had been around fighting my entire life, but I, I would never classify myself. And just to kind of, you know, to kind of set the record straight. I never, uh, you know, some guys go that, you know, you weren't this, you weren't that. I, I never claimed to be, I was this or that. I was just a guy who was a good fighter, uh, was a good team guy. Um, and I wasn't really afraid of anybody, but I will say I was afraid of Chris Simon. I'm not really embarrassed to say that. Uh, he had me very nervous when I was a young guy. And, uh, cause I watched him beat up Kerensky, uh, one shift, uh, in junior. And then I had to fight another guy. You know, that picture I posted with me and the Joe Lewis and I'm, I'm a young kid wearing the, the, um, ambassador Jersey and I'm fighting the guy from the, the refs are in the way and the crowd's jumping in the stands and all that. And that kid's so smiling a from, from ear to ear. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. fighting another rookie, a tough rookie, Kylie Hill, who ended up being a pretty tough kid himself um, on that team. But that fight, 
was directly after Simon beating Karen the shift prior. And uh, what I felt nervous about was after I had that fight with Kylie, um, I don't know why it got, because I was always a pretty humble guy after fights, but I started doing a bit of a showboat dance. And I remember thinking, holy, f- I, I, I remember being really weirded out because I did a little bit of a dance, went to the box, and then Simon kind of stood up and started chirping to me a bit on the other side of the box. And I remember thinking, and then Karen, Ter- looked over at me and says, you're fucked now, he says. And I, <laughs> and I said, oh, shit, maybe I said to Karen, I said, maybe I shouldn't have been dancing after that one. And shit, Simon's taking notes. And, uh, but uh, in fact, I think Simon might have got suspended after that, and I didn't really see him again after that. But, you know, these names uh, are something. Uh, Simon had the potential to be, the, I, I'm going to tell you, the number one guy. If he would have not, if he would have been injury free, Alec, he had a bad, bad shoulder problems. Um, if he would have been injury free and kind of got his head a little bit together, I think he could have been the toughest guy in the NHL. Um, uh, he was a big lefty. He had the long hair. He was scary. Uh, it was like the boogeyman. He was like a, he was the boogeyman. And uh, uh, I know, I know he lost a few fights and all that, but he him, would, Sandy he McCarthy. Would like, he would like come in spurts. It would be like sometimes Chris Time would be like almost the top of the league. And then he'd kind of go away for a little bit. And then he'd rise back up to the top of the league. It would, exactly. it would come no, in exactly. waves. Yeah, he, uh, he, he um, yeah, because you got to remember when he had his little stint in Washington, I think he went through a time where they were getting mad he wasn't fighting enough because he started to become a, I think he started to become a bit of a player and they were starting to get, you know, we don't want you to be too good. We want you to get back to the fighting. And uh, I think he was another one of those guys, Alec, that, that kind of got, I don't, I'd never say Simon was confused because he was a good fighter, but he started to like, I think play his way out of that role in his head. And he, I don't think he wanted to do it for a while there. Uh, not because he couldn't do it. Uh, I think he had better, he had more aspirations for his ability. And uh, he was a very good player. I think he scored 30 or 40 goals in junior one year. And he was a good player. I mean, I scored 31 uh, one year. I scored 31 goals uh, my third year. I think I was like fourth in the league in power play goals. I had 70 whatever points. So, I mean... That's why I was always confused with my own game, uh, Alec. I didn't know, uh, could I squeak in to the upper echelon if I just concentrate on the offense and just didn't even bother with the fighting? But I kind of like to get involved with, with the physical stuff, so it was never going to be not my game because I was a big hitter. So when you hit a lot, you're going to find yourself some issues. Right, you're going to have to answer the bell too. Yeah, like you can't just clock guys around the net if their head's buried and not somebody's going to jump in. You're going to have to just drop them. And a lot of my fights were usually, uh, uh, a lot of my fights were usually just accepting an offer or I, I never went out there and just tapped on somebody's shin pads and says, let's go. I did it once or twice in pro because I was kind of auditioning for a team. And usually when you get there, your first game, you got to show the coach something. Um, but in junior, you kind of, I kind of established myself as a respected player. I never really cheap shot at anybody. Um, I hit very hard, so it can come across as a cheap shot at times. But, I, you know, I, I fought Wayne Primo in junior. He was kind of a tall, rangy, rangy guy. He was kind of an offensive guy, but uh, he kind of had a decent reach because of his reach. He's a decent fighter. Jason Disher, I fought. I fought a guy named David Ben, who was a teammate of mine in Detroit. He ended up playing in the... Uh, 
and knowing Sound Windsor, big thick guy, he fought a lot. It did really well against him. So you know what I'm what I'm saying here is that I actually did really well in fights. So it was hard for me to get away from it. If you know what I mean? It's like if you did really well, it kind of went through the league, and then a tougher guy than the guy you fought would hear of it, and then maybe you'd have to answer his bell. And so it, it, you know, for the most part, guys just let me play it a little bit because it's it, if if you're Matt Johnson, you don't want to be losing to me. He doesn't want to have that problem because if something happens and I end up luckily beating Matt Johnson, how's that look for him? He's a heavy. He's the super heavy. He's fighting Karens and Belanger. I mean, you know, I don't want to fight him anyway. That's not my. That's not my. That's not my division. You know what I mean? When you're five, I'm five eleven. My division's five eleven two ten. That's my division. Right. You no, know, and I was. Uh, no matter how big and built I was, I was five eleven. You know, it's 5'11", it's 5'11". It's like Cam Jansen size. And you do well. You can do well against those guys, but I don't think you really want to make that, you know, if you're not a heavy, heavy, that's a long, hard career. And that's why I love Bonvi so much, because he was my height, big-built guy, and he did it night in, night out, his entire career, never complained, never said, I'm not in the mood. I saw him fight injured hand issues, a taped up arm. I mean, those are the guys that are the, the real warriors. And that's why I love the, even like the, the Brian McGrattans. Um, he was like the last, and, and I told you that thing about a uh, guy, somebody that, that was Eric Cairns' last fight was Brian McGratton in the NHL when he was in Pittsburgh. Yep. And Cairns, he had lost the love a bit by then. He was 32, I think, Karen. He was getting in his 30s now. And Brian McGratton was kind of like Karen's was six, seven years prior. And after that fight, you know, I used to hang out with Karen quite a bit then. He, he lives in New York now. He works for the Islanders. But um, uh, he used to come home and we talked. And he'd say, after that fight, Bart's, I knew I was done. Like, I was done. He was tough. I wasn't in a mood to battle him. And he had the hunger in his eyes that I had before. And it's like anything. Like, once that hunger dies and you're, like, thinking about not doing it, you got to get out. They say that about MMA fighters, boxers. If you're not all in, it's a scary place to be. Yeah, you're going to get hurt. Yeah, you have to be all in or else it'll get serious real quick. It's going to get serious quick, man, because these guys that are younger, they're trying to kill you. And not now, really, but, yeah, then they try. And he told me says Bart's McGratton hit him with a punch and you can't really see like the fight looks kind of even to us but he said he got hit and he said his fucking head was ringing in that fight and he suffered a concussion after that fight and he retired due to the concussion but the reality was you know he wanted to move on it was time to move on he had a good run and and Karen G was the guy who beat all the odds to make it and uh, if there was ever a guy that I give props to it's him People don't realize how hard he worked to make it. And uh, again, like you said, he had a bit of a rough Ranger career. He could have packed in and after that. In fact, he almost did. He he, he was going to go play in Europe, he said to me one year. He said, I might go to Europe, just have some fun. This isn't working out. I said, Karen, you just stick to it, man. Just stick to it. Get get Keep the training going. Get you know Keep building on the body. You know, he was filling out. And the, and the guy, the, like when you're six foot six, you just can't pack it in. You got to really go for it. 
and um, and he 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 always uh, uh, he always fought all the guys that beat him in junior, and he ended up beating them in pro. So he got them all back. Uh, Matt Johnson, he he put down in pro, and he and he, he was always a bit weary of Johnson. And um, you know he faced the beast. And uh, in fact, when he fought Johnson Jr. after he got hurt by Johnson, he sat out he sat out a game or two after that. And uh, he wore sunglasses in the crowd because he didn't want someone to see his, his eyes were a bit raccoon like. But because uh, uh, he had it took a bit, it takes a big blow of your ego, Alec, when you lose. Oh yeah, uh, confidence. Confidence is huge in fighting. Oh, it's huge, and uh, uh, like a guy like Chris Nyland, uh, Alec, to be the size he was fighting some of the size of the guys he was fighting, uh, that takes a special kind of person, um, and a real warrior. Because it's once you're in the battle, you're in the battle. There is no turning back. And uh, even when I was in the fight, like. Again, I'm not the super heavy on the team, but I'm the guy, once I'm in the fight, I'm going to do everything I can to beat you. And if I beat you up, that's a good. You don't want to lose. I know some guys say, well, and I, I agree with it. you got to show up. But if you're going to show up to fight, you got to try to win. There's no sense fighting if you just want to hang on for your dear life. and Because uh, you'll get respect from the guys if you actually throw. And... Um, you know, McSorley said in one of his interviews, he never really, some guys were kidding themselves if they didn't punch and they just wanted to seatbelt you because uh, it, it's a fight is a fight. If you're going to fight, fight. And that's why Brashear for a lot of his early years took a lot of heat because he was a bit of a huggy bear. His nickname was Huggy Bear in Montreal oh, yeah. before he went to Vancouver. And But he was so physically strong that once he figured it out, he can get you in that ragdoll position where he grabbed you behind the collar. And, um, you know, he doesn't have a lot of respect. And quite honestly, uh, I know Karen, he personally didn't like him. Uh, he didn't respect Brashear. But I, I, but I, having not having fought him and, and having watched him fight, it's hard not to really respect the guy that did that role for as long as he did it. Um, and, and quite frankly, he kicked mostly everyone's ass. So uh, it's tough. It's easy to kind of armchair quarterback and chirp him from the computer. Uh, but uh, he's not really a guy you want to really face off against. He's a real strong guy. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, you know, Twister was probably Twister was probably the strongest guy and uh, maybe the most feared, uh, I'd say, for a couple years anyway. Um, especially after he beat up Rob Ray that time, I thought he was really on top of his game right around there. And uh, Rob Ray's another guy who I think I think a lot of guys don't like. So I'm not sure what his position with the, with the, a lot of the other enforcers were. But I think he gets a lot of flack, especially with the jersey stuff early on. Me and, me and Kaminsky even talked about that too. Oh, okay, yeah. So I, I I would assume maybe Killer wasn't a huge fan of Ray's. I'm not sure. Actually, he didn't mind it because uh, well, they fought in that. Oh, you didn't? Oh, yeah. We talked. We just we talk about his fight. Um, okay. And well, Kaminsky doesn't care because he's like, well, Ray had. Well, his no, he tricks. doesn't care either way. Oh, yeah. yeah, he doesn't care well, that either led, way. Of course, Kaminsky had the fucking the chiseled helmet to fuck up your. Yeah, yeah, on. yeah. He, <laughs> he uh, yeah, Killer is interesting. He reminded me, like I said, of Andy Bezel, who was a minor league legend around the same age, and they were both uh, undersized guys. Who see, I, I'm going to tell you, those guys like Killer and Bezel and a few of those guys, that's a separate category. Those are guys 
that literally weren't afraid of anybody or anything. Right. And uh, whether they won or lost isn't really uh, indicative of what they did or what they brought. And, uh, you know, being outsized a lot of times, you, you know, you take a few L's, but you, you also get your share of W's that people don't expect you to get. And uh, uh, he's, a, he's a different breed. I would put him in a separate category than the regular tough guy. He's not sure about his role. He didn't seem to have a whole lot of issues with what he needed to do. And because uh, he knows he needs to stay in the league and he's going to do what he needs to do. And he, he's, I don't think he's losing too much sleep over it. And um, like, you got to be willing, man. All uh, Everything about hockey is what are you willing to do? And uh, when you're in the room uh, before the game out, that's when you decide what you're willing to do that game. Uh, if, if so-and-so comes up to you, are you willing to fight him? Or are you going to say, no, maybe next shift or maybe not tonight or, or are you going to be like Dennis Bonvi and every time you ask him, he's going to say yes. And uh, much like you like the, the Quebec League, uh, Morasti, oh, guys yeah. like him, there's not a whole lot of no's coming from him, right? So if you're playing a guy like that and you're known as a fighter on their team, you have to fight him. There's no way around it. And he does. And if you try to seatbelt Morasti, he's going to lose a lot of respect for you because he just wants to open up and trade. Yep. And he'll just laugh at you. If you don't trade with him, I see him in a few fights. He puts his hands up and says, what are you doing? Oh, yeah. He'll, like fucking, he'll, on he'll motion at you. He'll laugh at you right in your face. And just fucking embarrass you if you want to sit there and play the, the yeah, seatbelt game. he's old school. He's old school. He's, he's looking to pretty much he's trying to prove who's tougher by, like, who's going to be able to punch and take a punch more and who's going to be standing at the end. Now, listen. When you fight like that, obviously you take the odd L. And he had that battle with the, the, the boss there in Quebec a few times. And, and they traded off. I mean, they both won the share of fights with each other. Whatever. But that style there, that's only – that style is for that league, um, Alex, because uh, he I know he played in – where is he? Did he play in Syracuse? Where did he play yeah, in he played the He played in Syracuse in the AHL. There, and I think he got an exhibition game even maybe with the Columbus Blue Jackets, I forget. He had, a, he but, had uh, I want to say, three or four of them. Yeah, yeah, he fought... Uh, he fought uh, Grant? Grant. Or no, Grant. Grant, Grant yep. Grant, and that's another guy who just opens up some trades. And uh, But see, he's young. He's a lot younger than I, and he was kind of that... Uh, after his age group, that's when things started to change. So, um, now I'll tell you who, who frightens me in, in a way where... Even when you're watching, it's a bit scary. Is it is uh, Terrio? Oh, Joel the animal. Yep. Because you see him racking the glass and smashing his head. Like that's a whole different. I mean, I mean that gets in your head when you watch that shit. Oh yeah, fucking like, man! Was, I don't want to deal with was, that shit. Yeah. Every person I talk to in the Quebec that was like from the Quebec League, they'll be like, "Yeah, fucking Terrio was like that guy you just had to you had to look out for." It. He was probably the 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 Quebec League's version of your uh, your uh, Chris Simon. You just didn't fucking know. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, uh, uh, with Terrio, he actually played. I mean, he played in the AHL, I think. For yeah, he a bit. did. He, he, he played in the A and he, he was played a in good the coast. player. Yes, he was. Apparently, he was his... a good skater and player. Yep, from what I heard. And he his played with the Bulldogs in Hamilton. Yep. Yeah, he played with Bulldogs for a bit in Hamilton. I actually watched him a game or two, and he, uh, I, I think I think he got caught up in the game of, am I going to get to the very. I'm in the A. Am I going to get to the show? And if I'm not, do I just go home and make some money? 
Um, and I think he got caught up in there, but he was like six foot four, could skate. I'm actually surprised in his era he didn't get a little more of a look. Because um, he's only a few years younger than I. I mean, uh, he's still part of, part of my era. I, I would have thought, you know, like um, he would have got more of a look. And uh, I mean, you look at a guy like um, Jason Clark. I played junior against Jason Clark. And uh, I gave him a hard time. I remember long ago I posted about him and I took it back because I, I shouldn't have been so harsh about it because I, I always thought he's a little bit of a pretender. But he's but he did get a lot of penalty minutes, and uh, he, but he wasn't an amazing fighter in that sense. He just liked to, to get the penalty minutes. So I thought, if you're just fighting to get the pims, then that's kind of not where I was at mentally. I go, you got to fight to really be a good fighter. But he ended up proving me wrong. He actually uh, went on, and, and from what I hear, guy said he ended up being a pretty tough guy. And he, I know he went to the Quebec League and and fought a bunch. I know you just interviewed. Uh, Who's the guy you just interviewed from the Quebec League that played years ago? Which one? Um, uh, Jace Renard, Curtis Swanson, Brad no, Lambert. No, I played. I played. Renard was in Johnstown when I was in. Uh, no, Lambert. Lambert. Yep. Lambert. Yeah. Um, now here's a guy who wasn't. He wasn't on the radar for anywhere. I don't think. I think he was just a junior B guy. He went up and and played, but he was a tough guy. I mean, he was a guy who, who looked like he was. He had the hand cocked back. He was trying to hurt you. Oh yeah, so, for sure. So, those guys are scary. He's got the handcock back. He's trying to put his hand through your face. And uh, so, uh, I respect. I know a lot of guys give that league a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I know even uh, Screwy there. I know he wasn't a massive fan of that uh, because a lot of the guys that stayed here, we didn't really understand what was going on there. And because uh, you remember, a lot of us that stayed on this side years prior were still kind of had our heads in the clouds about making it to the show. And so when you went there, like we couldn't figure out what was going on. What's this league? And guys are dancing around. There's songs being played at the square off and shit. <laughs> uh, that was like, and I ended up liking it because I started to watch more and more of it. But at first, even I was like, well, I don't know what the hell is this all about, you know? Like, and uh, and I think the rap was a lot of these guys would get destroyed in real. But but the reality is a lot of those guys were actually at one point in the American League or in the East Coast League. It wasn't just. Of course, you get the odd guy who's maybe some bouncer at a, a club somewhere, and right. they put on skates. Some guys look like they can't even stand up. But but, but when it came to it, was funny because when they like it was like Swanee said, you know, he knew what he was there for. But when it came to fighting, that's fuck. That was his specialty, and he was good at. It. And he could hey, a fighting. lot of those yeah, a lot of those fighting, guys. Yeah. Oh yeah, a lot of those guys. They could have fucking they could hang with some of the AHL and uh, yeah, other yeah. other minor well, pro leagues. Fucking tough guys. Now could they keep up in the game? Yeah, maybe not because you know you get. Uh, like, like a guy like Jean no, no, Dubé, they, straight from the <laughs> bouncing, what? put him on skates and yeah. throw him out there. <laughs> well, another guy I wanted to touch on quickly, Ock, was uh, I know you was it you interviewed uh, Jacques Mayotte, yes, the mailman. Yep. Uh, now that guy was that guy was another guy who was a bit scary because he was a legit he was a legit heavyweight that played in the show. Now, this wasn't some... Now, he did work his way up. I think he originally was some senior A guy, but he kind of worked his way up the ladder. And he got to the show and fought Lynn Byers, fought a bunch of guys. And then by the time I played him, he was, he was in Central Texas when I was in Odessa. And people just left him alone. Like, I mean, we played them once, and he just skated up and down the ice. And, and I think even I said in the bench, I said, just let him go up and down. Like... When a guy's that tough, you just unless you really want to prove you're tougher, 
you just let him skate up and down the ice. You know what I mean? Like there's right. just nothing to gain by getting your ass kicked by him. Uh, unless you're proving to be the toughest guy. Like uh, Jim Sprott was real tough. He played in, um, man, he was tough. He played in Shreveport. Uh, and um, they had a few tough guys in Shreveport for the Mudbugs. And um, Jacques Mayotte was tough. They had a few good battles. Uh, uh, but Mayotte and Sprott would go a bit. But Mayotte would just, he just looked tough, but he skated around. He wasn't like, you know, he could, wasn't a great, like, like I never dogged guy, but he wasn't a great skater. He's just a guy who, who was so tough that he made the show. Now to be able to make the show on that pure toughness, that's a whole nother league. That's a whole nother league. Oh, yeah, of that's another level. That's another level because he actually worked his way up, uh, Alec from just looks like basically like a senior a level. Like we didn't even touch on the Roberts. Roberts were another guys that the Roberts brothers. I played against. I played against Serge in Mohawk Valley when I was in Winston Salem. Now he was another guy. You talk on the bench and you would say, just leave him be. Like just leave him alone because unless you're the one guy on the other team who's trying to prove you're tougher than him, then you leave him be. You know what I'm saying? Like. There's nothing to gain unless you're really proving to, to want to be the toughest guy in the league because Serge Robert and Jacques Mayotte, maybe Sprott and a few other, they were the toughest guys in the league. And unless your whole mindset is, I want to be tougher, then then throw your face in the fire and trade with them. Uh, but again, each league had those guys, and that was the time. I'll tell you, Alex, from 1996, I think to like 2000, that was the toughest. There were some real tough guys in the minors from 95 to 2000, let's say. Oh, fuck and, yeah. Uh, they were at the end of the road a little bit. Like Mayotte was kind of near the end already. But um, some of those guys, I'll tell you, to have those kind of iron balls to do that for those that many years and to kind of, you got to enjoy it a little bit. Like, you don't just fight for that long and not enjoy it. They'd like something to do with it. And Toporowski, quiet guy, did it for all those years. Um, and that's a different breed. So I almost separate those guys. I mean, you got you got the up-and-coming guys that I play with, like the Cairnsies, the Johnsons. Those are the guys that kind of were groomed for a role. And they're big, Belanger. They filled in the NHL. I'm talking about these guys are the guys who grinded up from like senior A. Oh yeah, for and sure. That's a different level. I mean, uh, those guys are tough, and that's the part of the reason why I think the uh, the Quebec League gets the flack because you know a lot of these guys don't really have a, a real junior resume. They come out of nowhere. And uh, but I talked to Bajerni the other night online, and we were going over some of his fights, and he told me not to. Don't underestimate uh, some of the the guys because he fought a lot of the guys in America in the North America before or in our leagues before he went to the Quebec League. Yes, he did. And he said he was surprised how tough some were. Now he talked about we both already knew Terrio was real tough, and he I think he said he went back and forth with him a few times. He got a couple wins, took a couple L's, uh, but uh, I, I've always been fascinated. I mean, I've always been fascinated with the role, uh, Alex, because. Uh, it's an exciting part of the game. Uh, even as a kid, you know, even when you're a kid, you like watching that stuff. I was in the crowd 
carrying on the shoe in Peterborough. Um, you know, once I got to the Steelhawk town, I loved Dennis Vial. And uh, there was a real tough guy uh, when, when in, in, in Hamilton as well when I was a kid. His name was Kirk Tomlinson. Oh, man, he was tough. Uh, but uh, Mike Ware was tough. Holy jeez. Tall guy. He played in the... I posted a few of his fights before. Tall guy. He went over to uh, the British League there for a bit. That British League, Alec, was real tough. I could have went there in uh, 2000. One, I think, uh, and uh, that's the time around the time I went to Spain, uh, just for an easier lifestyle. I didn't want to get involved in all that, but uh, that was a real tough league from what I'm hearing. And uh, like you, you know, you interview your buddy there in England or uh, the British guy there. Oh, yeah, Searson. what's the guy's name? Yeah, yeah John he Searson. It. Oh, yeah, he does. He loves that league, he loves that league, he loves all the fights. He's uh, seems very knowledgeable on what he's talking about because he's seen them all. And and he has his favorites. Now, his favorites might not be someone else's favorites, but he's he's liking the guys he, he probably saw night in, night out on his teams. And um, uh, it's all about who you like. But at the end of the day, Alex, uh, I, I respect every one of these guys. And, uh, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't going to be that guy to do it every night. I'm proud that I, I fought the guys I did and I stood up to a lot of guys and, and quite frankly, a lot of guys were always weary of me. They weren't sure, like, Barton's pretty, you know, jacked up. Is he, what's he going to, like, you just don't want to lose to a guy my size. Like, you can't be a big heavyweight. They didn't like, like, guys like Domi, I don't love Domi. Obviously, with a few of my posts, I'm not a big Domi guy. But you got to respect the fact he fought all, everybody. And he's five foot, what, five foot eight? I mean, when you're seeing him fight Terrence, it looks hilarious because he's so small. Right. Uh, and and he does well because he swings and has good balance and he's able to kind of guy, get guys like Karen's off balance. But you have to end of the I do respect him for the fighting and who he fought. I don't, he did a few cheap shots I never really liked from him. But you see how he went on that tangent the other day because uh, I'm a big Scott Stevens fan. And uh, hey, listen, Domi, Stevens isn't going to be fighting Domi really and all that talk with the oh, Stevens is this chicken shit. Stevens didn't run from anybody. Stevens fought everybody. If you look at the first four years of Stevens' career, he fought Dave Brown, Probert. He fought all those guys. By the time Domi was running around with him, Domi was a younger guy at the time. Stevens, had, Stevens was an all-star. You know, and uh, when you get to that level, uh, you know, Stevens makes his decisions. Uh, maybe he should have fought Domi there a couple times after a few of those hits. But Stevens was a headhunter. What can you say? That's a, that was his game, man. You had your head down, cross, and, and Brian Marchman was the same. Listen, I don't love Marchman, really. You kind of went after my knee a little few times, but I respect those guys for doing what they did as long as they did and having to answer the bell, and they answered it. And that's the way it goes. I mean, I... I mean, I, I look at, I mean, when I was younger, I hit, I, I broke my hand in a fight in junior B because the cages, right? And uh, back then you had to rip each other's cage off when you started fighting. But some guys would drop their gloves and just start punching the cages like idiots. And that, a couple of times I hurt my hand and whatnot. And I went to therapy for physio on my hand, ultrasound for a few months. And I'm telling you, to this day, my hand is jacked up inside like soft tissue in my hand from from not being smart enough to 
you know, get that helmet off. And uh, that's why when we went to junior, it was the half shield. And back then, they didn't have that rule they put in where you can't take your helmets off. You know, back then, the helmets came off center ice, man. The OHL, WHL, watch a lot of those old fights in the 90s in those leagues. They spin the helmet on the ground at center ice, man. They take the straps off, and they just go. Oh, yeah, for and, sure. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Quebec League, I don't know as much about. I, I, I do know, like, Sandy McCarthy played in the Quebec League, Gino Ojic. Um, but I, to quite honestly, I don't know why they did, but they always had the rap back then as being the softest league of the three. Uh, but it ends up being, that's not really the case. I think we just didn't really get to see a lot of what happened in that league. It was always the, the dub or the O. Well, not only that, I, don't th- know. I think part of it is too, I think less of those, the, the tough guys from the queue made it to the NHL. So I think that's probably why it might not quite get the the rep that the you know the Ontario League or the Western League does. Like Terrio played and he played in the queue. Hell, there's a bit, there's yeah, a good fight with uh, with uh, Larock that he has. Larock, Warrell, yep, they're all from the queue. Um, and, but the thing is, the queue once upon a time, just before I played in the O, they wore the full shield, so they used to get razzed for that. If you watch any All Star games, like I think once I posted like a bit of a clip from like. The OHL All Stars versus the Q All Stars, like from 1990, but the, the Q guys were all wearing a full eye tech, like a full a full eye tech uh, mask, like not the cage, the, oh, the, like glass. the bubble, the bubble yep. down to their chin, and the and the and the old guys were wearing the half shield. Now that's not their fault. The Quebec League had their own rule where they had to wear a full. So a lot of those guys got teased and not teased, but you know, razzed for. You know, I'll take off the bubble, but that's not their fault. Like Sandy McCarthy, tough dude, and and Gino, but they had to wear the full bubble. So when they fought, they would rip their own helmets off and still kick your ass. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? So, (laughs) uh, you know, that's the way it was in those leagues. But um, anyways, Alex, I'll let you go here, bud. It's uh, it's getting a little late. What time we got here? 20 to to 11. And uh, But uh, now, who who you got in mind for your next – for your next show. Oh man, well I, I'm just trying to get I'm just I know getting you're back busy. into. Yeah, I've been I've been busy lately, but now that we kind of postponed everything, um, yeah, I'm kind of getting back into the groove of you know. Uh, sometimes I feel like a used car salesman with a pitch. Like I got to message oh. players, like you know, hey, you come on to the show, and you know, so, sometimes they read it and don't <laughs> reply. Other times they'll agree to come on. And, um, so I, I'm just getting back into the swing of asking some players. Like I just had you know uh, Kaminsky on. Uh, well, last night, and then of course yourself. I'm finally able to sit down with you, and then yeah, um, Brian Rasmussen, a guy who played over, he played. In the okay, Whipple, too. yeah, 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 yeah. He was a tough guy. Yep, should be, should uh, be. Uh, he was kind of like in him. my mold. Me, yep. me and him were similar. He's like a guy who could play, but he he liked to get involved. Um, was there any particular guys? Uh, I I've en- I enjoyed the Craighead one. I know that was uh, it was. Um, I think he it sounded like he was driving around or something as he was talking to you, but. I enjoyed the Craighead one because I was always fascinated with Craighead. Um, Craighead, you had Frank the Animal. I played against him. Bondi oh, yeah. would fight him every game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, it's crazy to like you know looking back now, uh, you know, because me, I'm just a fucking, I'm just a 23 year old kid. I'm a, I'm just a hockey yeah, yeah. fan. Uh, you know, seeing these guys I interviewed like Yablonski, Bialowis. Yeah, yeah, that's another one. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it must be. I find it funny that you're so young because all this stuff happened uh, 
I mean, you weren't even really born uh, during all this time. So it must be kind of a, and, but you're so caught up to watching all the, the footage that you feel like you kind of know some of these guys. And um, uh, the Frank, the animal one was interesting. I mean, he, he, that guy, that guy, that guy there is a real tough dude, man. He didn't lose many uh, at all. You could probably count on maybe no, one, no. one or two hands. I mean, barely, and we, if, you're, uh, if you're on your second hand, it's barely there of how many losses we, he had. Yeah, we went to lunch once in, uh, when I was in Cape Breton, and me and Bondi were sitting together, and he was at the other table. And, you know, he was a built guy like Bondi. Like, they were both sturdy guys. But they fought every game, and uh, they, had, they were tough St. John's that year. They had... They had Frank Diano and they had Ken Belanger on the team. Yep. So they were tough. And, and of course, Cape had basically Bondi. And, you know, I'd go a couple of guys, but Bondi was the man. And I remember I remember looking over and thinking, like, that guy looks crazy, man. And I thought, Bondi's just eating his food, not a worry in the world. I thought, holy shit, like, that's where you separate certain guys. Like, guys like that aren't afraid, man. And, um, it's good to have a healthy fear, but it, it's kind of, you feel envious of certain guys that don't get that. And, uh, it's just a job to them. And I, and him and Bondi fought all the time. And they kind of went back and forth. And, uh, I think one would win one night. The other guy would win the other night. It was always pretty close. Cause they were kind of both similarly built, like very thick, strong guys. And, uh, he was one guy I, 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 you don't want to fight him really because uh, that's why he's called the animal. Uh, uh, you know, he was strong and he was relentless. Like he'd hurt you and he'd really try to hurt you. And, uh, you know, Vanden Bush was on that team. They were tough, man. Bushy was on that team. Him, Vanden Bush, Belanger, and the animal were all on the, on the St. John Leafs that year. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Fuck. They were tough, and, dude. Uh, Bushy was smaller, but, uh, you know, he he didn't mind. He took a lot of beatings, that kid, but he was tough. And he was good. He was a lefty. And uh, uh, they were tough. And, of course, uh, we had uh, him. But my all-time favorite guy, Al, before we get moving here a bit, is, uh, and I know I post about him a lot, but I was a big John Cordick fan. And, Rambo. Uh, Rambo. And the, the biggest reason why, because I kind of know his story prior, like he was a really good hockey player, Um he was a WHL all-star, if you can believe it or not, before he was in the NHL. He was a defenseman in junior. And he fought, uh, he, he was a tough guy in junior, but he was also a Memorial Cup winner. And he came in and, uh, you know, he got easily, I think, kind of influenced with the lifestyle and the, the drugs and whatnot. But uh, he, he's he's a guy I loved from when uh, he played with the Canadians and the Leafs because I lived in Montreal. And then when I moved to the Toronto area, Burlington, uh, he was a Leaf after that, so I was really happy he became a Leaf. And, uh, man, he was a left-handed guy with pistons. And uh, he was hard to beat, man. Now, he wasn't the hardest puncher, but he was so accurate and fast with his left hand that he could just slice you up from angles. And uh, he was so strong, Alec. I mean, uh, this is the biggest difference, I'll tell you, from junior to pro. It's just how strong guys were. And in those days, like I've already told you, uh, guys were built and jacked, not like today where guys look like marathon runners. That's not how we were built back then. Right. And, uh, you know, even now, like I'm pretty big guy, like that's kind of my build, but kids today, like if you saw me 
walk down, you'd more or less think I was like a running back more than a hockey player. Like that's just how guys like we were kind of more built for power back then. And these kids today are like long gazelles, like cardio machines. And we didn't give a shit about cardio then out. It was all about power. And, um, uh, for tough guys, especially if you lifted heavy weights and you were a big, strong guy, you're probably going to do pretty well in your fights because you can maneuver guys around pretty good. And I think that's the one thing I always got guys on. They went to grab me and they go, Oh shit. And if you, they felt you're strong, you know, then they know you're in a fight. You got to get that respect somehow. And I, I used to get it through the weight room and I, I used to work out in junior with Kenny Belanger all the time. We put the old Rocky four soundtrack on. That's how old we are. <laughs> We there put the go. old Drago music on, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Kenny Bellagio. Get the little montage going and start drinking some, uh, yeah, some raw man, eggs. Yeah, go in there. <laughs> and you want to know how strong uh, Big Bertuzzi was? He didn't even lift weights, and we brought him in the weight room once in junior. And out of nowhere, we just didn't know how strong he was. He said he didn't lift weights. We put 300 pounds on the bench. He just grabbed it off the rack and literally threw it back up. It, it looked like it was a feather in his hand. And uh, this is what I'm saying to you is that uh, – it's a different breed of power back then where guys were big grizzled men. And even in junior, look at the kids today. Watch, watch some of those old junior tapes I put on and you watch them and then watch some of those junior tapes today of the kids. Look how much older and grizzled we look compared to the, to the kids. Now it's like night and day. And it, there's a reason for that. Now, maybe it's the genetic, uh, rebirth of how the kids look today it's a whole everyone's so youthful but when we played i mean guys were missing teeth we had beards uh that that stuff doesn't exist today just because the game is different probably more than anything but uh it was scary man and uh again i wish i could just click the old fingers and go back to 1992 and uh you know it was a fun time but uh Anyways, I'm interested to hear some more of your podcast, and uh, uh, you know, if you can try to get some guests on, that'd be uh, entertaining. I like all the guests. Like, I'm a big fan of even the other guy that does his podcast. What's the other guy there? Uh, oh, Fourth Line Voice. Fourth Line Voice. I where's he been hiding? I haven't seen him in a while. <sighs> Man, so just he his like website. I guess something got hacked or something yeah. like that, and literally he yeah, just lost something. all of his episodes. Um, and he's going to try oh, no. to re-upload them, but he doesn't know because, I mean, it's a lot of... No, now he's like, you know what, do I even want to, like, you know, if he's got something else going on, do I even want to take the time to do yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So he's like, fuck. So he's like, he's thinking he might just upload the player interviews again, but he doesn't know if he's going to get back into it quite yet. Um, so, yeah, it sucks because that was... Uh, well, fuck, I, I don't know. I, I love him, I, I, love, uh, I love Joe over there. Oh, yeah, Lazito. He's uh, a good one, too. All yeah, the he's still, guys. he started to take off over there, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Fucking A, yeah. And the old... A couple uh, of us. The, the, the Biscuit guy there. What's his name? Uh, oh, William. <laughs> there William you go. The biscuit Making your rounds on the... Well, you're, you're so what happens is, yeah, like, a lot of times what I do, Al, because when I go to bed at night, I kind of just, like, pick one of the... Like, say I listen to yours... I always like go to the fourth guy, fourth line there, and I see if he's uploaded anything. Then, like I, like I said, he's kind of been a wall with what's going on. I guess so. I haven't seen nothing, so I've been kind of living off Joe for a bit because uh, Joe's kind of like out of nowhere starting to kind of creep on with some guys. And uh, he's got all his Islander. He's a big Islander guy, so he's got all his. And he loves Karenzi because Karenzi played in the Islanders. But oh yeah, um, 
he's a big fan of Kennedy, so we talk a little bit uh, about him because Kennedy lives in New York now because he works for the Islanders. And um, uh, but we talk about about him. But I love his podcast. You know, I like about all you guys. You have a, like a different feel for what's going on. So you come at it from your view. And Joe's kind of an older guy. He's got his old school, you know, whatever. And and then the fourth line guy, like, because he's a guy from out west. He's got like the, the the like the accent from being out west, and uh, uh, you know everyone's got their own feel and their own. Uh, it, it's getting it, it's a popular thing to have a good po- podcast, and uh, it's fun. If it's not fun, you don't do it, right? So it's got to be fun. I know at times you said that uh, it's a pain in the ass. You got to track this guy and that guy, and uh, you know, frankly, some of these guys maybe have other shit going on and is they forget what day it is or whatever, but. Um, if you continue it, I think it's uh, it kind of gets your mind off whatever's happening in your life at times. Maybe you need a little, uh, you know, get away from what's going on. Because I know how it is when life gets busy at times. So, um, you know, I'm helping my parents move out of their house right now. We're packing up boxes. But in doing so, I'm finding a million old things I haven't seen in 20 years. So you got all these, these clips I'm posting, all these articles like these are like to me these are like goals because these are articles i haven't seen in 20 years or pictures or or whatever else but uh you gotta be a real hockey nut to appreciate that stuff and, right um, if you're not into it they may say well, what the, the fuck is what's this he's posting but you gotta really dig deeper than what you're looking at right exactly Just, uh, give the time to read into it a little bit it, it's like it's like it's like for me it's like uh finding some treasure, some old gold treasure, because, I mean, if it's an article from 1990, let's say, about, let's say, John Cordick or something, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's an article you'll never find again, and you probably the only one who has it. So it, to me, it's worth kind of hanging on to some of these things, you know? Oh, for sure. And, it's, uh, like, it's like traveling in the time machine almost. Yeah, so, like, I liked all your, I mean, I liked all the, the Renard one's funny. He's funny, that guy. Oh, yeah. Renard, Renard's a beauty. I fucking love him. <laughs> I mean, I, I only played him. I think I played him once or twice in Johnstown. I remember you just just looking at him from the bench. You just knew you just knew that guy was out there looking for shit. Eh? And, oh, uh, yeah, for sure. And, 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 and I knew a guy who played with him or somewhere, and, and I already knew the nickname and all that. I just thought, oh, fuck, that's not good when you got the nickname like that. <laughs> so I thought, you know, let him just cruise around, too. But he played in Johnstown. He actually played with Brandon Christian in Johnstown. That was a tough team in Johnstown that year. I was in uh, Wheelan. And going into that Johnstown rink wasn't fun. It was Dungy. And and he was so hyper, that fucking guy. So, you know, watching him fly around the ice 100. And he was a good player, actually. Oh, yeah. He could uh, put he, up the points, too. Oh, yeah. He, he could fly up and down the ice. And he was, like, kind of built like me. He's, got a, he's built. So to, to watch him fly up and down the ice with that kind of physique, you know, he can hurt somebody. And he, and he did. So, I mean, you got to respect those guys. And uh, I always had a healthy respect for those guys. That's why I always said, you know, unless you want to fight them and ruffle the bear, you know, wake up the bear, then, then you don't. But if you want to prove yourself, then you do it. So you're kind of caught in no man's land sometimes, but, uh, you know, guys like him, you kind of probably have to watch out for. He, he's a hyper guy. And uh, some guys had a, like a natural, like a hyperness. And they were out there like they can 
fly around the ice pretty fast and they can get you pretty fast. So, uh, you know, guys like him, you gotta, you know, watch out for, and you gotta have, you always have to respect those guys because they can end your season quickly. And, uh, and, uh, I like those guys. And as a fan, like I used to sit there from the bench sometimes, just watch some of these guys, well, that fucking guy, just look at him. It's pretty tough and he can play. So I was almost like a fan from the bench at times. Like, <laughs> right. You see so many of these guys, you, you become like, shit, like I watch this guy play, say, say you watch the guy, say you play a team seven or eight times a year, you get to realize how good some of these guys are. And you think, shit, that guy should be in the show. Because I've got to tell you, Alec, when I play summer hockey, not as much now, obviously, in the concussions and whatnot, but you would often see guys in the minors, I'm not joking, better than the guys in the show and oh, more sure. talented all the time. And it's even at that level, you'd be surprised how political it still is. Um, it's who knew who and who is rubbing whoever's, you know. It, 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 even at that level, it was always shocking that it was all about still the connections. And, uh, I mean, I know a lot of guys in the minors with nice hands that could play better skaters. Like everything was better, but they didn't get a sniff because they didn't know so-and-so or they weren't big enough. But look today, like half the Leafs look like little midgets flying around. So <laughs> it's not about size anymore, Alec. You, anyone can make it, it seems now. So, But uh, anyways, Alec, I'm going to let you go. And uh, I got to get up early tomorrow. And uh, it was uh, nice getting on here and then, uh, you know, getting to shoot the shit with you for a bit. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit more now. You know what's funny, actually, is is all these different podcasts. I've heard, I've heard uh, Screwy St. Louis there a bunch of times on all these different things. And I love listening to that guy. You know why? He's just so raw. Oh yeah, for sure. So, he's like, a beauty. He's a beauty. Like that guy is is like, and I mean raw in a good way. Like he doesn't sugarcoat nothing. No, he doesn't. It's it, it, it. It's not about how it comes out. It just he says it. He, he was in and what I like about him is he actually loves the game and he speaks as though he misses the game. I can tell he misses it. And. Uh, uh, I love those guys. I mean, I played pro. I only played pro against them once or twice. I think. I think he was in Arkansas when I was in uh, Alexandria or somewhere. And he was a tough guy. Like I know he didn't get the the uh, the write up like maybe Melnichuk did and a couple of those other guys. Uh, but he did a lot of the hard lumber. That guy. I mean, he was a lot of the. You know, if, if say because Melnichuk was a heavyweight. Uh, Chuck was a big. Uh, you know, he was he had a reputation on the truck, and I feel bad because I always feel like uh, Screwy there doesn't feel like guys uh, maybe respected him the same or whatever. But it was those guys I told him the other day that he hated to play against because they showed up every night and they played the same way against you as they did against that guy, against that guy. And he wasn't afraid of anybody, Alex. Oh, I mean, fuck he, no. I remember watching – no, I watched him uh, – you know, he didn't play a lot. I remember a couple of shifts he got on once in Arkansas, and he running around and challenging guys, and he just didn't give a shit. He was a, wasn't afraid of nobody. And I feel like him. And you know, he's had a little bit of tough time. I've talked to him a few times. He's, you know, he's down the dumps at times. And I, you know, life, life right now, life sucks. What's going on? And uh, you know, if you have other issues happening, it's like a double whammy. And uh, 
you know, life can bite us all in the ass at any time. And it's nice to be able to kind of talk hockey uh, sometimes to get us out of that uh, reality check sometimes, you know. Fantasy sometimes is nice about now. And, uh, you know, these podcasts are, uh, are uh, something I feel like you've kind of hit a good uh, good stride with. I think it's actually, uh, I think since you first started doing it, you probably feel a lot better with it and comfortable with it and the way you're doing it. And uh, you know what you like to do or what you, like maybe you did something early, maybe you made some corrections, I don't know. I think I'm just so, you more know, comfortable you, with it now at this point. <laughs> well, yeah, you've talked, listen, man, you mean you're talking to Killer Kaminsky, you're talking, I mean, you know, the the more guys you talk to, the more it's like, yeah, I'll talk to them. And uh, uh, it's all about word of mouth. Like, I, I know the internet's the internet, but people say, hey, that's a good, good show. Go on there and, and let out some steam. Or maybe some guys want to, like, you know, shoot the shit about their career. Like, like you said, you're going to interview, uh, uh, what's the guy next there, Rasmussen? Rasmussen there. Yep. And, and he, there's another guy. He's going to have his own his own story. And I believe uh, I talked to him briefly uh, not long ago. And he's uh, he's a man of faith, I think. And uh, he's got his own avenue he's taken. And uh, everyone's got their own story, but and um, but at the end of the day, what's in common is this, right? What's in common is, is is the love of the game, but the love of the guys in it. And, uh, I mean, I'll tell you, when I played junior, we had those TSN games on TV. We had 18,000 people in the Joe Louis Arena. When you're 18 years old, that's a big deal. And uh, you went back home after that, and people were like, holy shit, you're on TV. It's like, yeah, it's crazy. Like, It's like another life. You almost don't remember living it. So when I look back at that stuff, it's like, was that me out there? Holy shit, there's 18,000 people. I just had a fight. Like that one I posted the other day, fighting that Sean Gagnon, the TSN game. That was a big deal, that game. We won 8-2. Sault Ste. Marie was like the top team in the, I think they won the Memorial Cup that year. And we beat them like 7-2. We had guys like Pat Peak, Todd Harvey, uh, Paul Maurice is our coach. It's a, it's a big deal. Ted Nolan was their coach. He went on to be coach of the year in Buffalo. And, uh, you know, after that, there's a lot of good players out there. And I just think uh, it's nice to relive some of that. Now, the danger is reliving it to the point where you can't get out of it. Right. You have to, we have to live in reality here. And, uh, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're still dreaming of the – like I'll tell you, I'll, it wasn't long ago. I remember I had a dream that I was still, like, working my way up the ladder to get to the show. Like some of us have these weird nightmares still where you're still trying to – plug away at something but you wake up you're like holy shit i'm 40 years old so you know time doesn't wait for anybody and uh, we just have the memories and the stories right and, oh exactly um, and the, the the group of course to kind of keep everything alive a little bit the group keeps us alive i, I don't mind the ban- the banter i mean i you know i don't mind this shit talking a little bit but when i don't like when somebody attacks careers too much um because uh I don't know. It's it. I guess it's the keyboard warrior thing to do. But um, the only time I ever get kind of sour, like, or if I put something down, and I don't. It's it's from having experienced against a certain player. It's not me saying, "Oh, I think." It's something I actually would know. Uh, you know, it's not like, well, this guy was this. I, I'll never say a guy was a pussy, but I might say, 
I think it was a bit of a spot picker. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's fair if if you know it. But I don't like guys from the couch maybe saying, oh, this guy was... Right, I'm, I'm the same way. You know, you have to actually, unfortunately in hockey especially, you really have to have... If you're going to really dog a guy, unfortunately, you have to have seen it or been there on the ice with the guy to see what you know or even fight the guy or do know something. Because if you don't, it's only funny the first time, but then if a guy keeps going on about a certain guy, it's say, hey, buddy, take it easy. Like, chill out now. Like, you know, we got lots of tough guys on that site. You know, like, uh, there's a lot of guys don't get a lot of talk. A guy like uh, Roger Maxwell. I played with him, and I, you know, big black guy, strong guy. He was tough, man. But nobody remembers some of these guys unless you kind of, you know, you you bring them back out there. Like they need some, uh, they need some respect. Uh, you know, uh, somebody brought the name Kevin Evans the other day. The guy's like one of the penalty kings of the uh, the IHL from back. I think he had 500, 600 penalty minutes one year. Now. I'm one of those guys who always said it can't be all about the penalty minutes, but if it's the penalty minutes plus the the action to back it up, I I respect that because that means you're going out to make to send messages. But there are some guys I'll tell you um, Alec, that have racked up a lot of penalty minutes with not a lot to show for it. Right, and it's it's easy to it's easy. It's not easy to show up, but it is easy to seatbelt a guy for a few penalty minutes. Um, uh, but uh, that's why I always say, if you're going to fight, you got to throw down and at least get respect to your bench and your team so they can have something to cheer about because they don't really want to watch from the bench of you just holding on to a guy. You're doing it for the team, right? And if you're doing it for the team, you have to try to win the fight. You can't. And if you get knocked out, hey, if you get knocked out, that's the way shit goes. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I always liked undersized tough guys because, uh, uh, you know, I wasn't the tallest guy. I was, I was a strong guy, but I always felt like they didn't get to, you know, because we love seeing, listen, we love the super heavyweights. That's what originally we love. We love the Karenzies. We love the Bougards. Because visually, that's appealing to see a monster fight. Right? It It, it attracts us to watch that. Uh, but I always like the underdog, uh, the smaller guys as well. Like a guy doesn't get talked about much, really good fighter, but wasn't necessarily fighter. Was a guy named Rob DeMaio. Oh yeah, you know yeah, we had him in Tampa. Death. Man, that guy was a really good fighter, and he didn't have. I don't even think he ever had a hundred penalty. He might have had a hundred penalty minutes once, but he was a good player, and he was like smaller than Domi, and he fought Domi, I believe, once too. So. And Mike Keane, Mike Keane is another guy, another Scott Walker. You know, Scott Walker in junior was a scorer. He didn't fight in junior. And he, he ended up being a tough guy uh, up in the next level because he changed his game in order to make it. Some guys have to make decisions, Alec. And if you make the decision that I'm going to be in the show no matter what it takes, then you might make it. Some guys aren't willing. Like I, I was kind of maybe a, more of a confused guy that way. I was a really good player um, who was a really tough guy but never put it all into one category. I, I really regret not going all in on one of it, on, on, a, on a real uh, biting into it because sometimes you kind of realize that maybe you didn't put all you had into something. 
you kind of were always good enough to make it, but never really excelled because you didn't put the extra work in. There is a lot to be said about that. Uh, but uh, again, I mean, there's so many things and so many leagues and so many tough guys. Not every tough guy can make it. And uh, today, you don't have to be tough. You got to be a good skater. Basically, you got to be a fast skater today. It's all I could say about that. Fast skater, even your mitts, even your hands don't have to be great. They want to see you fly around the ice. Right. And if you can get from points like, you know, you're in Tampa Bay or wherever, they're a good skating team, a good skilled team, but they, they haven't been a tough team for years. I mean, they, they're an offensive-minded team. I mean, what was their last real tough guy over there? Maybe uh, – uh, probably BJ Crombie, if I had to take a stab Crombie, at it. yeah. See, Crombie, but let's see, Crombie is, he's a lot younger than me, so he's at the tail end of that. Yeah, he was that last that. era. Um, yeah, kind of like Wick, that Morocco. I had Witkowski. Witkowski was, but he's kind of a newer school he's, guy, but he plays with an old a, school guy. Uh, he's like, a gamer. He, yep. Yeah, he's a gamer. Uh, like, I'm going back, like, obviously, Rudy was real tough. Oh, yeah. Shagoni. Uh, oh, I loved Enrico because Enrico is actually from Montreal. So I know people that know him. He's a really, he's a nice guy. He's a, he's a political, uh, he's in politics now. Yeah, he sure is. Yeah, he's in politics now. And he's a, man, he was crazy. He was a real crazy dude. Six oh, foot yeah, five. He was, he was a big he crazy a dude. Shit. No, he would just butt end you right in the face. And what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Um, he was, he was tough. And, but there was that gap in eras from like, uh, the late nineties, as soon as you made, I mean, they almost, it almost, if you really look at it, it almost got soft. Even in the 2000s, it, it, things already started to change from the nineties to the 2000s, even though the early 2000s were still tough. It wasn't as tough as the nineties. It right. already started to switch and you can see the tough guys starting to die off. I mean, even the Tampa Bay even had Basil McCray there at the end, didn't they? They I think they had Basil McCray. Yeah, I can look that up real quick. Now that you, I'm trying yeah, to I think, think Basil was there at the end, and I think um, well, I know they had Wendell at the. Uh, yeah, they had him. They I had him for 14 games in '92, '93. Oh, yeah, in, Basil. Uh, yeah. So he's at. I mean, he was already in his mid 30s at the time. Um, you know, Wendell went there. Wendell never looked right in any other jersey. Really no, besides the Leaf. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't even think. I mean, do you remember Wendell fighting in Denver? I think he pretty much. Packed it up by then, but fighting. I would have been uh, too we, young to even remember that. Oh, you're right. I yeah, find I can't find any footage out there of him fighting no, no. in Tampa. There's only a couple of him fighting in Quebec, really, and um, uh, he had a couple of good fights with Quebec because he he fought McSorley again. And he had that big fight in Toronto with Marty, and then they fought again when when he went to Quebec. He fought Marty again, and they had kind of a similar type of uh, go at it. Uh, but he was. Wendell was a real uh, a separate breed than ever. He was a really unique. The way he played, the way he shot the puck with the wrist shot, the, the way he fought, he was his own. Wendell was in his own little category. He was something special. Not when you, not when he went to Tampa. He was kind of the old Wendell there, but the young Wendell in Toronto was something else. And uh, of course, Prober was king. And then we, you know that, I, you know that I pra- we practiced with Prober because years ago. Prober got in trouble with all that problem at the border with the coke and all that. Yep. He he had to stay in in Michigan where we were, and we 
you know, junior wings played out of the Joe Lewis, just like the Red Wings. And so Prober would practice with us. So Prober be like, if you look over and Prober's got the, 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 the black jersey on, skating on the fourth line or whatever, like, so he skated with us, real quiet guy, actually. Um, super nice guy, he's very quiet to himself. Um, you know, probably, uh, you know, at the time, he's probably got a lot of issues, doesn't want to, you know, so he kept to himself. We were all kind of afraid of him anyway, you know, there's Probert there. So he skated with us a few times and um, uh, a bunch of guys, would, if they were hurt or whatever, a lot of the Red Wings would skate with us just like to keep to keep going if they needed extra, extra work. Uh, just like guys you would know, older guys. But um, but that division, Alec, uh, back in the day, the, um, they used to call it the Chuck Norris division. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. Norris division. It was tough. Oh. Oh man, Chicago, Toronto, Minnesota, St. Louis. I mean, it was a gong show from the start of the game. Like those games in the Chicago Stadium, there was fights the entire game. I mean, that team in Chicago back in the early '90s, Manson. Uh, they had uh, a guy named Wade Van Dorp, Stu Grimson. Jeez, uh, they had, uh, and they had a plethora of guys. And um, you didn't want to go in Chicago. They were tough. Detroit, Chicago. Detroit ended up being like the biggest, pussiest team in the league once Prober left early. Uh, and then Kosher, you know, Prober and Kosher left. Detroit became like some European team after that. But they were used to be tough in the early 90s. And uh, and I was always a bit of a closet, like Buffalo Sabres fan because they were kind of close to Toronto and then like in proximity. And they had... Uh, they always had a few kind of guys go through there that were pretty, you know, Rob Ray I didn't love, but I kind of loved him in the sense that he almost fought every game. And uh, years and years ago, they had that big guy, Larry Playfair. That guy was so tough. Nobody Fuck. Play, Playfair is severely underrated, too. Oh, he doesn't get a lot of talk, I'm telling you. Ask, and, and I think there's audio or video of Don Cherry saying nobody messed with Larry Playfair. He was one of those guys you literally said, don't wake him up. Because in those days, he's considered like what Bugard is to like, he was the heavy, super heavyweight. And, but he was kind of not like, um, he was super tough, but he wasn't like a guy like running around looking for it. And um, Buffalo, I mean, each guy, like even Hartford had tough teams back in the late 90s. The old Whalers. I, I used to love the old Whale jerseys. I love the green jerseys. Oh, those are still my favorite jerseys of all time. That's yeah, I love the logo. old Whale. The old Whale, yeah. The old green and white. The old Whale jersey. Oh, dude, They had the, the big rivalry with Boston, yeah. Those. Yeah, they had the rivalry with Boston back then. Yeah, it was a good one, too. Good one there, and they had, uh, of course, they you know Boston was getting long in the tooth with a few guys at O'Reilly, you know, but O'Reilly ended up being coach, you know, Millbury and... Uh, but then they had the young and up-and-comers in, in Boston. And of course, Cam Neely was a young guy. Come, making his, and I know Cam Neely was at one point a pretty good fighter. Like He was a lefty, and he could really throw. And uh, But he was such a good player. You didn't want Cam Neely wasting his time fighting guys. Um, right, and then, of course, you'd have Derek, San- you'd have Derek Sanderson. Oh, and Neely just wants to play hockey. Oh, no, that, that, <laughs> no, Boston, no, those, those, those fucking Boston announcers, they were the worst in the league. Uh, they still and Buffalo are. was the same. Buffalo is the same. Buffalo are homers. Boston are homers. I mean, everyone, even Dick Irvin in Montreal, I mean, they're all homers. But 
Um, but, you know, the, between the rivalry with, with let's say, uh, St. Louis, Chicago, I'll say that was a big one back in the 90s, in the early 90s. I'll say, of course, Calgary, Edmonton. Back in those days, it was always Semenko or Brown and, and, and Hunter. And uh, and then the rivalries kind of fizzled out, but you had Boston, Hartford. But the biggest one ever, Alec, in the old days ever, was Montreal, Quebec. Oh, that was a crazy yeah. rivalry. And, you know, Chris Nyland can tell you about those ones. But, you know, Dale Hunter was a little bastard back then in the day with Quebec. Oh, lucky and, uh, 100%. 100%. He had his brother, Mark Hunter, on, on Montreal. And then, you know, but uh, when I walked into the forum as a little kid, with seeing all their pictures on the wall, I was hooked right away. The smell of the popcorn, the pictures on the wall. And uh, I remember seeing Chris Nyland. He had the big, kind of the curly hair then. And I said, oh, there's Chris Nyland. I remember people were pointing at his picture, like calling there's Knuckles. And my cousins all love Knuckles Nyland. And, uh, but, uh, Again, I mean, uh, you know, we can go on and on, but uh, <laughs> no worries, man. Well, Fucking a. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to, you know, tire you out there, but it's. Uh, let me see. But I wanted to mention a guy when I played in North Bay. He's, a, he's on my Facebook. He's a good friend of mine. His name is Bill Lang, and he played in Shreveport too, pro, and he was a. Uh, an undersized guy kind of too. And when I went, when I got drafted to North Bay, you know, they have the inner squad games and, uh, he was a good friend of a guy that was, he was a year older than me. So he was already there a year before. So I'm like a rookie coming in. Langer's a second year guy. I ended up drilling a guy that he was good friends with on, on the team already. Like a center ice, open ice hit in, in inner squad. And he, and he was best friends with him. He came right after me. And I tell you, one of the best fights I ever had that no one would ever see, and it's not on tape anywhere, was against him in, pre, in the inner squad game to make the North Bay Centennial team. And we sat there, and we're both the same size. Maybe he's a little slighter than you, but we're both the same size. And we must have traded about, geez, I don't know, 20, 30 punches straight, right against right. And, I, and back then, I didn't really throw that, so it was right against right. And we both, it was the funniest thing, I think we were both kind of cut up and our knuckles were all bleeding. And we both got sent off together into the same corridor, into the same room to get repaired by the trainer. And we're sitting there talking and he's like, he was still kind of mad at me. I hit his friend and I, I, I was just trying to praise himself. Good fight, Langer. It's like, yeah, we, we might go again and all that. But, you know, it's funny we talk about it now. We're, we're good friends now. But when you have fights like that with guys, there's a certain bond you kind of keep. And um, he's just uh, an interesting character to be a smallish kind of guy, but what a good fighter he was. And guys like that don't, people don't know about, you know, especially, you know, you're a young guy, you wouldn't really, unless they kind of went on to go somewhere really, you don't really hear of him, but. Yeah, for okay. sure. Okay, what? What's that? Oh, sorry. Oh, no, sorry, but uh, it was just. Uh, there was someone trying to call through on my side. One sec. No worries, man. Uh, you still there, bud? Yep, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I was. I don't know who was. Oh, the wrong number calling through. <laughs> no but worries. Yeah, no, no. I just. Uh, yeah, you know, you praised a few guys, and uh, 
know, when you're a young kid and, and you're trying to make teams, uh, the first thing you do is you you got to make sure you won't get pushed around, and that's what I did that that year. And Bert Templeton was our coach. He ended up being a he passed away, but he was a tough tough old. Most of my coaches out were all old school tough guys. And uh, uh, back now today, you're getting a lot of the uh, guys my age or younger that have kind of they've adapted to the new style game. And it's all about you know speed and and even the tough guys of like the. Craig Berube is the coach of St. Louis. And, uh, I mean, there wasn't many tougher than him. In fact, you saw that one fight when he was, when Kerenzi was at the Rangers and he dropped Kerenzi. Oh, yeah, he sure did. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kerenzi kind of got him back a few times after that, but they never really went at it too good after that. But, you know, it's funny. When we played in Detroit in junior, they were having a pregame skate to Capitals in the Joe Lewis after one of our practices. They were about to play the Wings. And Kersey was coming off the ice, and the Washington was coming on the ice as we're just junior guys, but we're going by. And Kersey walked by Bruby in the hallway with her with her gear on, and just towered or Bruby looked up at him, and they walked by. And I remember Bruby whispered another guy, "Holy fuck, that guy's big." That's what Bruby said to one of the guys in the caps that they were walking out. <laughs> and I remember I heard it because I was behind Kersey, and I told him, "He goes, fucking Bruby's talking about you," and he was like, "Oh, really?" And I remember Bruby looking up at him from behind. Holy fuck, that guy's big. And then they go, obviously funny. And then he drops Kerenzi later. And Kerenzi fought him a few times after and and beat him. But they never really opened up too much. And uh, I know that Kerenzi, he had a lot of respect for a lot of guys. And uh, I just know that he had a few issues with Brashear. But I think a lot of guys did. And, uh, but uh, the bottom line is, I think, the game today is a different game. We either, you know, we're not going to get on board with it. If you don't like, you don't like it. Right but right now, we're so freaking bored. <laughs> yeah, no it's kidding. Gonna, you know, I'm almost ready to watch a period of somebody just take a run at somebody or at least throw a hit because it's like you can only watch so much of this political shit. So, no, oh, yeah, it's all it's, crazy. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, you know, keep keep the podcast. You know, you know, I know you're saying at times you kind of you know you're not in the mood to do it or whatnot. You know, it's, life gets in the way. You got other shit to do, obviously more important than a podcast. But, uh, you know, for other guys, you know, some guys like listening, obviously like listening to it. I like to listen to it before bed usually. And I'm lying in bed. I just kind of flip it on the on the on on my laptop and go to whatever. And then I kind of fall asleep. Then some of the internet will fall asleep in between, wake up, and you're still freaking talking. You know what I mean? Like I'll just, <laughs> yeah, I'll wake up. And there you, you're still going at it with somebody. You're talking about the, and how many have you done now? Do you know? What is it? Like, um, well, let's see. Yeah, I, I believe. Well, at this point with your episode, I think it would be 22 now. Oh, no, that'd be 23. Okay. Well, it's, you stretch it out pretty good. It feels like you've been doing it quite a while now. Oh, I, I try to go every two weeks, so I'm not I'm not trying to constantly fucking keep at it. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm sacrificing quality for quantity at that point. So I like uh, to do research and everything like that. The thing is... If you keep it fresh, like you said, and you keep, you know, you got to, you got to enjoy it, right? Like if you enjoy it, then, Hey, it's something that gets you through uh, certain days. And I know you're busier now. You say, you know, you get married, whatnot, and whatever you guys are doing, are you getting married? You said you're, you're, you're. No. Yeah. We just had to postpone it because of the virus thing, but yeah, we're. This is crazy. How how bad, 
it's really bad here, man. How bad is it there? Uh, it's pretty bad down here too. Um, it, it's like I, I I understand, but it's like I mean we can't go. We're quarantined. Like we can't even. I haven't really left the house in weeks, man. We're not to that point like, quite yet. Like I could, I still go. Like I have work tomorrow. I still go to work and everything like that. Well, yeah, yeah. There are people that I mean, I shouldn't say there are people that still have to do their thing, and it's like, but they're. Uh, I mean, my area specifically, uh, my town, I think we have, uh, I want to say like 40, 40 cases of the virus, like 38 to 40 cases of the virus. And the thing is, it's it's like, you know, young guys, you know, I wouldn't consider myself that young now, but I mean, you have obviously the more chance to fight it off, but I'm starting to see some real sick young people lying in hospital beds. So. I don't know if we're not hearing the full story here, Alec. I don't know what. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at the at the numbers on this one channel, and there's like almost two thousand people now. So uh, it doesn't sound like much when you look at the population, but jeez. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's just it's, it's, it's a little crazy. Yeah, I don't think it'll and, settle down for about another month, probably a month or two. Yeah, well, they they had some. Doctors, I mean, every doctor's had their own fucking thing, but one guy's saying they might not even have a quarantine, you didn't think, for like maybe 12 months, so I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Yeah, 12 months? What the hell are you going to do for 12 months? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I, I like, I'm not, a, listen, man, I'm not a big Trump guy. I don't get political, because Canadians, we're not overly big with him, but at some point, we got to get moving here. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that part I can agree with. Like, we got to, we got to, we got to hide out for as long as we need to, but at some point I'm going to lose my mind. So it's like, uh, it, either we deal with it at some point or they find the cure. I, I, but I, I thought it was crazy out to watch these news channels when it had uh, a million people, like it was spring break on the beach somewhere in Florida. Oh thought, yeah. Down there in clear water. I'm like, what the fuck are they thinking? What's going on with these people? Fucking idiots. And, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's just young, kind of like, I mean, I guess I would have felt the same maybe at that age. I don't know. Like, what is, what's going to happen to me? And maybe nothing will, but they're saying it's not that. It, it's, it's you're the carrier of the virus. It, it's you giving it to someone else. You might not get sick, but it's some older person or someone who has underlying issues. But anyways, uh, you know, forget about that stuff. But that's, the, we're all in lockdown. And, and, and like, I'm, I'm down to watching the, uh, hardwood classics right now on TV with uh, <laughs> fucking uh, 1975 college uh, basketball. Like, I don't even really care about basketball. Right, it's just yeah, you're itching for sports, some sort of sports. Well, I mean, I, I jumped on the old Raptors bandwagon because that's our team here. But you know, now with uh, I had to laugh because the the sports guys never give the Raptors any love because it's a Canadian team. But we're we're almost better this year without Kawhi Leonard, who everyone loved. We're bet we're just as good a team this year, and the and the American media still won't give the Raptors any love. Oh, no, Kawhi Leonard, no. We're a better team this year. And, I have you know, zero clue about basketball. Like I just I've never funny. I've never followed it ever. Either do I until until we won that championship last year. That's like <laughs> now my second go to. So once hockey leaves, I just pretend I know about basketball. But like I never really played. Like I. Growing up, I played uh, football and hockey. I was like uh, a little bit of baseball, but I was kind of football, hockey, and it's kind of two hard sports to play at the same time because of uh, 
you know, it's a bit physical to play both. Right, of course, it's a and, big strain on the body. You know, knees. I, I was always lucky, Alec. I never had any knee problems. I was always a shoulder injury guy, and I, you know, hurt my hand a bunch of times. But uh, shoulder separations, I had an AC separation. My first year junior, I was in a sling. I had to sleep in a sling for like a month with my arm in a in a curled position. Oh. And uh, my arm, and you know, it's tough because I like to work out. I couldn't work out. My arm looked like a little skinny little stick after a month in the sling. So I had to build myself back up. And back then, we didn't have the the nutrition, the techno. Like the workouts were a little more basic, but now it's so state of the everything, so state of the art. And, and I mean, I'm an old school guy. Even now, like when I lift weights, man, I, 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 I just do the basics. I do heavy curls, and chest, shoulders. Not all this fancy shit. You know, I don't believe in all that. I'm old school. I like the basic movements. And when I was younger and we did worked out for hockey, like I worked out like a, a lot of my friends out growing up were like uh, football players. I had a few bodybuilder buddies. Like everyone in my area was kind of like all built up. And, and today the kids aren't like that. It's a, it's a different scene. But, uh, you know, and, and I think today, uh, I, I don't know how they do it with the, the drug testing. I, it, there was probably a lot of guys in my era that were taking a lot of different shit. Because you know, <laughs> back then, Alec, I mean, drugs weren't tested for. And, oh, uh, you know, for there's sure. a lot of guys used up. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, let's face it. I mean, you know, that Quebec League, half those guys are juiced out of their mind. Oh, I mean, yeah. That's, just, that's the way it goes. And it's not like a taboo thing. That's just the way it is. You know, if you, if there's no test. I mean, that league is about being strong and tough. Why wouldn't you want to get the edge on another guy? Exactly. And well, if everybody else why, is doing it, why wouldn't you fucking do it? <laughs> I mean, look at that guy, Cote uh, there. I mean, the guy's oh, fucking Pat Cote. Oh man, and he's in, uh, he's in, uh, he's in prison. Whatever he's doing now, and I, I can guarantee you, they're not messing with him in prison either. No, he likes. It. He so, wanted to stay there. He he could have gotten out earlier, and he fucking opted to oh, stay in prison. Well, fuck, maybe, you know, Montreal's pretty crud. It could be guys waiting for him. You never know. Yeah, I mean, it's knows, a real yeah. rough. I grew up in Montreal. It's a rough but It's a rough city, man. There's a lot of shady shit going on. And uh, uh, that's the big difference. It's like I'm in Ontario. It's it's across the in, in Quebec. But Quebec's a little more like um, Toronto's like rough. But Quebec, there's a lot more like underground. There's a lot of crime going on. And so. Uh, you know, you got to watch yourself there. And, like, you know, those leagues, like you said, they're obviously, you know, they're they're funded by a lot of weird, shady shit. So, uh, but but you kind of know going in, it's a shady thing a bit maybe. And uh, you, you go with it and guys are going to pay you some money. You go and and they even talked to me at one point and I, I kind of basically knew I wasn't going to go, but I wanted to hear how they wouldn't have presented to me on the phone. And it was so funny, like, here's what you're going to do. Here's what we expect you to do. They don't play around, right? So you're going to come in and here's what you're going to do. And I just, I kind of laughed. I'm not coming in to do that. Are you kidding me? And, uh, you know, they throw some numbers around. But, you know, when you're older, unless you really love doing it, it's not really worth getting your face smashed in. Right. You know, like, I mean, you still got to live life. And with my concussion issues, it's not really a way I wanted to go out, you know? No, definitely not. I went to Spain where I can get all the room in the world maybe smack a few guys around. <laughs> they, they're afraid of you. And they're afraid of you in Spain. You play uh, you play all these years pro in the States. They're like, holy shit, this guy played here. 
and they couple guys try you. You you give them a couple smacks early, and then you stand in the slot. You tip pucks home all night, and uh, I mean I scored a lot of goals there, and uh, like you know it, you you finish your career off like you're Wayne Gretzky after all these years of doing nothing. <laughs> right. So it's like a nice little ego boost at the end, but uh, but it's too much of a party there, and uh, but people would be surprised that there was hockey there, but it was actually decent. It was uh, they had a lot of Russian guys over there. They were. They were at the time really trying to lure uh, players from other areas of the world, enticing them with nice apart. Like I had a nice apartment, was getting paid pretty decent, and uh, it, it was kind of under the table money. It was a bit of a shady thing going on, but uh, I was all I know is I was getting paid good and I had a nice place to live, and I wasn't paying for really too much. I think I, you know, I bought my own groceries and that was about it. Yeah, you know, even around not, town, that's not a bad gig at all not a bad gig you know you gotta these are kind of some of the stories you want to have you know like i mean how many guys at that age i was probably what 28 29 you mean still fairly young but like pretty much living for free partying for free scoring a few goals you know at the time i was single you're kind of wheeling around town so it's like you know you're like a rock star for at least a few months you know yeah absolutely uh, uh, the stories there are, are legendary for a lot of the, the guys that I know that played there, a couple of the Canadian guys. And actually one guy, uh, he ended up, um, he ended up marrying a girl from Spain and, uh, he's, he lives there now full time. Oh, like no uh, yeah. He's like a, a citizen now. So, but Spain, gee, Spain's really bad right now with that virus. So I wouldn't want to yes, be it there. Is. Cause right where, right where I was playing and we played Madrid and they're using the Madrid arena where I played in a bunch of times as a freaking cemetery right now. So oh, it's like, wow. it really hits home when you're watching all these uh, things happening in the arena. Cause it's cold. Eh? They got to keep the bodies on ice almost. So it's, uh, it's, it's out of hand. Hopefully that dies down. But yeah, Spain was a, it was a real trip. It was a different, different way of life. I, I would never want to live. Like I'm kind of a Homer, Alec. I like the way life is. I'm a simple guy. And uh, I have a few things I like, and that's basically it. I love watching sports, like highlights, and I love the fights and all that. I have very few interests, but, and, you know, working out, I'm a workout guy, I love that. And uh, I'm pretty simple, like, a few things, uh, simple things make me happy. And I don't need a bunch of complications. Like, when I was younger, of course, you know, the partying, I, I was kind of a bit of that. But I think everyone is at that point. You know, you're young, you got a couple bucks in your pocket, you know, most of these teams you play on when you're in, the, in, in playing pro, you don't pay for nothing. I mean, they pay for everything. And uh, basically, all the money you have is just kind of free your own cash to do what you want. And remember, when I was in wheeling, I was getting paid a lot better money than a lot of the guys because I was under contract from up top. So my check would come every two weeks. They were getting paid every week from the team. And I was a couple of us that were signed were getting like a every two-week check in our stall from the Oilers. And so it was a little bit chunkier than the guys, you know, at the time anyways, like in the mid nineties, it's pretty decent coin, but you know, at that age, I'm 20 years old. Anything's, you know, anything's pretty damn good at that point. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But, especially, yeah. especially playing in a league like that, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, if, if you're young and you're getting paid to play a sport, I would say, you just got to love anything you're really getting paid. I mean, listen, you could be slugging wood 
or digging ditches, dishes, uh, digging ditches. And, and, and that's not the same as playing hockey and getting paid that same type. I mean, it really is a different world because you got to remember when we're out and we're doing things, a lot of times we're not paying for most stuff we're doing. So it's like you have a lot of like a booster club people, fans, people kind of rolling out the carpet a bit for you. It, it really is a different world. And uh, it doesn't last long, mind you. You're in that world for a little bit, but, you know, you taste it for a bit. It's fun. But uh, it can get old pretty quick and a little bit routine because you're in the hotels. Uh, you're living out of a suitcase, right? And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's eight months, seven, eight months of the year, and then you come back home and you, you party with your regular friends for three or four months while you get ready to, to go back and do it all again. So uh, I'd say the only thing I would do different, and I think a lot of guys maybe, maybe take shit a little more serious, uh, with the not so much the training, but the attitude that it's not just to have fun. You're there to try to get to the next level, right? And uh, I think a lot of us get caught up in that balancing act with, uh, well, you know, people are lingering around. You got the girls here. You got fuck. <laughs> there's no way longest podcast. There's ever. no way you're there, there's no way you're putting on all this uh, oh, four it's hours all, oh, it's online. All, it's all going to be there. Well, it's just. Whoever listens to that for four hours, they're going to have a lot. They're really going to be. They're going to be thinking, "Geez, I got no time on my hands, and I might as well listen to this." <laughs> It'll be but, just like the uh, fourth line voice episode. <laughs> oh, how, what's your longest one you've ever done? I think Couple that was. I, I, well, now it's going to be this one for sure. But let me see. I, I think the fourth line voice one. Uh, me and him, fuck, we went on for. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I like when you and him go at it because it's just like. Uh, I mean, you guys both love all this shit, so you Two get into it. Two idiots going at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I, buddy, trust me. Like, uh, I would think if I was younger, I'd probably be into that same stuff that you're doing, like with this, because I, I enjoy the banter. I like the, uh, you know, the, like, like you said, like I, I get it. Like it's, a, you know, you do the podcast, you can, you get into all the stories, but I mean, most of the shit I, most of the shit I have to say, it's like it can really get dicey. Like as far as the, you know, like, I mean, I get it. It's all, it's all or nothing, but you know, the thing with, with, with hockey guys talking, sometimes you got to pull back because there's a bit of like what's behind the curtain has to kind of stay behind the curtain a little bit. It's like the wizard of Oz. Like you can't, you can't let too much out of the bag, <laughs> right? you know, cause there's still a bit of that element that like, I wonder what it's like to do, you know, you know, and, and then, and then the odd time, you always, I find you always kind of have to watch, you want to watch how you talk about certain guys because you you kind of have to respect everybody really because it's a tough life and certainly it's not all about just having. I mean, it's a really tough grind for a lot of guys. It's uh, took me a lot of years to get into. Like I'll tell you, Alec, when I retired, I spent like a year, like really spaced out, not know because you're so used to routine, right? And you might know that through the military, I would think. Um, yeah there's a routine that you're used to and you're used to being almost told what to do and you have to become independent somehow. And it really is hard because you're used to schedules. You're used to routines. You're used to times you got to do this times you got to do that. And when you don't have anyone telling you anything, you're sitting in a room looking at walls. And you're like, what am I going to do now? Like, what do you, it, 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 sometimes when it's over, it's over. Like with a thud, it's over. And, uh, a lot of guys, man, and, and, and hockey is one of the worst sports for it 
for whatever reason, I think because it, it's such a close knit, it's, it's kind of really a small community, really. And uh, I think a lot of guys have trouble after the game, and I certainly did. I mean, I, I think for a while I was I was going on with things, but I think I was really neglecting what was going on. I was having some real issues with kind of with my anxiety, but I was having some mental lapses. I mean, I must admit, I mean, you know, I'm at the point where I got to like write little notes down because, you know, your memory starts to go a little bit. And, uh, you know, that's normal as you get older, but you do notice things that aren't quite normal and the depression sinks in. I had like a real bad thing with anxiety and, uh, and moods obviously due to concussion, your mood can go kind of go up and down. So there's the dark side of the game that people are trying to expose in a way where I don't really like it. Like, like I said, that's why I'm on this side of the fence, Alex, because, um, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to jump all in on this attack against hockey because, you know, without it, I, I wouldn't certainly have all this to talk about, but, uh, it, it it feels almost feels like you're betraying it. I think when you start to really uh, dissect it in a way that you should kind of leave alone. I mean, if some guy didn't like fighting, then they shouldn't have done it. I mean, it's uh, you can't you can't you can't collect the benefits from it and then and then attack it after. I'm not a big believer in that. So right. I, I think you almost have to weigh the good and bad and 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 almost accept what's going on. Now listen, I, I I'm 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 saddened. I saw some guy wanted to talk about who did I think shouldn't have done this, or because some of the a lot of these guys have passed on, maybe or whatnot. But you know, that's an individual thing. Uh, whoever's going through something, that's an individual who who maybe doesn't see a better thing going on. Uh, you know, and and you know, military I would assume has a lot of that same thing, the PTSD and all this stuff. There is a lot of that. Uh, uh, there's, there's, there's. Our trauma comes more from not being in the game more than what's gone on in the game, I think. And uh, uh, depression is normal for a lot of guys, but I, I just can't get on board with certain guys wanting me to be part of some crusade against the game. And I've lost a lot of friends, Alec, over it. So, you know, uh, you know some guys want me to be, uh, you know, they. You know how much I know about the game. They want to be more of an advocate against violence in the game. It's like, buddy, what are you talking about? Like, I'm all for it. Am I supposed to change my stance in the net, you know in a few minutes and then say, hey, uh, uh, you know, I'm against it now? Like, it, it doesn't work that way. I, I didn't, I wasn't raised that way. I knew the game was tough. I, I liked the tough part of the game, um, and I, I kind of don't understand what's going on. Like. There's not really any money there for people because listen, all us guys in the minors, uh, we're not like we're in the show and then something happened to us after a few years and there's all this money on the table for us. Nobody cares about the guys in the minors. It's a different, it's a different world. The guys in the show, there's a different fight going on. Uh, I agree. They should be maybe helping take care of the older guys that went through the battles and the wars, you know, maybe a bit more financially, but I don't, believe in the whole all-out attack and let's see what we can get from the game. I, I, I don't know about that, and that's not where I'm at with it. But Because, um, listen, Alex, I've been to the end and back. Like, I, I was uh, in a real bad place about three and a half, 2016. 
you know, I, I was really contemplating wanting to, wanting to be uh, here. And so uh, that takes, you know, I will say this, Alec, a lot of times people say, um, well, you know, you know, some of these guys have passed away unto their own. Well, it takes, it's kind of a cowardly thing to do. I, I, I beg to differ. I, I, takes a lot of balls to go through with something like that. I, uh, for someone to go that far with it, there's something real bad happening inside. So I don't ever, uh, I don't ever, uh, you know, pretend to think what some guys are going through. I just know what I've been gone, what I've gone through. And, uh, I think a lot of guys, you'll find different answers there, but, uh, uh, again, I, I think, you'll see that some guys have done well since the game's ended and you'll see, you'll see some guys have not done very well. And I, I don't know if you, I, I don't know if you've interviewed anyone where you felt like, uh, uh, you know, they've, they've transitioned fine or there's been some struggles or everyone's been good. I, I don't know. I really caught on to that. For the but, most uh, part, it seemed, it seems like I, well, I was asking what, what they're up to before and make sure everything's all right. And for the most part, yeah, yeah, you don't want to dive into that later in case something's not, you know, right. Um, but yeah, well, so I think but, every, so far it's been fine. Yeah, no, no, I, I, that's good. I mean, cause it, I mean, actually, you know, Alex, for the, for the most part, I bet you a lot of guys that aren't doing good probably wouldn't accept the podcast in, in the first place. Right. Oh, there's, I mean, there's definitely been gonna... a couple of guys where they'll say, you know, hey, it's, uh, that's behind me now, and I'm a different person now, so I, I yeah, yeah. Would, would don't want to come on, and that's perfectly fine. You know, I don't, I don't oh, motherfuck okay. them so afterwards. Have you have you reached out to certain players where they've said, listen, I'm not really involved in that anymore. I don't want to talk about it. like you have talked to guys where they're not in the mood to talk about this stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, not so really, not, like, not okay. necessarily fighting. It's just like. Um, well, obviously they're gonna with the, with my show. I, I always ask you know the fighters and the enforcers and guys like that. Yeah, um, but I've had guys, guys reach out and you know, hey, that's I got a new life now, so this is uh, you know I want to focus on this yeah. and you know don't want to live in the past or uh, you know yeah, some yeah. people find faith and if that's what they find then you know and they're happy then by all means be happy. You know I'm, I don't I don't have any hard feelings if somebody doesn't want to come on the show or. Uh, you know, they don't like fighting in hockey anymore. It is what it is. Yeah, I mean, you got, I mean, the, the bottom line is, I mean, I guess you got to respect everyone's individual, uh, right? I think, you know, speaking for myself, it's just that I always feel a bit weird inside if I'm feeling like I got to be swayed into because the, the bottom line is, I, I, I would actually go back and do it kind of similar. Like, I, I like. Uh, that stuff and and I of course we don't all know going in like I don't I didn't go in at 17 and junior saying I'll probably end up with 10 concussions and and have all these issues like nobody thinks of that down the road but you know once that's happened and you have had some like people have had issues and for me I'm kind of on the other end of it now kind of coming back from it but I did go through that dark period where hey there's some choices to make here and uh Believe me, I was at the brink. I saw the top concussion specialist and, and uh, renowned doctors in the area and, and people who have worked with guys who are in my position and I've had so many CAT scans and MRIs. And I mean, I, I'm one of those guys who have been to all these doctors and uh, they understand my brain doesn't look like someone else's brain, right? And uh, uh, But at the end of the day, you have to kind of, 
work with what you got. And uh, I don't know how I've changed if I have or not. And, uh, you know, my parents might say, oh, gee, you used to be a lot more, uh, uh, you know, you know, I'm, I'm probably a little more closed off now than I used to be. Like I was a little bit maybe more outgoing at one point, a little more around a lot more people. My 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 friendly circle is smaller now. Um, but uh, and I think that's why I'm probably pretty good online. Uh, it allows you to kind of be yourself without being around too many people, uh, like in person. You know what I mean? So it's a nice way to kind of slowly creep back in and, and just connect with guys you haven't talked to for a while. And um, I don't even really relate it to the fighting. Sometimes it's about the camaraderie, about uh, the game, about the changes, the good or bad, and uh, the players in it. Um, but I respect guys who say, yeah, I, I don't want to get on there and open up a can of worms. I mean, maybe some guys... Uh, stuff still bothers them like like it used to bother me like i couldn't have done this with you three years ago right because i would have been too pissed off about why this didn't happen you know a lot of us are bitter right so we go through that stage of why didn't this happen for me and why didn't i make it like i should have made i was better than that guy a lot of us go through that you know but at some point you have to accept that there's things you did to contribute to you not getting to a certain stage so it's kind of a both back and forth. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't know how majority guys are. I know how, how I've done. I know a few other guys have struggled, but some of the other guys that have struggled have went all in against the game. So I'm not part of that crew. And, uh, and I've lost a lot of those friends over the cut. There's a whole brigade of guys that are, are all on that charge of going after the fighting part of that charge, getting rid of fighting junior. It's like, buddy, buddy, I can't, I can't believe all the shit you did to other guys, but now you don't want those guys doing it. It's like, uh, it's, it's a little bit hypocritical, but I, I can't judge what one person's goal is. That's their own story. So I don't know. I, I just think it's better to relive the game in a way where you felt positive about it. And, uh, uh, I went through all that stage, man. I don't want to go through that again. And, uh, I went to so many doctors and, and seen so many people. And like I said, you know, when you're younger, you don't really think of all this at the end of the road anyway. Uh, but if you have to deal with it at the end, you have to deal with it. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, with the specialists I've seen and different people I've seen and, uh, <clears throat> you know, the changes I've made. And I think my parents or family around me, uh, you know, they were worried for a while for me. And, uh, but, you know, you got to think of them, eh? In times like that, you can't just think of yourself. So, uh, you know, you're almost forced to kind of get yourself out of the hole and uh, and get back to just accepting what you loved about the game, get back to the fun of uh, remember the guys, remember the times. Uh, you know, I forget a lot of things as well. So it's like, you know, there are times you have these flashbacks of different times where you were faces you saw some guys can remind you of certain things and uh, uh and like you said some guys don't want to hear about it anymore it's past them like they're done with it hockey's over you know guys my age like i'm for i'm 45 now man it's like uh where did the time go i felt like i one of the problems with with me uh, uh alec is that 
I've had a lot of like um, what they say uh, memory lapses in the sense that the time is long since junior, let's say, but my memory of it is very short, meaning it, it feels like it happened not very long ago. Right. But all these years are in between that have happened. So from they're saying they're saying to me that my issues are from what like I retired in O two O three area. So from that time, let's say till now, a lot of that time was went by in flash, meaning it's almost like blacked out, blocked out, whatever, maybe, maybe part of my doing, part of not my doing, and it's gone, meaning that the next closest memory I have mentally is maybe my last season playing, and it's like I don't realize the gap. So if I talk sometimes, it might come off as though this shit happened yesterday. And people may be saying this guy on this guy talking about, but that's how it works for certain guys. So you don't really realize that, Hey man, there's been, there's been almost 18 years since you last were doing this shit. What are you talking about? Like wake up. But for some of us, it's not like that. You kind of, it's almost like time stands still where you left off. Real life went on. You don't remember maybe some of those blurry years. And it's like there's all these time lapses. So, I mean, if I'm talking about 1990 like it was yesterday, it feels like it was yesterday. And uh, could be a could be a, something I can't get out of my head or it's just something that happens because that's my last, maybe my last favorite memory. Who knows how it works, right? Oh, yeah, for sure, man. All of us are wired differently. And, uh, sure. fuck, some things like that will happen with me with the military. It feels like just yesterday. But, fuck, I've been out for two years already. Like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. And two years, man. Two, so, say, for you, you're a young guy, two years, it's a, it's a good chunk of time, two years. But it's like two years or two years. If it's, if your last memory of it feels like, shit, can't believe it's been two years. Meaning, meaning that, you know, you can leave that lifestyle there. But that lifestyle or that stuff you did there still very vivid and uh like i mean and even older players like you'll talk sometimes you'll hear older players say they they still dream about the game they're long done with the game they're like 60 70 year old men but in their mind sometimes in their dream they're still 25 chasing the puck around it's really hard to it's sometimes it's really hard to uh get away from that no matter what you do and it depends like for me uh the game meant a lot of different things. It was a, it was my passion. It was my escape. Like I said, when you're when you're a young guy obsessed with a game, you really maybe don't realize how maybe even shitty you've treated other people in the sense that the game is number one, you're number two. So it's like, say you have a girlfriend, say you have this, you might think I was a great boyfriend. Maybe you weren't. You know, maybe maybe you weren't so cool or cool like because you were obsessed with something else that maybe in, at the time was more important to you than that. So it's like, uh, you sacrifice. Like, I mean, I never went to like, a, a you know, the big high school stuff and different. I mean, we, we sacrificed a lot of stuff that normal guys did. And, uh, so we, we do have a bit of a gap in our mind sometimes and we didn't learn to do certain things till later. A lot of kids our age were always doing it. Because we were on the road already on the buses. We were doing all that shit already. Like uh, adult stuff in a sense. Uh, even though it was kind of a, a kid's game, we were kind of forced 
to, to do some other lifestyle that we just choose to do. But, uh, you know, and then a lot of times you're away and you're a young guy, you're, you're kind of missing guys at home. You're like, well, yeah, I wish I was like at home with my normal friends doing normal things. But those, all those friends you're wishing you were doing that with, they're all obsessing about wishing they were where you were. So you can never take it for granted. It's like, man, some of my friends would have gave anything to be doing what I'm doing at the time, right? Absolutely, so man. always respect the game you choose or the profession you choose in a sense that if you're choosing to do it and, and it's something you like to do, when you look back and you're not don't have to do it or you're not doing it anymore and you miss it, you're missing it because it was something enjoyable. And uh, for a lot of the hockey guys, the biggest problem is 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 moving on from that, moving on from that thrill, that joy, walking out into a, an arena with um, fifteen thousand people screaming, and, and you're just a teenager. That's pretty crazy shit. So. Once you come back, when when that's all over, Alec, and the screaming and the cheering's over, it's a pretty humbling day. Like you wake up and now you're just like everyone else. You wake up and you look out the window and you're like, "What the fuck? What just happened? It's all over." And uh, it's a humbling experience for a lot of guys. A lot of guys don't adapt well. I know I didn't. Some guys do. Um, you know, when you throw all your eggs in the one basket, out there's a lot of issues that come with that. So, um, you know, the experiences you have are great, but remember that uh, there's another life out there that a lot of us just don't think about. And uh, it's pretty—it's a pretty humbling day and humbling experience. It could be uh, obviously disastrous and deadly for some guys. You can't ever get over it, right? But uh, but the game itself—we loved. We, I played with all these players. Uh, a lot of NHL guys. Uh, I was at Jeff O'Neill's retirement uh, jersey ceremony a few years back. Todd Bertuzzi's. Uh, Guelph's got a pretty good tradition of honoring ex-players. and uh, So they're a top-notch organization. And so that was friendly, and they took care of, like, hotels, and they did all the stuff where they got us, you know, free drinks and the rest of it, you know, all the stuff that comes with it. But... Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you have your your buddies from that, and the thing is, you you got your hockey buddies, and then you got your your normal buddies from back home, kind of thing. And now they're always different kinds of buddies. The hockey buddies kind of know you through that lifestyle, and you all do that kind of uh, kind of live like a little mini rock star in your own little bubble. Then you come home, you're just regular you again, and it's kind of a, a nice it's kind of nice to come back sometimes and kind of get that weight of your shoulder off and be a normal guy. And then the next season you go back and you, you put on the cape again and you become Superman, right? Yeah, for uh, sure. It was the same way with the military. Like I got my military buddies and then I come home. Yeah. You know, they know me here. So I got my buddies here. It's the same, same exact thing. It's different buddies. And yet the buddies you have here, they kind of want to ask a lot of questions. What was it like? Did you do this? Did you do that? It's like my buddies, when I come home from hockey, they're like, hey, how was it living there? Did you, you know, what did you guys do? What was it like? You see all these guys that are asking questions on on the uh, on the, on the Facebook um, yep. group? Those are guys that love the game, but they don't know really what it's about. They're obsessed with knowing what it felt like. 
Like that's why they're asking some questions that sound kind of silly, but they're not really. It's it's because they want to know what it was like. Right. I mean, because some of them maybe played hockey and, and were good or didn't have something go on or the means or something that didn't allow them to continue. And they want to know what it was like that next step. What was it like to live there? What was it like to play against that guy? Did you ever fight this guy? They're, they're, they're wanting to know that experience because they find it thrilling and it's, it's normal, right? It's a normal thing. Like, what was that like? It'd be like me talking to, uh, you know, a rock star or something like, what was it like to play on stage in that, in that arena? Like, what was that feeling? Like, we don't know those feelings, but they just want to glimmer and glimpse into that because it does feel kind of interesting to feel that for even a second. What was that like? And, uh, sometimes I think when we're going at it or talking on those forms, like, you know, I don't, I sometimes even forget, maybe they're just, they're just trying to dive into your, to your life just for a second. What was that all about? Like what happened? What did you guys talk? Like what, what, what was it like playing against that person? Did so and so fight you? Were you as scared of this guy? Like answering that stuff maybe means a big deal to some of these guys. I don't know. You know, it's, it's, you know, that's why it's such a popular little forum. People are, or little group, people are loving it. I mean, it's almost, what, it's like 10,000 people in the group now or something. Yeah, we almost got 10,000 now. It's crazy. I mean, that's that's a good-sized group for that type of topic. It's it's a real little niche little group, but it's it's people that really do like that stuff or they wouldn't be in the group, right? Oh, 100%. You know, it's it's one of those things that... It, it, Unless you, you know, you get the odd guys, see, they join it, all they do want to do is shit talk, guys. Yeah, they just want to sit there and motherfuck, cool. and then they'll get kicked out in yeah, three yeah. seconds. <laughs> they'll tell their wife later, oh, I just chirped at uh, so-and-so playing the NHL. Like, they want to feel tough for irrelevant for a second that, hey, I got under so-and-so's skin. Uh, and that's, that's, uh, that's expected, actually. I mean, I don't really care for that too much, but I wouldn't be, like, super stunned that that's what a guy or, or two would do. But, uh, I mean, I was just a regular dude. I had, I had, a, I was a, I, I mean, as a young, young guy, I was a really skilled player. I was, I was a, a top goal scorer as a kid. And, uh, you kind of grow into a, a, a man's body and you become more physical and you, you start to take on some challenges. And I, I fought a few guys that ended up being pretty good players. And, uh, I, I think, you know, you know, all those years, I, I, I you know, and, and I, I would never do this to two my own horn, but I didn't lose very many fights, you know, contrary to what somebody might want to, you know, you didn't have a lot of, I didn't lose very many fights. And, and because I fought to win. And if you fight to win, you're going to win a lot of your fights, right? And uh, if you fight to just hang in there, you're probably going to get, you're probably going to lose a lot of fights. So it's like, you got to fight to win was always my thing. And, uh, and the couple losses I took, I lost. I always, I mean, you, you lose, you lose. I mean, it's, it's like, it's like anything in life. If, if somebody's better than you at it, you just take the L and you move on to the next day. And, uh, my life was never defined by that, but I was always proud of, uh, in hockey, I think the, bi- the biggest thing is you gotta be able to look in the mirror at the end of a game or every time you face somebody and say, you 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 didn't cheat yourself out of ducking some like 
you don't want to be that feeling. And I had that feeling once or twice early in my career. I, I want to say in junior because you're young and you're a little bit intimidated. You don't want to go in the room after and say, I actually purposely avoided certain guys because that makes you feel a little bit, a little bit less of, you don't want to have that feeling. So uh, it's better to face it head on. And, and if you've got to lose, you lose. But uh, there's a lot of guys who take a lot of shortcuts. And I mean, I took some shortcuts here and there, but you don't want to, you don't want to look back and go, geez, I, I ducked that guy or I didn't. It's not a good feeling. You don't want to be that guy. I mean, we all know everyone was afraid of Chris Simon my first year in junior. It was just the way it was. I mean, hey, nobody wants to get their teeth stuck out and all that. I mean, nobody. But you have to, at some point, if you answer the bell, you might feel pretty damn good about yourself. But, you know, it's, it's, it's experience you got you got to hit head on. And that's why I'm kind of glad it wasn't like a, a Karen be being six foot six because he was kind of forced to do that shit. Right. And uh, when you're six six, it's not about being finesse. You're gonna make it, and you're gonna make it one way. And if you don't sharpen up your hands, and you don't put on some size, and you know you're gonna be run out of the league by a smaller guy who's tougher. And so when you're big, you gotta get tough in a hurry. And and if you know, Kerensky took a few lumps early, but he ended up having the last laugh because a lot of the guys he, who lumped him up early, he ended up lumping up later. And but I, I will say he's a bit of a. He's a bit of a different story because you want to know something. Most guys, that, most guys who went through what he did in the Rangers would have been out of the league after that because they would have been totally shattered, confident-wise. And uh, he wasn't shattered. He was like he was originally, but he ended up using it as a motivational tool for himself. And uh, he's one of the few that came back stronger. And uh, you got to give him props for that. And uh, I think it takes a lot, of, a lot of guts to do what he did. And uh, sometimes you get the odd guy that doesn't care. But I think for the most part, he gets a lot of respect on there, Karen. So uh, it's pretty tough not to respect a guy that comes back from how he started to where he ended off. Right. You know, it's. I mean, he really, he really, he really beat up a few pretty tough guys. And uh, he never fought a couple guys. I always wondered, like, maybe they just didn't play. He never fought Twist and all those guys. Because you got to remember, Twist is kind of like a little bit before us. Like, me and Kennedy kind of come on in the next group. Twist is about six or seven years older than we are. So as Kennedy's entering, he's really 20s. Twist is getting into the closest, closer to 30. So, and I think Twister had that ac- that motorcycle accident that that kind of he was coming back and he had some accident and I think it, it jolted his career and he stopped playing. But um, a couple of guys had some issues and they didn't come back. But uh, that that year from '95 to 2000, those years from '95 to 2000, I think are the golden years for real heavy. Like I'm talking real tough. And I think once the 2000s hit, even though we're still tough, I think you can already start to see it slowly trickle away. The writing was starting to slowly trickle into the yeah. 2000s. You know what I mean? So I think uh, I think I, I, you got to just respect all the guys did the job. I certainly do. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I, I give props to any guys. I give props to anybody who, who, who stood on, on skates in the middle of an ice rink throwing fists with another player knowing that bad shit could happen. And uh, it really does take a lot of guts, a lot of balls. And uh, it's not for everybody. I certainly wasn't uh, an everyday guy doing it. I did my share of it. And, uh, but I really respected the guys that did it daily. And I'm talking, talking guys like Dennis Bonzi. It was every day, every game. And there's no amount of value you can put on that to a team that knows that you're going to have their back every shift of every game. And uh, every team he played on, I guarantee he was the most popular player. He was the most popular with us in North Bay. And he certainly was in Cape Breton. So give props to those guys. Give props to the Proberts, who was the heavyweight king, uh, and, and, and lived it. He lived a hard life, and he did it the way he wanted to do it. And um, fortunately, some of these good guys die young from, from, from certain lifestyles. But, uh, you know, they, they lived it. They, they, they lived the life. They, they didn't seem to apologize about it, and they just did it the way they wanted to do it. And then you get other guys. You get the, the scholar, the, the George Perroses, who were a big uh, Ivy League school guys who were brains, and they still did the job. So I don't know why guys like that would choose to do the job, but you got to like doing it, I guess. You know, when, right. you're, when you're able to do something else with your life and you choose to stand on skates and fight, that, that's a whole different, that's a tough, that, that takes a tough guy to do that. Same with the other guy. What was the other guy from uh, the guard, ice guard? Kevin Westgarth. Westgarth, another guy, real big, tough guy, very smart. And the lure of, of hockey is strong. You want to be in there. You want to be in the battle. It's like gladiators on ice, right? So um, <clears throat> toughest job in sports, if you ask any guy. Um, they were always the most respected guys on the team. You know, guys who uh, played in junior with a guy named Stefan Soulier. Five foot nine, 185, 90 pounds. Maybe the toughest guy, him and Rob Tromboy, that played with him wheeling, the two toughest, smaller guys that you'd never heard of that went on to play just a little bit of pro here and there. Rob went to England, was actually pretty tough over there. But um, I always had a, a lot of respect for small guys doing that kind, type of stuff. And uh, they don't get the publicity because no really really knows who they are other than uh, guys who have played with or against them. Because um, I'm like you. like I'm kind of more of a fan of the minor league stuff. Right. Uh, I, I really find that to be the hidden treasures and the gold in all this. Oh, 100%. And, uh, the guys who didn't make it, but the guys who did the battles, the road trips, the broken noses. Look, like, look at the noses on some of these guys, like Robert. I mean... Like the nose is across his face. I mean, you don't you don't pick you don't choose to do that. Like, you know, you don't grow up going. I want my nose to be across my face. <laughs> right. But it, it's the way shit goes. And uh, you know, I just posted the other day when we I played against Roberts in the minors, and we were in we were in Utica or Mohawk or where we were. They were already there playing playing the team we were going to play, but both their teams were in the same restaurant, and he was. 
sitting away. The team was there eating, and Robert's was sitting on his own at the bar. He had a beer in front of him, and he was. He just looked like a guy who, who had been through it all. Like he was 35 already, probably. He had already been playing 15 years pro. You know, his nose, his face, his hands are all beat up. He's drinking the beer, and I thought, "There's a guy. That's a tough dude." I just, you just looked at him and said, "That's one tough dude sitting there." And the respect you have for guys like that is unreal. It's like it's a, it's like an unwritten. Thing. You just look at him and say, "Man, that guy's been through some wars." And he looked like he was sore. His back, he was stretching a bit, and. You know, it's stuff like that that I used to notice. Like, you look at some of the older guys. Because Robert is, like, 10 years older than me. He's, like, most great chicken. So I was, like, in my mid-20s. He's probably mid-30s. And you're, like, looking at him like he's stretching. He's got, like, a black eye. He's drinking his beer. And I thought, man, that's a guy who's went to war for 15 years. And uh, doesn't look like he cares about the accolades from it. Doesn't want any accolades. I respect that. The guy who doesn't, the guys who want the accolades, Alec, like the really guys who really want to be, they actually really didn't do too much. Like the guys who were in the big wars, they're just regular dudes, man. And uh, they do the most stuff for the hospitals, the charities. Uh, they don't want the fanfare from it. You know, I would think the scores are, and the, and the, and the, from what I remember, like the guys score, they were a little more of the prima donnas. They, they liked the limelight a little bit. But the tough guys, that wasn't their thing, man. They 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 like to do their stuff. They like to hang out with the fans and be courteous. But they didn't do it for, like, the publicity, really. It was more like the bottom of their heart. And the most guys are very humble about it. Because if you're not humble about being a tough guy, I can tell you, and those guys would tell you more than me, the job will humble you itself. I mean... Because somebody's going to get you. You know, like, look at Bob Probert. They started to get him at the end. And it felt bad because as Probert got older, a lot of the young guys were starting to tune him up. And I thought, man, that's... I didn't want to see Proby go out that way. A lot of the young guys were starting to give it to him. Right. And, uh, you know, he hung on a bit long, I thought. But uh, he was willing to do it to the end, man. And uh, I gotta, I got I to gotta respect that and... I certainly wasn't a guy that was, was like that or willing to do it. I, I was just willing to, to stick up for myself, but I wasn't willing to be that guy. The Bonvies, the Proberts, those it's a different breed. And uh, a lot of respect. Uh, you can only respect them because if you don't respect that guy, then you really shouldn't be in that kind of sport. It's, 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 uh, it's a whole different sport and, there's a reason guys like you love the love, love those guys. You know, you're a guy, you know, military guy. You have a, a feeling for those guys that put it on the line. And there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot of uh, similarities actually with uh, a lot of the ex-hockey players. They get into uh, um, afterwards, they get into um, firefighting and uh, a lot of stuff where there's still a lot of teamwork and camaraderie. Yeah. And, um, it just makes sense. They like to be part of a team. They like to be part of a banter in the, in the office or wherever they are, or, or uh, you know, the fire hall with the firefighters, policemen, whatever it is, they like the camaraderie. 
actually a lot of them get into real estate as well, but kind of a different thing. Like a lot of them like to, you know, gift for gab or whatever, but, uh, you know, you deal with so many people in hockey, you're pretty comfortable talking to people, you know, but, uh, anyways, brother, I'm going to let you go. I think that's about it for me. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, man. Fuck four and a half yeah, hours. Yeah, we had a good run. No, we had a good run. And, uh, Probably didn't get into a lot of stuff I probably would have thought I was going to get into just because, you know, we started getting into it and it becomes a real situation. You know, I'm one of those guys where I can write things. Cause I, I had a couple things written down just to kind of look at some stuff. And then when I start talking, I, I kind of like to free wing it. No, for sure. Fuck, I didn't even have anything written down because I, I, we talked before well, and we, we, I knew we were just going to be able to fucking Yeah, yeah, you, you knew, you knew <laughs> that... Uh, just based on my post, I like to get things Fuck moving yeah. here. But um, again, I'll keep keep up the good work. Um, it's uh, really happy about you know the group being part of the group, and 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 I think it's a real interesting thing for a lot of the hockey guys to be part of. So uh, you know, continue uh, continue the good work, and I think it's been a success so far. So um, you know. Uh, uh, you know, to all the other guys you've had on, uh, I've enjoyed listening to them. And uh, hopefully with each guy that comes on, somebody can take a little bit from each guy and uh, and kind of slap it all together into one little thing and say, geez, that's a pretty interesting life these guys live or live, you know? Absolutely, man. Well, but, well fuck, um, I can't thank you enough for coming on. And I, I appreciate yeah, thanks, all that you do for the group and, uh, you know, given the insight, and even now, I mean, fuck, we just had four and a half hours of content here. This is yeah. fucking fantastic. Yeah, trust me. When it's when it's when it's not going good, it's usually a time for someone about a half hour and say, "I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's, uh, it's one of those things where you just kind of wing it, and uh, you know, when it comes to hockey, Alec, I could, you know, people that know me, especially uh, you know, close friends, they know how much I love hockey and talk about it to them and probably talk to a lot of their ears off. So, uh, you know, girls I've dated, people I know, people have heard enough of hockey from me for a lifetime. So um, <laughs> it, it, it's the way it goes with me. It's kind of a, the package you take on. And uh, uh, again, uh, keep up the good work. And I'll be listening to, uh, I'm looking forward to listening to Killer. So I'll be uh, listening to, uh, when that gets out, I'll be, you know, looking forward to that one. Absolutely, man. Well, yeah. sounds good. Fuck it'll. Hopefully, it'll be out next week. I think I'll I'll, I'll release it next week, maybe. Hey, get it out there because I need some uh, some bedtime stories. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> we'll have a good one and uh, something to put me. You know, a lot of times I fall asleep and I'll wake up halfway through and I'm back into another section of the talk. So it's a nice little thing for me to to uh, fall asleep, wake up to hear some more of it, fall asleep. <laughs> so I pick up like every uh, you know every half hour at times, but regardless, it's a good thing for uh, guys like me to listen to. It's uh, you know if you've been if you've been where guys like me have been and you come out the other side, it's a, it's a fun group to be a part of. So uh, keep up the good work. We had a good long talk, and uh, we'll be uh, keeping in touch online and maybe down the road we'll uh, we'll get into round two. For sure, man. Well, you have yourself a good night, man. You too, bud, and uh, and uh, you know, hopefully, you guys stay safe over there, and that's what we're trying to do here. Absolutely. You gotta fight okay, buddy. For your right. You too. Bye.
You gotta 